Welcome to part two of the 10th anniversary special of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This was recorded and broadcasted live on March 2nd, 2022, which was our 10th anniversary of the beginning of Poker Fraud Alert. The show ran for 13 hours. It was so long that number one, I did not want to have to edit the whole thing in one shot. And number two, I don't think you wanted to listen to the whole thing at one shot. I know some of you do. I know some of you would listen to a 26-hour show, but most of you would prefer it does not get above the length we presently have of like six to eight hours of our typical show. So what I decided as the show got very long was that we would split it. We would split it into part one and part two in the archives, and this would give me another week to recover from the marathon show before coming back about two weeks following the March 2nd broadcast. So what I decided to do is wait some time in between part one and part two's release, give myself a break, and then release the second part. So the first part was about seven hours, and a lot of you already listened to that. If you have not, then you can go back and do so. It's been available for a while. The second part will be a little bit short of six hours, I believe. And we're going to start with something a lot of you are looking forward to. That is the return of Sharif the Scammer. Yes, Sharif the Scammer is back, and Alvin Finkelstein and Brandon got a hold of him, and you'll get quite a bit of Sharif. So if you've missed him, if you wondered what happened with him, if you wondered if In all this time since we last had him on, if he finally realized we were messing with him, nope, he still wants to deal with us. So Sharif the Scammer from Nigeria will be the first segment we have. And again, this was recorded on March 2nd and March 3rd, 2022, and being released now about a week later as part two of that program. So enjoy. There's a a new... (laughs) way new 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 business deal that sharif is going to propose so we're going to play along we'll pretend like we're getting the ball rolling we're very excited and you know we'll maybe churn out another six months of content with this um, <laughs> now should i be alvin here should i be I alvin mean, thing? so the yeah it'd be alvin but that's what you were before right well the, the, where we left it off was uh alvin wasn't getting the job done and then uh, he got fired and replaced with a colonel yeah, who was right. less conventional but so, he may not remember this so i can go back to being alvin if you want who was the new lawyer uh, colonel fabersham wasn't a lawyer but he oh, was supposed to be like a, like a kind of an fixer. operator who, who he was who, a fixer yeah, yeah 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 all right now we'll go back to alvin the incompetent you know be your incompetent you know character but again like you know the whole plan is let's not make anything too obvious or you know you know what i'm saying or yeah. upset him or like make you know we'll string him along yes yes thing. hopefully we can hear him excited but... pretend like we're suckers and and yeah we'll, we'll go from there yeah I, people were laughing at all the uh hello 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 brandon hello 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 we still have i get it when i go out when i get out when i go out in casinos <laughs> i still have from time to time people come up to me and just go brandon hello hello brandon, hello <laughs> So listen, I don't know how good the, the cell signal is going to be. I, you know, I, I mean, he just texted me and he said, "Are you calling? I'm waiting." Okay, so well, we'll do he's it there now. Okay, so, we'll okay. do it. Oh, you're going to be Finkelstein on myself and yep. uh, just play along. Okay, let's make the call. Please state your name after the tone and Google Voice. Hey, you go ahead and do it. You. I got it. Brandon, hello, are you there, my friend? Hello, hello, Sharif. 
Let's hope he answers one time. Anniversary show. I can always give him the radio number. Yeah, or you can text him and say we're he, trying I mean, to call. He made it clear. To... The Google subscriber you have okay, called is not on. available. Please leave Let's a message. Hang up. And uh, what what's what is it? Seven seven five fraud. What is it translated? It's seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. By the way, anyone can text that number at any time if you like. In fact, uh, while Brandon is is texting him here, I'll read some texts we got over the evening. I I hadn't uh, done that yet tonight. From the 209, referring to the governor poll, this is the John Hopkins poll in 2018, 66% no governor, 1,500 responded. Yeah, we we got to that, but this person found it before uh, any of us did, so... He was out of his mind. Two, three percent. No, I didn't understand that either. You and it, usually Cal Watts very. Oh yeah, he's very sharp. Yeah, he's very sharp. sharp. It was, it one moment he just uh, wasn't. So okay, let's Two see. Two or three out of every hundred people, like that's nuts. Yeah, I didn't get yeah, that either. I take that bet every day. I was I saw dollar signs <laughs> flash in front of. Him. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't hurt the guy, but I would have bet him. I would have. I would have jumped in there. Yeah, um, from uh, Karen I Nathan. Your number, so just look at Skype. You, you know, Karen Nathan was on here before, right? Someone else texted me and told me that I didn't. I didn't yeah, she I was on, and she even said she, she, she even said happy tenth anniversary to Poker Fraud Alert. So that was nice of her. Is after being on, she, does she come across as intelligent as her writing style? Um, she actually had an accent, which I didn't expect. But then she said she was born in the U.S. and her parents are Jamaican, but somehow she had an accent. Okay. But because uh, he's calling now, by the way. Okay, yeah, I I just got a text saying you know he texted me saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Did he really? Yeah, I'm going to say, so say please, please call this number. Or, or hello, hello. Oh my God! He really wrote that to you? Just hello? He just wrote hello. He's yes. Got he's got to be the worst scammer in the world. <laughs> like he's like a like a, a like a just a bumbling like a Mr. Magoo of like the Nigerian scam world. Like all the other scammers look down on him. Like you know what I mean? I Maybe he gets bullied by other scammers for not being as effective as they are. He gets shamed like by other scammers for not. Yeah, I mean, how's he texting? I said it's clear as day. Call hello. <laughs> he tells me to call that number, which he never answers. All right, let me text him again. I can try one more time and see if he answers. I think the problem no, is because then if you dial, just okay. I think the problem might be with us calling him is that he probably doesn't get the signal that it's ringing in time so it probably goes to the google voicemail before he can uh pick it up i think is what's happening that's just my guess so he's in france and there's this guy david you could ask him about him he's told me like any when our little thing was ending he mentioned this guy david who of course is made up that he claims he's made millions and millions of dollars for and he's changed this guy's life so that's like his success story so you know we could you know make sure we mention you know, we want to be like David and tell us more about David. And, yeah, okay. You know, and of well, course, for the listener, British, for the listener here, he's not even really in France. He's in Nigeria, but uh, yeah, he's pretending to be in France. And he claims that his office is based in Big Springs, Texas. <laughs> 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 and he even had like a fake like page that had like a real lawyer that looked like he was in his seventies with like a gray beard, a white guy. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So bad. So unbelievable. <laughs> well, that's why when we wanted him to send a picture of himself, he sent a, just like a, a, a screenshot of that page of that lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like when we told him to 
to send, you know, we need an itemized bill to, you know, justify the Bitcoin. And we're like, you know, for instance, you could like sell lingerie. The first one he sent us, it just said like lingerie and then like 1500. It didn't even like break it down in there. <laughs> it just is so, so bad. So bad. Okay. We, we have oh. the calls coming in. Here, here he comes. Okay. Let's do it. Hello, my friend. Sharif. Hello. Oh, my yeah. brother. Sharif. Hello. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I'm Oh my God! Yes, it's Brandon. I, I listen. I'm so happy to hear your voice. How are you, Sharif? How is France? I heard France is beautiful this time of year. Sure, sure. What about you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm. I, I'm great. I'm just so happy to hear your voice. Now, Sharif, I have you remember from before. Uh, I know it's kind of a bad memory, but I have my lawyer on the phone. He wanted to talk to you too, Alvin. And we just want to get you know, we want to get some business done now. Too much time's passed, and uh, tell Alvin. You know, I was going to tell him earlier about David. Uh, you made how much money have you made for David in the last year? Well, he's up to like two million dollars now. Oh wow! Okay, all right. So listen, yeah. what can we do to to really get something fast here and get it going? And no problems, no difficulties. We'll, we'll work it out. I trust you now. I've known you for so long. If you say that there's uh, Alvin, Alvin, say hello. Sharif, oh yeah, I, no, I just didn't want to interrupt here. So this is Alvin Finkelstein, and I'm the attorney for Brandon. And uh, well, yeah, and and uh, we've talked yeah. before, but uh, I know there were some issues with getting things done in our last deal. But uh, when Brandon told me about the money that you've made for this David uh, person that you've been working with, I said th this is so much money. We've got to find a way to get it done. We have to just yep. do whatever we can to make this happen. Absolutely. So, Sharif, what yeah, kind of yeah. deals do you have? What kind, what kind of deals do you have right now? Yeah, you know, actually, there's a deal I have a girl right now. Okay. So, what is it we need okay. to do? Is it the same thing? No, is it someone? Is it a different deal? Almost the same thing, but it's a little bit different. Okay. How is it different? Okay. okay. No. The first thing, I'm going to get a phone. You're gonna what? I will send the form. I'm gonna get the form. When I okay, get the form, form, I will send it to you. Yeah, to your okay. email. Okay. Then you fill it, everything. They send back to me. Okay. Is this for like a trust again? That someone that died? That we're gonna get the inheritance or what kind of deal so, is it? Uh, yeah, just like that. A beneficiary. Okay, beneficiary. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get it started. But, yeah, I, I'm just. It's, it's I've missed you, brother. Have you missed me? You're going to get money to your clients now. You understand? Yeah, I understand. Send it to me right now. Uh, uh, hello, are you there? Yeah. My friend? Hello? I'm, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm here. Uh, so tell me, how is, I've never been to France in, in this time of year. Just tell me, how is France? It's such a beautiful, romantic country. Uh, what have well, you been doing they, in France? Uh, well, in actually, I'm here to work. And I'm coming uh, to business. I'm now here. Yeah. So, so you're you're there to work. I've always been curious. I it's I haven't been there in a very long time. Uh, have you had any interest in going to Euro Disney? You know the Disneyland in Paris. Ooh, I heard that's really a lot of fun. Have Disney you gone World? there to see uh, Mickey Mouse or anything like that? That Donald Duck. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. that's great. Now, when it, you know we've talked about this, when do you think you might be back in Big Springs, Texas? Because out of all this talk and all these texts, I want to meet you in person and buy you lunch. And yeah, just... I know, I know, I know. Okay, 
Oh, wow. So still a, a quite a yeah. while. You really are busy, Sharif. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you're going to, okay. So I'll you're going to send me the, I'll listen, you, you're going to send me the form. I will fill it out right away. And yeah. then Alvin will help but expedite it. And then what, I, how much? I'll forget the form. I need like $2,000. Okay. How much money do we need to send you to get this going? What, what would, what's the cost? Yeah, and I, listen, and I want to take care of you this time. And get it done fast. Yeah. Right. So, how much? How much will this cost to get the ball rolling? Right. To just get it done fast. Right now, right now I need just two thousand to get the phone finished. Then later I'll tell you what next to do. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. You said two thousand. Yeah, just two thousand to get it. Oh, that's phone. easy. Nope. Okay. And then what? And because yeah. this is important for Alvin to know, how much will we make on this deal? Because I do have to give Alvin his commission, but it's fine. I'm not greedy. I, you know that. What will we make? I didn't want the money going to make and I told you just five hundred thousand dollars. Oh, okay. So for five hundred thousand for two thousand, Alvin. I mean, that's that, that's a we have to do this. We have to. Well, yeah. This is the whole, this is the sort of thing I was hoping. This is what I was hoping would happen that we would get on on this sort of deal. And uh, so now I want I I want to know from you, Sharif. Uh, would I be able to send you the money through a bank wire or how how am I supposed to send this to you? What's the best way to get too fast? The crypto is okay. I'm sorry? Can I use the crypto? Crypto is okay. Oh, you, we're going to go, okay, crypto. You know, we figured out a way yeah. to avoid the problem we had last time. Uh, are you yeah. do you are you uh, familiar? Do you dabble in any other crypto besides, uh, besides Bitcoin right now? Because I heard that old girl, Solana, is really doing well. Or, or are you still only taking Bitcoin? Sure, Bitcoin is okay. Okay, because you know, Sharif, I don't know if you've seen the news. That doggy coin definitely didn't go to the moon. Did you see that? It plummeted. Uh, no good. Doggy coin, no good right. at all. Alvin, yeah, sure. Alvin invested a bunch of money that the wife had, had let him invest. He was hoping yeah. to upgrade because yeah. Alvin's driving like a '96 Honda Accord. I mean, I don't want to upset yeah. Alvin. Oh come on now! Why do you have to rub this in here? Elon Musk was backing it, and then all of a sudden he insults it on TV, and it goes down. It was such a such a dark time for my life and now you have to rub this in i don't know why we have to be reliving this you know, I, i'm hoping to make the money back that's why i'm talking to you now sharif i'm hoping you can help me make back that money that i lost on doggy coin last year he's driving around a 90s honda oh, wait hold on embarrassing we, we lost him he, he got cut oh, okay. just just now he got cut it must be a connection issue yeah. Well, that's a pretty good deal, two thousand for half a million. Yeah. Well, that's... now you know, I, I have a hard time telling. Does that sound like the same voice? Because it's definitely the same person like typing to me. Because the first thing he said is, "How was Vegas? How was like he remembered things." So I know, it, but the voice sounded a little different. It did sound a little different, but it's hard to believe it's so a different it, guy. Maybe somebody with better English that's next to him, or it, yeah. I get. I, I guess it is possible that he he gave some just information uh, to this other person, but it. it Kind of seems like the same personality. I, I also noticed the voice is a bit different, but yeah, maybe you know, it's just I a also connection. I think that he has a hard time. Like I think we need to try to talk slower because I don't think he understands half of what we're saying. No, he doesn't. Some, so of, some of this is for the listener's benefit, though. So I don't. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> the Euro Disney was funny. I don't think he knew what that even was. No, that's that's why I threw it out there. Yeah. Let's, let but me. yeah, I don't know if it's the same voice or not. I was trying to listen because the other voice sounded deeper. 
just sounded a little... Yeah, I thought that too. I thought his voice was higher than last time. That was exactly my impression when I first heard him. I thought maybe I forgot. Okay, he wrote back. He just typed or texted and said, I'm sorry. Didn't even like go into... I just said, ask him to call. Oh, is that bad service? Okay. What number did he call you from? Uh, that same 585. Okay, let's still give it a ring. We'll try it one more time. Okay. It's. I don't think it's the same voice. That was funny. We have just a different Sharif here. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but this guy doesn't sound like any sharper than the first one. It's so funny. It'd be funny if we have two Sharifs that... that yeah. Oh, wait, wait, he's calling back in. Okay, here we go. Yeah, all right. Hello? Brother? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we lost you. Hello, hello, hello. You know, it's yeah. funny. Every country you go to, it always has bad... Do you remember when you were in uh, uh, Spain? It was very... Valencia, it was very yeah. bad. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, do you have my do you have my email address still? Yeah, to actually me. Okay, yeah. So why don't you send it to me, and you know we want to we'll get this done really, really fast. Let's all start making money. And brother, I have to tell you on a personal note, not just because this is a tenth year anniversary show. I've I've missed you. You know, it's been four months. You know, you we, we became close, and I just want to say I've really <laughs> yeah. missed talking to you, and you know. You have a you have a you have a warm spot in my heart, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, you know what I mean? I just yeah, it's almost like we're brothers, and you know, I felt I'm gonna be honest to you. Thank you. I'm gonna be honest. I felt a little sad when you were telling me about all the money David was making. I got like what they call jealous, you know. And they say in the Bible that you know jealousy is bad, and but you don't need kills. Okay, because I mean, you told yeah. me that you changed David's life. David was a truck driver. But what, what what was the story with David? He was a truck driver, barely making ends meet, and now he's just this millionaire. I mean, he's a millionaire now, right? David is. I tell you, he has a lot of money right now. A lot. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell me how how is the wife? How is the kids? How's your family doing? Family good. He sent he sent some of his wife from his Australia. Okay, well that's good. And I want you to know, and Alvin knows this too. I haven't forgotten about the rose gold iPhone. Um, I want to get it to you. Let me ask you something. Uh, is there somewhere I can? I want to mail it to you. I literally want to. I'm going to have one of my servants go out tomorrow to the Apple store here and get you a rose gold iPhone. Can I mail it to your office in Big Springs? Will they forward it to you? How can I get you this iPhone? Because it's so overdue, buddy. You deserve so much more for all the problems that, that happen. Yeah, Tommy. Okay. Do, do you want to give you some address right now? Make yeah. Okay. Alvin, well, Alvin handles the paperwork. Okay. Alvin, uh, get a piece of paper and pen. Get ready. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm ready to take it all down. Okay. All right, I'm going to buy it tomorrow and we'll ship it out. What, where can we mail it, uh, Sharif? You can use UPS or FedEx. I'm sorry? UPS or FedEx, anyone is okay. Oh, we could do UPS, FedEx, anything. We have all of it. They, every single yeah. one. Airborne Express. Uh, we even have, yeah, any of anything. Which, what do you prefer? No. What's the best, fastest way? UPS is okay. Okay, UPS, Alvin. Write that down. Okay, we will uh, use UPS. UPS. They, they run the tightest ship in the shipping business, so that's good. I've heard that. Yeah. Okay. So, what, is, what is the address, Sharif? After you call, text it to you. Oh, you want okay. You want to text? Oh, okay, that's that's, that's good. Okay. Yeah. That that that. So 
Now, listen, last time, and I, and I really, truly felt bad. You told me the wife was mad at you because you were in Valencia so long. It, are things better? Is she with you in France, I hope, with your son? No. She left. I told you. She's not coming back again. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. So it's over? It's done? Yeah. Kaput? It's all right to her. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. You hear this, Alvin? She left him. Well, is it because you've been working so hard on all your deals? Because I, I once had that ruin one of my marriages where I was spending too much time on my legal work. And my, my wife, was uh, she was having intercourse with other gentlemen behind my back. So uh, I, I know how it feels. And uh, yeah, did, did, was she cheating on you? you is that what happened? Sharif, uh, do you think? Yeah. Hello? Are you there, my friend? Hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I lost you. Yeah. Is there a way that maybe you and the wife can work things out, or do you think it's over this time for good? Maybe some other time. When I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Well, uh, okay. Um, now, ha- how is your health? When we talked last, you had just gotten over some malaria. Uh, how have you been feeling? Are you feeling good? I'm getting better. Just a little bit cough. Oh, just a little cough. Okay. Well, you know, the last time I was in France, I ate at this place uh it was so good what was that place uh alvin with the crepes that we loved uh it was called a uh, le cordon bleu okay uh, alvin have you been to le cordon bleu to eat it's uh, it's very famous in french there's a bunch of chain restaurants uh le cordon bleu no no oh no what what, what do you what do you eat these days when you're in france uh, a little fish sometimes i take wine Oh, okay, fish and wine. That's a that's a Mediterranean yeah. type diet. Yeah. Okay. I love yeah. the food. Yeah, okay. So so listen. I'm looking. So listen. This is very important. Can you hear me? Can you hear me loud and clear? This is very important. Okay. Okay. Very important. Okay. So I'm looking right now on Apple on the Apple website. Okay. I can just order this phone online right now. I w- so I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. Why? Well, ask me a bunch of questions. So I need to know them. Okay. Right. So do we want sure. to go? Do we still want to go with the rose gold? Sure. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Now, how many inches do you want? Do you want the big phone or the medium size screen? Uh, there's there's an eight inch and a twelve inch screen. Because of my hair, I need a bigger phone. Okay, we'll get you the Alvin. We're gonna get him the twelve inch. Okay, I, I like that. And what accessories do you want? Like a Bluetooth headset? Because it gives me a list of all these things we can order for the phone. What ex- like do you want a case for it? Um, yeah, like they have a like they have a Britney. Sp- okay, well they have a Britney Spears. Uh, like it's not real jewel, you know, gems, but there's like a Britney Spears, like d- like you know, Fox Diamond encrusted phone case. Is that like yeah? You want something like that, you know, emeralds, rubies, uh, you know, that kind of thing, or do you want something yeah. more manly? No, yeah, sure, that one is okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, remember what she famously yeah. said? Uh, what, what did Britney? What did Britney? What would? What did Britney Spears say, Sharif, when she dropped her rose gold iPhone in the toilet accidentally? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. What did she say? Well, if you don't know, Alvin will tell you. When she dropped her rose gold iPhone, Britney Spears, in the toilet one day, what did she say, Alvin? She said, oops, I did it again. <laughs> yep. Do you remember that, Sharif? <laughs> yeah. yeah I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I got yeah. you the yeah. I got you the, the diamond uh, ruby encrusted 
uh, case for the phone. I got you the big phone right now. I'm adding it to my cart. Uh, now, do you want the the mat charger, like the one where you put the phone on the little charging mat, or do you want just the normal charger that you plug in? What kind of charger yeah, would yeah. you like? There's a couple different. Okay, just want me to pick for you, Alvin. What other accessories do you think we need to get for uh, Sharif? Um, stands in the back that allow us to stand on its back. Okay. Okay, we can get you a little stand. Okay, anything else that you can think of? Because I really want this to be special for you. Okay, I really want this to be special, Sharif. Any other? You know, let me ask you this. Uh, Yeah. What else? Is there anything else I can get you? I can get the phone. I'm ordering it now. What else do you need? I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Thank you. Okay, you sure? Okay, because listen, I I don't know. I don't know. How you feel about online dating, and maybe it's too soon for me to say this, but right now, and I know you don't know this, so it's okay. Right now, J Date uh, is J Date is having uh, a special. Okay, J Date is yeah. having a special. Now, I don't know yeah. if you're into Jewish women. Uh, you probably are. You're an attorney, but I can get you an online membership, and you can meet tons of women on J Date. Tons of women. Well, is that well, something that you might be? Yeah, is that something you might be interested in? A nice Jewish woman. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Alvin, let's get him that too. Let's get him a gift card for J-Date, Finkelstein. Yes, and I'll definitely do get that going as well. So you can have a gift card to go on J-Date, which is a, a Jewish dating site, to get back into the dating scene. And w- that'll come with the phone. We'll ship them together. Oh, can you imagine, Alvin? He's going out with that Britney Spears gold, rose gold iPhone with the with the emeralds on it, and he's on J-Date. He's going to be pimping, right? I, I think the girls on J-Date, I think all he has to do is show them the phone he has, and they're going to be so impressed, they're going to, they'll, they'll love him the first night. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. Uh, let me, you know, Sharif, again, I've really just missed talking to you, and I'm so glad I texted you tonight, and we're going to make a lot of money, and it's the 10th year anniversary, and yeah, and we had the free roll. It's just only good things, and and if you can think of anything else that you need while you're in France, just let me know. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Can I, can, I, can I share something with you, my brother? Let me share this with you. Business has been very, business has been very good. These last couple months, we are doing really good. We're making a lot of money. And if anything I can do to help you now at this point, like where we've doubled our, our, our revenues. I mean, let me ask you, have you heard about what's going on in Ukraine? What do you think about what's going on in Ukraine? Who's, let me ask you, whose side are you on now? You know, I don't like to talk politics amongst business. But are you on the Ukrainian side or are you on the Russian side? If you had to pick, be honest, it's fine. Okay, let me see Russia. Oh, you're on the Russian side. Yeah, yeah. Finkel signs on the Russian side too. I I tend to like the Ukrainians because you know they're the underdog story. People are even saying it's kind of like that Slumdog Millionaire. It's kind of like the feel good story of the year. But that Finkelstein is just like you. He's he's pro Russia. You know, loves that the the Stoli, the vodka. Putin. Well, not only well, that, but they, they they were once part of the the uh, USSR there, and then they 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 ran away. And the USSR, they're just trying to take them back. Russia's just oh, trying oh, to take them back. Okay, listen to this idea, a gentleman. Listen, uh, Sharif, you're going to love this. I don't remember the name, but what are those hats called? Like in the 80s and 70s, they always show the Russians wearing it. They're like fur hats, and they show them in like Siberia, and it's cold. It's like some kind of animal. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
why don't we get Sharif one of those Russian-style hats that he can wear with the rose gold iPhone watch and the Britney Spears encrusted case when he goes on JD? Oh, that's I a great idea. I think the women there will love that. I think they're going to yeah. be very impressed with, with, with that. What, what a sharp are, dresser he'll be with one of those hats oh, on. What are those hats yeah, called? Yeah. I actually don't know. I have to look into that. Okay, Sharif, you know what I'm talking about? They're made out of like animal. You know, the Russians wear it in Siberia when they're chopping wood. They chop wood and they wear these hats. Okay, I'm gonna get you one of the. Yeah, I'm gonna get you one of those too. And listen, I'm just so happy, brother. You know, I want to share my my goodwill with you, and I want us to be in business. Yeah, yeah. Um. So okay, so I'm gonna get that sent. You you're gonna text me the address when we hang up of where I can mail it to. And you said I'm gonna send it UPS. Is that is that correct? Yeah, UPS. Yeah. Now, is there anything? Yeah, I know it's. Yeah, I'm here. Hello, my friend. Hello. Now let me ask you this: Is there you're in France? Is there anything you know familiar from from back in Big Springs? I can maybe send send you in a care package that they don't have in France, like you know, like a six pack of Dr Pepper, maybe a couple of bottles of YooHoo. Maybe you could send like him a big. Since comfort- we're talking about hats, I have an idea. Since we're talking about hats, maybe we could send him that Russian fur hat and also a cowboy hat to make him feel at home, Ooh. like he's back in Big Spring. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 Sharif, well, food. Food-wise, snacks, things like that, prophylactics. Is there anything you could think of that maybe you'd want me to send? And Because I'm going to send a big box to you, and it's going to have the rose gold iPhone. It's going to have the JD card. It's going to have the uh, Britney Spears case. I can put food, snacks, beverages, alcohol. I mean, I, what would you like? I don't even know what you like. I can't send you any fish, <laughs> you know, because that's not going to last in the mail. Huh? Okay, cool. Once I think about anything, I'm going to test you. Is that okay? If you want, you want to think about it. Let me know. Yeah, sure. If you want to think about everything, I'll text you. Okay, that's fine. You can text me. And let me know. Okay. Well, listen. I don't want to overwhelm you. I just, I'm so excited. Can you hear in my voice how excited <laughs> I am to be talking? Yeah, you hear me. <laughs> I just, buddy. I realize it's been four months. Four months since you and I yeah. text. We not text in four months. Yes. And you got so happy. Yeah. As soon as I text you, you respond right away and you write Brandon, my brother, and exclamation points. And I'm just, I'm thrilled to hear from you. And if there's anything else yeah. you can think of that you want, please let me know and we'll mail it. Um, tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow is Thursday in the U.S. So I could have it out tomorrow afternoon and it should be there. What is the running time now, uh, uh, Alvin? To UPS something to France? Oh, um, la- last I checked, it, it probably took about uh, 10 days to get over there. Okay. Hmm. Now, when when we do the J-Date profile, I'm going to let you, you know, uh, or I want to actually ask you for dating. Hello, hello, yeah, hello. Hello. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hello? Do you remember, you have to send me the two-thousand yeah, no, no, of course. I'll, I'll no, for. listen, we've already sealed that deal. We're going to send you the 2000 Business is business. We're, yeah, we're done with business. We're talking pleasure. Now, let hello? me ask you something. Yeah, hello? I'm here. Hello? Now, Can you hear me? Ba- yeah, back in 1992, Sir Mix-a-Lot famously said, I like big butts and I cannot lie. When I'm looking at J-Date for profile for women, do you like big butts and you cannot lie? Or do you like girls that are more slender? 
what kind of woman are you looking for? You know, I really want you to get over this thing with, with, with your ex-wife because I feel very sad and, and even somewhat guilty that I might have played, and Alvin too, due to his incompetence, uh, even a small role in the collapse of your relationship. So like Sir yeah. Mix-a-Lot said, do you like big butts and you cannot lie? Yeah. Would you say? I like I like big butts. Sure. Okay. Oh, that's up. good. Right. Okay. Well, that's uh, is a man who knows what he likes. That's that's a good yeah. sign. Okay. Well, we're gonna send him the two thousand. We're gonna send him the care package. Alvin, is there anything else you can think of that maybe we can do for Sharif or anything we want to say to him? Because I'm sure it's it's late in the day. What time is it in France right now, Sharif? Hello. 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 Hello, are you there? Uh, Sharif. Uh, we yeah, we lost him. Here. He's gone. He left us? He's gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what the fuck we're saying. It's, it's pretty fun. Some of it he does, but... He did say he likes it. big butts. We got that out of him. Yeah, he did. He did say <laughs> that. that was a good question. <laughs> I, but I don't think he understands we're trying to give him a gift card to a for a free membership on a Jewish dating site. No. <laughs> Can you imagine well, if he really? He's a lawyer. It fit right in. What, what if he really showed up to the date wearing that uh, fur hat and and holding the rose gold iPhone and expects the women to be impressed? That would oh be God, that would be a great moment. Fine. That would be. A, I'd love to be there with a the camera. All right. So listen, he's so. F- wait, wait. He's, he's so calling. F- he's calling back in. Let's, let's oh, good. Adam. Adam. Good. Sharif. Hello. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna tell you when you get this new phone, we're not gonna lose the connection anymore. We're going to get you such yeah. a good iPhone, buddy. Yeah. I mean, you're a big-time lawyer now. You need a good phone. You need uh, a good phone, Sharif. Yeah, I know. So, you're welcome. Now, if there's anything else, don't worry about the 2000. Again, that's done. Done. Consider it done. Uh, if you were here next to me with Alvin, I would shake your hand and say, it's done. So we're not even talking uh, business anymore. I want to do something yeah. on a personal level. So just please, it will make me feel better. Besides what we've mentioned, what else do you need? What else can we send you that will make you smile and, and be happy and forget about your failed marriage? Uh, I mean, I you know, what else can you think of? Maybe, uh, I don't know, what does a lawyer in his 40s or 70s want these days, uh, Alvin? What, what other ideas can well, you Well, maybe, maybe we could send him a laptop as well if he needs a new uh, system to be oh. up to date. Okay, that's a great idea. What what kind of laptop are you using, Sharif, for work right now? What brand? What computer? I have a MacBook. You uh, a what book? Yeah, MacBook. Well, that's a hot MacBook. Oh, uh, okay. Does it work good, or do you need an upgrade? Because we have tons of laptops here at work. We have a connection. Uh, you know, yeah. just is is your laptop up to par, up to speed? Do you have like that? that no, uh, no, what is that no. virus with no. the porn advertisements on it, uh, Alvin? What do they call that again? That ma- is it malware? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there may be malware on there. Yeah, maybe it's time for a new machine. So listen, I'm going to tell you guys something, okay? And and don't laugh at me, Sharif. So one night a couple months ago, and I'll never make this mistake. I was at work and I'm working very, very late, and I start browsing on on you know G- on UJIS. Do you know what UJIS is, uh, Sharif? It's one of the you know the adult sites on the internet. And I, you know, I'm watching some videos. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I'm touching the privacy, and I must have somehow infected my laptop with malware because every time I would log on in the future, I would get a pop up as soon as I turned on my laptop, and it would say, "Do you want to make your cock six inches bigger? Click here." And I saw it every time. And I'm having a business meeting, 
And all of a sudden, there's this picture of this small, decrepit-looking, veiny cock that appears on my laptop, and I'm at a meeting. And what do you do in a situation like that, Sharif? What do you do? You know, it's embarrassing. Do you know what I'm saying? And I said to myself, never again with the Yujis. Never again. Never again. So I had to go buy – yeah, never again, he said. So I had to go buy a new laptop. So if you need a new laptop, you know, I get it. You're in France. You're just kind of coming into your own sexually for the first time. If you need a nice, clean, you know, brand new laptop, let me know, and I'll have Alvin put it in the box. Yeah, and then, in fact, what you can do, your, your, your other MacBook will be useful also because you can use the one we send you for business, and then you can use your MacBook to go to the adult sites like this uh, UGIS. You can go there to your heart's content and not worry about uh, any embarrassment. Yeah. Does that sound good? You live in a dead laptop. Yeah, it sounds good. I need it. You know, I'll tell you something. I know I, I can tell you right now, Sharif, I can hear those dogs in the background. And I can tell that you're uh, staying at the Four Seasons because every time I'm at the Four yeah. Seasons in France, there's a problem with rabbit or rabid dogs. Tell me, you am I right? Are well, you at the Four Seasons? You yeah, at the Four Seasons, right. aren't you? Am I, am I right? Yeah, tell me. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. Do, you, do you remember Alvin when we were at the Four Seasons? We had that pack of rabid dogs barking and barking yeah. and barking. Uh, Alvin, do you remember? Yes, I remember. You, you know, at first, I I was I was awakened by it, and I thought someone was playing that song, going "Who let the dogs out? Who, who, who?" But it was really dogs were barking. And 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 uh, I I realized that it was full of dogs. The place, and I said, I had no idea the Four Seasons is so full of dogs. And then they told me at the front desk, "Yes, this is a very popular destination for those who have multiple dogs." And also, rabbit. just also you know, they're rabid dogs, and also there's uh, stray dogs that come and just take residence there that they don't remove. So uh, I, I understand why there's dogs in the background there at the Four Seasons because we experienced it ourselves. All of France, he's at that same hotel with the same problem we had, Alvin. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. What a coincidence, Sharif. Oh, I've missed you, brother. I wish I could give you a hug. Yeah, I miss talking to you. Yeah. yeah. When, I, yeah. when I come to somebody, you're going to spend some more time together. I believe. So let me ask you. So what I was thinking, okay, is when you come yeah. to back back yeah. home for the first time in multiple years, I want to bring yeah. you – I want to bring you to Las Vegas for a weekend. Well, now, sure. yeah. Sure. I, I, when was the last time you were in Las Vegas? Uh, that was, I think, the last two years. Oh, okay, okay. So we can stay, yeah. I guess, you want, I mean, only the best for you. So I was thinking we would get him, okay, a luxurious okay. suite at the Rio. Okay, we can go to the Carnival Buffet. And then, I don't right. know, we could play maybe some buffalo slots and get really wild. Like, does that sound like something you like to do? Sure, sure. Okay. You know what? I, I have yeah, another so idea. I, I, there's, there's a sports betting expert I know named Caleb Rogers who goes to the Rio Sportsbook a lot and makes a lot of money. Uh, I think mm. we can get him to come there and help us make a lot of money on sports. Does that sound good? Yeah. His name's, he, yeah. He, he, he's yeah. a, a, an officer with uh, the police department there, but he likes to bet on sports. So I think we should bring okay, him. Good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, Sharif, I, I just can't wait. I'm going to plan like a guy's weekend only, and we're going to hang out in Vegas, and we're going to party. And listen, let me tell you, the Rio, the Rio, the Rio does not let dogs in it. I mean, they have some like hybrids, like 
you know, a Puma. Like they people bring in Pumas and Brother, brother. Yeah. I mean hello, are you there? Okay, you have to tell me anything in Indian Okay, whatever you say, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, understood. Understood. Whatever he said. Sure. Yep. You got it. I I agree. 100%. Yeah, but I, I fully agree as well. There's there is no question that you're correct. So all right. Yeah. And you know what? That uh that new Mark Wahlberger uh, burger place opened up in Las Vegas that uh, uh, Wahlburgers will take you there. You'll have the best hamburger. Oh, we, 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 just, lo- we just lost him. We just lost him. Lost him? Okay, yeah. that's fine. I think we're about, I'm running out of things to say. So anyhow, it will, so from here, we'll go down the usual route that uh, when he does email me or whatever it may be, I'll request a, you know, a better document than the initial fail one that he sends. And then that will buy us a couple of weeks. And then finally, when I get, make him do his work and send something that looks professionally done, we're going to run into problems with the compliance department in the U S over, you know, just sending the, you know, well, you know, the same route that we've gone this whole entire time. And we'll see how long. I mean, I just think the guy is actually developing a bond for us, so I don't even think <laughs> it matters at this point. It's very I think strange. Do this over and over. It is very strange. I mean, he's gotten nothing. He's wasted so many hours, and I guess embarrassingly enough, so have I. But well, the, the thing um, is, I, I was thinking about this that maybe he does this with so many people that he kind of loses track of who sent him the money and who hasn't, so he doesn't even realize that he's never made anything. Yeah. Okay. I'm telling him that it was great talking to you. He doesn't need to call back. Yeah, t- tell him. Uh, tell him that Alvin needs to go to court or something. Yeah. Hopefully, he doesn't realize it's three twenty in Vegas a.m. Doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, that's, that's why I figure he'll believe it. <laughs> He's not going to go. What? It's three twenty a.m. in Vegas. Seasons. The dogs at the Four Seasons. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Now, I couldn't tell. It sounded like the dogs were in his house. Yeah, they they, they were. Like I'm sure they were. He his dogs that were barking. Jesus. All right. Well, for those that requested it, I'm glad that at least came together. And you know what? Uh, I will look. But, I mean, I'm not that good at this. So anyone that's listening, like I'm, I'm not saying to do anything that really violates privacy. But if anyone wants to look on any databases and find out if they can determine, you know, even if he's alive, anything about uh, Teddy. His name is, well, the Iceman. His name is Teddy is, you know, Monroe. Um, I don't know if Teddy's his like real first name, if it's Ted or Theodore, I don't know, but, uh, it's always been, you know, that's what he's always told everyone. It's Teddy and the, it's Monroe M O N R O E. Cause the more that I think about it now, I'm kind of curious cause he really has dropped off what I was going to initially do when I saw that, or when you had told me, or when I had determined that his phone number was disconnected, was going to go, go to Twitter. He's never had a, uh, Instagram account and he wasn't on Facebook. And can you recall if not, I guess I can look. When was the last time he posted anything on Twitter? Well, I just looked right now as you were talking. It was October 21st. He retweeted something, and that was the last activity that we've seen from him. So that's it's been some time. It's been not years, but it's been several months now. Okay, so that's about December, January, February. So it's about three and a half months. And was he active up until October? Well, I'm looking at that, too. The funny thing is he retweeted some picture. He likes big butts. He, he just retweeted in uh, April of 2021 a girl with a big ass and a pool sticking it out. But uh, aside from that, it looks like he's tweeting on average about once every few months, sometimes a little bit more. So he's not super active. So I'll I'll give you an example. It went from February 26th, March 3rd, April 29th, 
August 13th, September 28th, October 9th, October 12th, and and uh, actually it was October 12th, not the 21st. October 12th is the last we saw. So there have been periods of like three months where he disappears, which makes it less conclusive that him disappearing from Twitter means anything that has happened to him. But then again, it has been uh, longer than any of these time periods we see here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm just finishing up. He's literally telling me he misses me. <laughs> and so he's saying that uh, the phone service will be better at nighttime. It's so funny how they think we believe all this. And he'll send me the form within 24 hours. So you know what I'll do? If we really want to play along with this, then I'll send – like I'll start an email. You have to send me off the air like a, a throwaway email you have that you don't care. And then I'll include you. And then – like actually, do you have an Alvin, Alvin Finkelstein email? I had one, but I, I lost it. I'll have to make another one. All right. Create one. Create a new one, and then I'll forward it to you, and then we could just kind of have a chain going and maybe have a couple – get a couple more radio episodes out of it. Um, so, but anyhow, getting back to Teddy, I can't even tell you the last time I saw or heard of him um, in a casino. I think it was – Probably, you know, I could look through the forums because it, it was posted. On well, he, he posted a, he won, a picture. He won, in, well, no, he won a bad beat jackpot of, of all people. Do you remember this? At Red Rock. And he got a lot of shit because he didn't tip. He stiffed, he stiffed them. Um, and it was a significant amount. It was like 60000 but that was years and years ago. Well, no, I see. I see much more recently, though. March third, he has a picture of his chip stack, a bunch of five dollar chips at the Orleans. March third, twenty twenty one, exactly a year oh, ago. Oh wow! Okay. So exactly one year ago is the last time we see evidence he played poker. Okay. Well, that's definitely not like a stomping ground, you know, that he's at because I know enough people that are there that someone would tell me they saw him there. You I mean he's not a regular there? Um, and you know, it's funny to think that that might have been. I didn't even think about. Uh, Boyd Gaming, that may have been one of the last places he could have played. Like, can you imagine? Like, you start off at you know the Bellagio, and you have, you end up at the Orleans. <laughs> I mean, just because you know everywhere else is banned you. So, well, you know, he's likely alive, and either he's broke or who knows? He could have been arrested. He could have moved somewhere, you know. But he's kind of definitely fallen off the radar. So, I don't know if anyone out there has seen him or just knows anything. Uh, shoot, shoot, draw the text. You know, I hate to admit this, but back in June of 2021, I was playing poker at the Bellagio, and then I ended up going back to the Orleans to get a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I can't really laugh at this, because I went from the Bellagio to the Orleans in one day. Yeah, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. If you just need a place to crash, and I know it was, I remember we talked about this, I think. It was during, you know, one of the weekends where the rates were just off the wall expensive, right? And that's yeah, like cool. Harris was like 300 bucks. So, yeah, that's that's and I someone got me a comp room to the Orleans, so I, which I appreciated, so I, I took that and if, if in fact if they couldn't have gotten that for me, I would have just gone home because I, w- I was not going to pay $300 to stay at Harris. Well, what did the what what did the Orleans? Well, what would have the Orleans cost? No, it was comp. Could someone uh, someone got me no, a comp. No, but I mean, it, so wait, you wouldn't pay like I mean, I know you're a little tight with money, but if you wanted to stay another day, you wouldn't pay like 70, 80 bucks at the Orleans. It, it wasn't. Everywhere was expensive. I forgot what it was, but everywhere was uh, fairly expensive and like a terrible value. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I wouldn't pay several hundred dollars, but if I was here and, want, and wanted to still be here, I'd pay, you know, 70. I mean, I, I could already tell you, the Orleans, I'm sure, is the, the room was clean. I'm sure it was fine. It's nothing. I mean, I've stayed there before. I mean, years and years ago. It's probably dated. You know, it's probably, you know, a little smallish compared to most no actually it wasn't small i'll I'll tell you the only 
real issue. So it, uh, on the good side, it was quiet, and the, the bed was fine. I didn't have any issue with that. The room was actually of a decent size. Uh, the real two things I didn't like, first of all, you had to do this weird crossing between the casino and the hotel outdoors. You had to like go outdoors and then go through it to, and then pop into another door to go to the hotel, which is kind of weird. And you have all these like shady people milling around. So I didn't love that. And the second thing was the bathroom had like a cheap motel look to it. Like the way, the way the tile was, the whole, the way the whole thing was set up, it really, like the tub, it didn't look like even like a kind of lower middle end hotel. It looked like a cheap motel bathroom, but then probably because it's old and they never upgraded it. The regular room itself, aside from the bathroom, looked all right. I mean, it wasn't... uh, luxurious by any means but the room itself wasn't much of a problem i didn't love the bathroom but uh you know overall it was fine and it served its purpose and all i did was sleep there and as i said the bed was fine and it was it was quiet i got on a high floor and really there as far as a place to sleep it was great so well you know it's kind of strange to just think about how fast time has gone by but the orleans is close to 25 years old so, you know, those rooms are, you know, when they were designed, it was a nice place. At the time, it was the most expensive local casino ever built. Like, it's kind of laughable to think that now when you look at somewhere like Red Rock or, you know, um, but it's close to 25 years old. So it, it's, you know, definitely, uh, you know, I, I can see what you mean by the bathrooms. But I don't know if you discuss this. This is something else that's interesting. And I have not checked it out, but I will soon. Uh, my dad, two days ago, had to take care of something at, at, of all places at caesar's and he was going somewhere and he needed a, the park there and he needed to get a new player's card um because he has you know he was in the military and he gets lifetime parking whatever so he had to go to caesar's he told me he didn't recognize the place that the first phase of their of their duo or their their redo their remake whatever you want to call it the renovation was done and he said the whole entrance and everything looked like he was in a different property. Have you talked about this on radio? Have you seen it? Have no, seen it? I only saw a drawing of it very, very early on before they actually did anything. And everyone was laughing because it, the drawing looked very similar to the existing lobby. And everybody's saying, well, what are they going to do? So he's actually saying the opposite, that it looked nothing like the existing lobby. He said that he thought if he didn't know where he was walking into and someone just put him in there, he wouldn't know what casino he was. I mean, it just all looked different. Um, and he said it looked fine. It looked, you know, but that that whole entrance part is done. And there's like a huge statue that's been put in there, and the ceilings are are different. The 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 walls are different. The whole entrance is just. It's know, interesting. Remarkably I strange. was there in December, in mid December, and the, it was under construction. So like walking between there and the casino, yeah, there's the walls. yeah, there's like there's this little walkway that's yeah. very cramped. Yeah. And uh, but, but they hadn't redone the entrance, so it still looked like the Caesars I knew, other than that construction wall. Yeah. But maybe a lot's changed since then. Yeah, interesting. Do you do you have any more benefits for them? I mean, you're not even diamond there anymore, are you? Um, I'm about to be through a status match hopefully, but at the moment I'm not. And okay. and so you when don't I have any more perks, rooms, you're you're No, I haven't had rooms in a long time. Uh occasionally I'll get free rooms like during the week at some of the lesser properties, but never on the weekends. Sometimes I'll get a, you know, a little bit of a better yeah. rate, but uh yeah, I don't have much anymore, and I, I really haven't played any casino games there at any Caesars property in now about three years. Well, I wonder if you started from scratch, if that would start generating 
really good offer. No, it right wouldn't, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because it has record of me being there via not only my stays, but also my World Series play. So the way, the way to generate good offers is to either have a new card or you show up with a card that hasn't been used in 18 months, and then you'll get a lot better offers. So like friend could 18 months that includes World Series play? Yes, it, you, they just can't see you. Oh. You just can't be there. There has to be no trace of you or being on property. Cuz I'll tell you uh I hadn't played there. I, I mean I still haven't played there in a number of years. Because there's you know there's nothing there's nothing especially here in Vegas. I don't know, you know, Reno, Tahoe, um but you know in terms of video poker, I went right before the World Series last year with Jeannie to Laughlin for a couple days and we stayed at Harris Air and we played like, you know, a little, I mean, nickel and dime stuff, but a little ultimate text told maybe a little video poker. And the offers now are just, I'm getting room offers and, you know, their gifts their monthly, weekly gifts. It's like, I'm a new customer there. And I haven't really taken advantage of it because I don't know, Caesars, you know, what am I going to do there? But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think it might be worth it for you to just, you know, I don't know. I would even say maybe do what we did. Go to Laughlin, and I mean, I'm telling you, I can I can show you my my offers. Well, yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to see that, and uh, yeah, I do miss getting some of this free stuff there. I don't want to totally knock myself out for it, but uh, yeah, there's something yeah. easy. So yeah, we, you can you can show me later. We've been on forever here. I want to get to some more topics. Uh, so you, I was just okay. So let me ask you what what are the topics that haven't been discussed? Because I'm going to be honest, I don't. I mean, I hate you going from having eight people to being by yourself, but I don't know if I could go to, you know, five, six in the morning. No, it's so fine. How many, okay, well, let's talk about the, the, the little individual who passed away there at Resorts World. Okay. So this is a guy named Donnie Davis. He's He was four foot two, and uh, he was 43 years old, and he died at Resorts World in a room there in the Conrad Tower, which is the middle-grade tower at Resorts World, on February 22nd. Now, he, there's no question that he was either drunk or on something about three hours before his death. Because at uh, 2.30 in the morning, he tried to go to a bar there at Resorts World, and they refused him service, telling him he was too intoxicated. So it was probably being drunk, but who knows. Uh, whatever it was, he was in a very intoxicated state at 2.30 a.m. on February 22nd, and they said, we're not serving you anything. Uh a little background before I tell you what happened. Donnie Davis is a comedian. Uh, he appeared on Chelsea Handler's talk show a bunch of times. He's also appeared with uh, Miley Cyrus, with uh, Britney Spears. There was a picture on TMZ of uh, Britney Spears like bending down and kissing him on the cheek. And uh, apparently a lot of A-list celebrities knew him and liked him. And not just the ones who worked with him, like Britney Spears, but a lot of them knew him and and thought highly of him. And he did a lot of little stunts. Like uh, all this was centered around his size. Like they'd fire him out of a cannon, that type of stuff. Exactly what like physical comedy that a midget would do, he would do. So he wasn't just a a comedian who happened to be short. And uh, so that that was basically his career. And. His death occurred three hours after he was refused service for being too intoxicated. But the strange thing was that someone called up uh, around 5.30 a.m., called 911 from his room, saying that uh, he's something's really weird he's uh, his skin is the wrong color, like it was, it was getting purple, and it was uh, and, and 
getting too pale and he was uh acting like really really out of it that they were concerned and then uh by the time help got there he was uh unresponsive and then uh he died so uh that was what uh happened but there were a lot of people in the room i don't know how many or what they have to do with him but uh, there were a lot of people in the room and the strange thing was that when the fire department was asking them questions, they were acting really, really evasive and uh, were really avoiding giving any information to where they thought that this is, it doesn't look like a guy who maybe had too much and died from it, that, that maybe there's something they're covering up there. So at worst, this was some kind of intentional act uh, that, that killed him. Uh, it, it probably wasn't, but, but right now it is classified as a foul play death uh, because the fire department said that the way these several people were acting and it, every single person there apparently was acting the same way about uh, just refusing to answer anything, which they thought was weird. This, this guy uh, dies there. I'm not sure if he was dead yet when they're asking him the questions, but uh, they're asked asking questions. What can you help us find out about this? And everybody was acting really, really suspicious and, uh, People from the fire department were really suspecting that something occurred that shouldn't have. Maybe someone spiked his drink and thought it would be funny, and then it ended up killing him. Something people didn't want known that could leave them culpable. And just, just being with someone doing drugs and, and one of them overdosing usually doesn't bring on that type of evasiveness. Because you're not responsible for other adults doing drugs. Now, maybe if they brought the drugs to him, they were worried about that. But that still wouldn't be classified foul play. Foul play is where there is uh, some kind of act that someone engaged in that caused the death, even if they weren't attempting to kill him. Like someone, let's say they said they're going to spike his drink because they want to see how he acts when he's uh, on something. Th- that would be foul play. Foul play doesn't have to be intentional murder. But just bringing drugs, say, hey, let's, let's all do coke together or whatever, even if you're the one supplying it, you can sometimes have some liability for that. Uh, sometimes even criminal liability for that. Uh, that's not the same thing as what they usually classify as foul play. So right now, as as far as I know, uh, nobody has been arrested, and they haven't named the people who were there. Uh, it says in uh, People magazine, security performed chest compressions before the fire department arrived and, quote, advised they thought there might be foul play due to the number of other subjects in the room and having trouble getting any information from them. So it doesn't say how many people were in there, but they were surprised that there were that many people in his hotel room at 5.30 a.m. And, and, and they were alarmed that nobody would give any info. It said four witnesses were taken to the interview area and the fire department removed the comedian's body from the hotel room. He was then taken to Sunrise Hospital, where he was later pronounced dead. So I guess he wasn't dead yet, but he was very unresponsive and it wasn't looking good. According to security cameras, he returned to his room at 3.30 a.m., about an hour after the bartender wouldn't serve him. Then two people came to his room at 5 a.m. and uh, claimed that they noticed he was sitting in a chair, but his face and hands were turning purple. And she said, that, And one of the w- women there in the room said that when she touched his hand, it was freezing, and he realized he wasn't breathing. So uh, and apparently they, the security got to the room pretty fast. So it wasn't a matter that they took too long to get over and, and treat him. He, he's performed with Miley Cyrus, Joe Jonas, Mariah Carey, and uh, 
Britney Spears. In fact, he was a dancer with Britney Spears' show in 2013. And this must have been like a gimmick dancer, of course. He's not doesn't have the typical physique of a male dancer, but uh, it must have been some comedy element of the show that you have this uh, midget dancing there among all these uh, typical-looking dancers. I have to imagine this is something substance-related, but who knows? It also could be that his body can't take this sort of thing as well, just because he's uh, not of, of typical size and stature. And I, I don't know if that might make him more prone to things like heart attacks, uh, but that's possible too. Any non-standard body size or body type can, can be an additional risk. And I, I don't know enough about little people to where I don't know if they have an additional risk or not. I've never thought about looking that up. I know that very overweight people and very tall people, like very, very tall people, I don't mean like me, but I mean like like super tall people, they, they can be an additional risk. But uh, I, I don't know about people who are very short. He's kind of like, like short and heavy, as, as, as a lot of midgets are, because there's not a lot of places for the weight to go. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's uh, yeah, it's a sad story. He was very well-liked. And uh, he's only 43 years old. So it was likely drugs. It probably was drugs or, or excessive alcohol. I, I think the evasiveness of these people in the room probably would say drugs. But the question is, uh, why, were, why was everyone so reluctant to talk? Maybe they were just being overly paranoid, or maybe they brought the drugs and they were so afraid that they're going to go to prison for a long time because they brought drugs and someone died. But, but it also could be something that someone gave him the drugs without his knowledge or gave him... Yeah, more than he wanted. Who knows what it was? But uh, uh, it, it depends. I, I guess it kind of depends who was hanging out with him there. If these weren't good friends and just people who were hanging out with him with a novelty and thought, hey, let's give this guy drugs and see what he does. Like, let's spike his drinks, see, see how crazy he gets. Like, I could kind of picture that happening by fucked up people just hanging out with him in the middle of the night in a casino. So I, I never learned who these people were. Or he could have just been in Vegas partying and he took some ecstasy or, you know, something that just or, you know, likely paint. My guess is always going to be a paint, you know, well, maybe not so much because of, you know, his stature, but still maybe paint pill laced with fentanyl. That seems to be the main culprit these days in overdoses, especially out here. So I don't know if we'll ever even know. So you want to talk about uh, All-American Dave? Because I know you once had an incident there we, we talked about on radio. So, Have you heard about the news what, about him? I, I do not, know. This know is nothing. something that uh, is I post. Is he in trouble? No, he's not in trouble, but he's disappointed. All-American Dave, who runs the All-American Dave's food truck, that uh, it's not really a truck, but it's, well, I guess it's a truck too, but it's, it's like a kind of like a, Food truck That's what they call them anyhow. They just yeah. call them food trucks. But it, it, it sits in the back of the Rio, and they deliver food to people. You have, they hire pretty girls to deliver the food to you at the table. It's kind of a, an expensive, albeit a healthy, option that a lot of people like. They have just been informed today. This is uh, breaking news. They've just been informed that they've been kicked out of the World Series. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Dave took to Twitter to announce this. That's how I know. And I, I was preparing radio right when I saw this, and I quickly typed up a story about this. And, and I, I was supportive of him here because uh, it's been there for a long time. He's, he's been 
at the World Series a long time, and they have benefited not just from whatever he pays to be there, but they've benefited because people who are more health conscious about what they eat and don't like the offerings at the Rio all that time, uh, these people were satisfied with this being a food option. So for a lot of people, this was something that made them feel better about spending weeks there that they could eat in a healthier manner. So um, All American Dave tweeted well, he's this. He's also paying rent. I mean, no, I that's what I was saying. He's paying. It's not like he's doing. Yeah. Right. He's paying rent, but it's not just that. He, he's also providing a service that they didn't really have at the at the Rio that made the players happy. So here's what he just tweeted. He tweeted this out because he's hoping that pressure can be applied, and I, I don't blame him. His name is David Swanson. He said, "Need help? Was just informed." that we will not be at Bally's for the World Series of Poker, and we are not allowed to deliver from our off-site location. So, so not only can't they be there, they can't even bring food there. They're, they're basically banned from any food sales to anyone playing at the World Series, unless people you know, go off-site and buy it there. Over a decade building, and just like that, it's over? Hard to imagine the series without us. There's got to be a way, right? And then he does hashtag eat better, hashtag be better, and then puts at WSOP. So what he's hoping for is that the ensuing outrage over this pressures the World Series to change their mind. And uh, they, they dropped this on him less than three months before the series, which is a little surprising. you think they would have decided this earlier. It's not like they told him the day before, but it's, it's still, you, you would have thought he would have been told this a while ago. And I think... Well, there's th- actually about... Not four months, but you know, we could just call it four. No, no, no. It's less three than three. No, 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 no. It's less than three. It starts in we late March, May. March, April. Oh no, I'm sorry. You're right. March, April, May. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think this is my guess, and you can tell me if you agree. I think because Bally's and Paris has a lot more as far as food options than the Rio, which is kind of isolated there, and a lot of things were closed. I think they said, "Screw it, we don't need him anymore. He's just going to compete with our other outlets here, so people can get better quality food at Paris uh, at Bally's in Paris. So why should we have this guy?" taking away from our lucrative food uh, food sales, F him. So not only don't we want him taking up space here, we don't even want him delivering f- food from the outside, so we're basically telling him to scram. Okay, but stop right there. How do they even enforce that? That's like saying if I'm staying at the hotel or whatever, I can't order Postmates, and they can tell me that. I can't order Domino's. I can't order DoorDash, Uber Eats. I, how would they? How can they enforce? Well, that? I was thinking well, about that. I, I have delivered. I, I because they can eighty six anybody at any time. They can tell him you're just not you and your employees are not welcome to deliver food here. And if you do, we're going to eighty six you. They they could have said that if if they try to. That's uh, really that's really just arbitrary. I mean, come on. So like, yeah. I mean, I, I was I, I was surprised and, and about the obviously I cut you off right there. That's a thousand percent what it is. Unless something happened where there was some kind of business dispute or the relationship had maybe been testy the last few years, if none of that is involved, then there's no other explanation other than, you know, just, the, you know, uh, I don't know how much you know, but, you know, Valley's has a food court, not a good food court, but, you know, Johnny Rockets, uh, uh, you know, like a whatever, like Chinese, you know, walk in, like, you know, like a mall Chinese place and, you know, a, a Subway, a Chipotle, like, you know, there are all those kind of places there. It's not as much as like the sit down restaurants because people aren't really going to be able to go and, you know, go to a steakhouse or go to any of the, you know, larger fare that will be busy or take time. But there's a lot of there's many more smaller just going and get something real fast type places, but definitely nothing that's along the same lines health wise. 
Well, yeah. It's so not like what, you're giving up their choice for something. You know, what are you, you're going to go to Johnny Rockets then. Yeah, so I I was wondering that too. I wasn't that familiar with the offerings at, at Ballets in Paris, but yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of anything that was like uh, All American Dave. But they may have felt at the Rio all these years that because there's such a crowding of these places that are available that are open for for the poker players that they just don't have enough room for people to sit and eat. So maybe they thought he was doing them a favor in a way by taking out uh, some of the crowds from these restaurants that that are going to flow in there on the breaks. So now they, as you mentioned, there's a lot more options at Bally's in Paris. They figure we don't need this anymore. We have enough space to feed everybody. So F him. Well, of course. Think about the Rio. What did you have for, for, you know, 15 years? You had the poker kitchen. You had Buzio's, which, you know, that's been gone for five years. And you had that, uh, uh, what's that? That bar and grill. What is that? that yeah, the 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 American Grill, and then you that's had. It. That's all you had. And well, yeah, Buzio's became that uh, El Burro Baracho yeah, of Guy Fieri's, but yeah, right. But that same thing. So you know, whatever. One business. So one restaurant. That you had the the the. What did you say it was called again? I've eaten at that. The the, the American Bar and Grill or whatever, and then uh, yeah. and then and I think then there there's the an Asian place too, that. Uh, and the the what place? Like some kind of uh, Asian place that's kind of by where the buffet was. Oh yeah, but you know what? That's like a thirty-minute walk in itself. Like that's right at the—that's where the robbery, the getaway guy ran. Well, no, but honestly, that's that right bar and grill that is pre- is pretty much over there as well. So it is it is a walk, but it's not it's not thirty minutes. It's just it, you know, take like well, eight minutes or something to walk there. But it, I, no, I'm saying there and back, there and back. It's it's listen. It that's a it's okay. What do you think walking a normal space to walk to that Asian restaurant right on the the furthest end? It's almost off of Valley View Drive itself. From the Amazon room, back and forth, it's at least a twenty-minute walk, unless you're. Oh, back and forth, yes. Back and forth, it would be a twenty-minute walk, yes. Easily, I mean that's that's 20, a lot of 22 time. Twenty-two minutes. Whoa, 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 whoa! How did he get on here? I, I honestly didn't add him. He just popped in. No, so, because the way Skype is. I know, I know why. I just, I, I know. Oh, okay. Like, I just, okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm feigning shock. Yo, but buddy. I know I am a bit, I am Yo, a bit shocked. I didn't know he was coming back here, but uh, all right, great. We were on late enough to get. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, you're 100% right. Unless, again, something happened that there was some bad blood, you know, prior he pissed someone off or stepped on someone's toes, that's 100% right. And you know what? Unless, I mean, this is the thing, and I get it. Like, they're not, you know, listen, they're not running a, 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 you know, a soup kitchen here. They're running a business. But unless they offer something comparable, you know, I, I, because it's still, it only is catering to a certain market. There are a lot of people that I know that would never, pay the price for that food or, or even enjoy eating that kind of food. Um, and for those that don't know the, the what we're talking about, the kind of foods are, there is always uh, a combination of smoothies. And when I say smoothies, I don't mean like tropical smoothie where it's like the sugar filled. It's, you know, a healthy, you know, vegetable smoothie, fruit smoothie, whatever, uh, at least a Caesar salad and, and some other salad, you know, like usually two kinds of salads. And then there's usually a chicken, a fish every day, and then some kind of uh, beef, you know, usually like, you know, maybe a hamburger or a piece of lean steak. And the prices are close to like $30, like $27, $28. And you get, you know, you get your protein, you get some rice, and you get a veggie. It's not cheap. And it's, you know, the food you can tell when you taste it. There's no salt in it. There's no butter. You know, it doesn't taste, you know, it's healthy food. So it's not like you're catering to this market where everyone is going there. You know what I mean? It's, it's still a small market. Well, right. And and when when I'm I'll be honest here, when I'm at the World Series, 
Um, I don't get that because, you know, I I like to just keep things simple and cheap for the most part. I'll go to a few nice meals with people, but on an everyday basis, I'm eating pretty cheaply. And this, I don't want to pay like $30 for kind of a smallish meal. I mean, you guys see what I eat on Live at the Bike. So uh, I, I, I don't ever go there. Um, now, I remember Brandon went there. I've been there. And, and we had on radio where Brandon raised a complaint about the way one of these girls acted uh, when she delivered the food to his table. And uh, Well, the problem was it wasn't what they acted. The, the meals were, say, like $27 or 28 And at, w- at one point, I guess it's my fault for just assuming, but it, it's really them. You know, I gave a girl two $20 bills for a $27 meal, and she never came back with my change. <laughs> so, like, after, like, 30 minutes, I'm, you know, and people got offended. Like, I'm asking for change. Like, okay, like, I'll tip five bucks for, and again, this is literally like a two minute walk. This yeah, like it's, it, it is a very short walk. That, you know, oh my God. So that was a whole thing where I didn't have the change and they weren't coming back. And I'm like, come on, like $12, $13, that's, that's, just, that's too much. Yeah, now the that's way this thing. ended was good though, because, uh, so Brandon came on the show and talked about it, but Dave wasn't aware that we talked about it on the show. But uh, Dave, Brandon raised no, the he issue. he made it right. No, so I was going to say, you he raised the issue with him. gave you some free food. Right. Yeah, no. And he was very nice about it, and he didn't even know you had talked about it on the show, so it wasn't just to make it look good on the show. It was, uh, he really was, uh, he, no. he, he handled this very graciously. I mean, you come on, anyone's going to agree. Like, you can't just take 40 bucks, say you're going to come back, and just never come back. No, you can't. Like, I, and just think it's fine, like, that, that should just be that. You can't, I mean, you just can't do that. Come on. That's, and these girls are sending out hundreds of bags a day. It's, it's, I mean, they're making money. You know, but anyhow, I still think regardless, if they're not going to, if there's not something, and I don't know of anything there that's healthy. I mean, you know, like that, that's kind of comparable to that. I, I you know, I, it's kind of a disservice. You're right to the players. Not, not only you know, that, but right. I, I think that uh, after 10 years, even if they wouldn't have signed him as a new vendor, they'd work with uh, j- just for the sake of honoring the fact that he's been there all this time and that people have enjoyed it even if it's not ideal just just don't rock the boat and let him stay there and, 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 of course if there was a problem we don't know about then that changes everything but if there wasn't a problem and they just got they just want to make more money i think there is a problem because that just seems even irrational by their standards yeah, you know, so it's, it's, you're right. It's really I think, I, especially if they want to say, okay, look, we're not going to make space for you. We don't do that over at Bally's in Paris. But if you want to deliver from offsite, go ahead. At the very least, let them do that. But to actually say you can't deliver there, and like they really want to make it to where he just can't bring food over to people, and the only way for them to get it is to come physically offsite to get it, which isn't easy. So it looks like they're just trying to shut him out of the World Series food business, and. Uh, that's yeah. crappy. So, well, all he needs is a, a Negreanu or Helmuth or someone of that stature to get behind him, and he may have a shot. I mean, yeah, right. May. And then he, there are right now, as I speak, and it's, it's been only about uh, sixteen hours since he tweeted this. He already has eighty retweets, fifty-seven quote tweets, and five hundred thirty-four likes. So I haven't looked yet to see if any of the big names who are influential have uh, gotten on this bandwagon, but he, he does have a chance of getting this reversed, especially because there are people who really are big fans of this food and are going to be upset that it's gone. It should be there. I mean, it's a great option. If, you, I mean, if you're there and you want to eat you know, a piece of salmon, where are you going to go? You're not going to find no salmon. Right, you're and that's, to, that's what I felt. I felt know, that even though this wasn't something I got personally, 
I felt that this was something that should be an option, and it seemed like that he you know, he gave good customer service the one time that Brandon had the issue, and that a lot of people like it. I haven't heard any complaints about the guy or about the the uh, the it's operation. All organic. The rice is brown. It's healthy. You're not going to find brown brown rice anywhere in the yeah. I just, this, this is where they shouldn't just try to squeeze out every penny. They should know it's been there 10 years, and people like it, and it hasn't been a problem. Just let it stay. Don't don't, don't say, well, what's one way we can squeeze out a little bit more money? Yeah. And that's, I that, agree. That's a mistake I sometimes agree. they make. Now, may, again, maybe we're not seeing the whole picture. Maybe there was something we don't know about that, as you said, maybe he pissed someone off, or, uh, or there was a problem we don't know about that was never made public, and all right, maybe there's a reason we don't know. But I, I, my guess is it's just greed that's that's what i think because i can tell you you know for the majority of people what they're going to be left with or the options i said they're going to go to you know whatever it's called china china walk or it's not panda express but it's you know a knockoff something like that or you know they're going to go to subway which i guess isn't all that but you know still it's going to be something like that you know there are johnny rockets or mexican you know burrito fat it's 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 all fast food there's nothing healthy in there like that yeah i mean there's not there's nothing if they offered something compare comparable then i can understand it but they don't you know or or at least they haven't in the past so i hope it gets reversed yeah. you know it's it, it, it you know provides a service that people enjoy i agree you're not you know you're not going to get smoothies anywhere you know you're not going to get like the healthy breakfast that he makes it's it's you know yeah so the other thing real fast i'm reading about all american dave was he he wasn't turned away. Not that I guess logistically it probably couldn't happen. And forgive me again if you discuss this. It wasn't a food truck outside he wanted. He was actually trying to get a to-go place inside the inside the casino, which is I guess maybe a little different because then that's like directly competing, you know. With you, you no, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. So yeah, that's it, it. Was the it was inside? So. But they're also yeah, banning him from. That, but I guess that's slightly because that's, you know, that's like a direct competitor. Where you know, I don't know. Well, but they're not know. letting him deliver there either, which I think is the worst part because he's established. If he was just yeah, some guy, could... who who came yeah, to them, no, I get that. like if he just if he had never been uh, someone selling food there before, and just in 2022 he said, "Hey, I'd like to sell some healthy food during the World Series," and they'll say, "Sorry, not interested." Then th- that would be completely reasonable but the fact that he's been there for 10 years and that he was willing to make the compromise of not being there at all and just uh people order it online or whatever and he delivers it over there uh, you just let it happen like uh i i think he should have been grandfathered that's what i think but maybe maybe he will maybe there will be enough pressure but you know sometimes the world series just says f you <laughs> sometimes they say you know what we we don't have much competition for some reason, it just seems a little different. If he's just trying to set up a, a restaurant inside that competes directly with them for just six weeks and then he leaves, I mean, I you know they're running. I get it, but you know they're running a business. But 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 I do fully agree. At the very least, then, like you and I could order if we wanted to Postmates or you know Domino's or whatever it may be. They should at least let him deliver. That that's going too far. Yeah, that's almost like personal. But I can listen if they don't want to put a competitor like right inside. That's not gonna. That's gonna take away money from them. Like that's that's different. No, I right. I agree with that. I I agree. It's fine to to refuse this. By the way, I, I want to say hi to uh, Belly Buster. Belly Buster's in the chat right now. So, welcome to him. I I don't know if he's listening at cheers, the moment. Buddy. But yeah, cheers, cheers, Belly Buster. Welcome to um, Poker Fraudulent Radio, and uh, thank you for running the poker room for. Uh, 
all this time. So not only did he contribute to the free roll, but he's contributing the free roll computer itself. He's contributing the room, which is extremely valuable Uh, to us. Trader are you with us? I sure am. What's going on? All right. Keep yourself unmuted here, buddy. All right. I'm going to have a question for you uh, in one second. So, Druff, uh, without giving it away, the same question that we asked uh, Daredevil and that we asked Matt Durrett. Give me a number. I'm going to ask Trader Ruski how many a number of how many he can answer. Before I say anything, we have Mr. Bellybuster here right now. So, hello, Bellybuster. Oh shit, guys! Hello. Hello. Cheers, brother. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Ten years. Very well played. Yeah, thank you. I've I've managed to survive here. So okay, uh, we're and I guess ten hours today as well oh yeah you know what i'm gonna be honest i'm considering i'm tossing around the idea i've never done this before but i'm tossing around the idea of instead of just intimidating people with some massive show that pushes through that's longer than they've ever seen i'm I'm considering doing a part one and two which will also make it easier to edit so i can edit part one throw it out there and then i can take a little time to edit part two because people will have hours to listen to because i got like 20 minutes left in me that it's four in the morning 420. Before we go any further, uh, and just stay with us for one second, Belly Buster. What is a number that you would set the line at for Trader Ruski? Oh, I thought we were doing for Belly Buster. You're saying for Trader Ruski we're doing this? No, 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 no. We're, no, we're going to do Trader Ruski. Yeah. Well, we can do both. I don't, I don't know what Belly Buster could even, would even know. Jim, you know the question, right? About the governors? Uh, yeah. Well, you we weren't going to say it, but yes, right. Same rule, same conditions. We'll do Trader Ruski first. What would you set the line at? Uh, I would say seven. Oh, I say under. Okay, I'll say five. But all right, Trader Ruski, name for us. So it's seven and five. Name for us as many governors and the corresponding states in the United States that you know. All right, I just woke up. Uh oh, okay, I'm, I'm lowering my, my number. Yeah, your seven is way going to be under a governor and a state. Like obviously, start with the with the obvious one. <laughs> I can't even think of his okay. name. Okay, okay. Oh, come on. The governor of California. Um, I know. Um, I can see him oh, right Jesus now. Christ. It's, okay, uh, you know what? This isn't going to end well for you, Druff. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Ah, I'm okay. drawing a complete blank. All right, Belly Buster, can you name more? All you have to do to beat Trader Ruski is, can you name more than one U.S. governor in the state that they're the governor of in the United States? Wait, um, Abbott in Texas, right? That yes, that's one. You can't even name the own one in his own state. Yeah, what, what about your own state? Come on. What? <laughs> he's got he's got to be kid, oh, kidding God. us here. I, I mean, okay. That one shocks me. Good. All right, Belly and Buster, how many can you name? Or can you name any? So, Trader Ruski's got me. I don't know a single one. Okay, it makes more sense no, with him. No, He's, I don't know a single. Is there, are they even governors in in uh, in England? No, no. Uh, what, we don't. What's the equivalent? Well, I mean, we have mayors in some cities, but um, no, there isn't really the same. Yeah, they don't I mean, have we, states. Obviously, in the UK, we have the four nations, so we have kind of leaders of Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland separately. But that's about as far as it goes. We don't have. Tr- right, because because they don't have any kind of states of or provinces. Yeah, they don't have states or provinces or anything like that over there. So, right. he, 
Trederuski couldn't name the governor of California. Yeah, I, I, that I would have never it. thought was possible. Trederuski. <laughs> What's happening here? First, we had Calwatt yeah, thinking that Calwatt thought yeah, that only two percent can name the governor. Maybe he was right. Maybe uh, Trederuski is, is part of that ninety-eight percent who can't name them. Um, okay, belly buster. So tell us uh, what's going. First off, tell us what's going on with you. Anything you want to share, like your life, things you've been up to, uh, cryptocurrency trading, traveling, family. What's going on with you? It's been a while since we've talked. Well, I suppose the crypto stuff is quite fun. You know, kind of thinking back to it, um, Brian Mikon did this community a big disservice really because if he wasn't such a fuck up at the time i think nearly everybody that was involved back 10 years ago would have probably piled into crypto of course i've actually thought of that too it's exactly what i've thought like like why couldn't he have not had so many fail ideas prior to that (laughs) this is the problem this is it if if he'd have just been a little bit more tuned in and, and and just didn't make such other crazy decisions at the time you know with the way that he treated you guys he you know we could have all been piling in at like 10 20 bucks and um you know he could have made that entire community an absolute fortune but you know kind of really the opposite happened because he was such a fuck up people stayed clear and of course you know you look back now and you think you know there was a very very small community of people that had even heard of bitcoin so there was a great opportunity to pile in, but yeah, you know, we could look back at that and kind of say um, that's a, it was a massive missed opportunity. But you know, I, I got in a few years later and I just kept hold of it. I, I don't particularly make a big thing of it. It's it's done well. Um, at some point, I'll try and have to convert it back into real money. Um, so I don't know how easy that's going to be, but you know, that's. That's, uh, you know, kind of a nice problem to have, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, absolutely. I'm glad you've done well enough for that's a concern. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's funny. I've told people, like, when we're talking about crypto, people who aren't from this community, and I mentioned that I knew about Bitcoin when it was $5. And they say, whoa, did you make a fortune? I go, uh, no. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't even bother explaining why I didn't. But Belly Buster, that's 100% that I saw over the years. And this is bef- like I'm talking about before I had any issues with Mike on when, when he and I were friends. Um, one thing I, I wasn't of the belief was that he always had great ideas and uh, always saw the right thing to do. It, it kind of was the opposite. And uh, so when, when he talked about this, I, I didn't pay it much attention and the way it was described to me i said well i called it a cute little science project and of course i wish and everybody here wishes that we just uh bought a bunch of them at five bucks each or even 10 bucks or 20 bucks each and then just sat on them or sat on a lot of them now the hard part would have been even had we bought them like let's say we go back in time and we can't see the future of what it's going to be but but in some alternate universe, I, I buy a thousand of these Bitcoin at, at five dollars each and spend five thousand. So, how long would I have held on to it? Even if I had complete respect for Micon and everything, like how long would I have held on? Because there were a lot of times where Bitcoin really looked like it was going to go in the toilet. There was the Mount Gox scandal. There was the continued decline that that happened through uh, two thousand thirteen and uh, uh, two thousand fourteen. And so, if you look at the the graph of the totality of bitcoin 
you forget that there were periods where it was looking pretty grim, and it looked like yeah, it was kind of headed for. There was a good post on the Bitcoin thread that um, kind of showed all the kind of collapses. So yeah, I mean the the initial run up kind of went up uh, 2013. It went up to about a thousand dollars, and then it collapsed back down to a hundred. Now, if you were sitting on those five thousand Bitcoin or a thousand Bitcoin, and it went up to a thousand bucks, and then a couple of months later, it's now um, a tenth of the price. You're going to be looking at yourself and thinking, well. You know what an absolute idiot I am. Of course, you didn't know at the time then that it was going to kind of rebound and bounce up and down and everything like that. So, it's it's a proper roller coaster. But um, but yeah, I mean, um, we all knew about this right in the early days. And and as you said, you know, did we pile on? Nope. You know, because we just thought it'd be a big fail. And uh, you know, but that's that's life for you a little bit. You know. Yeah, and uh, like yeah, right. This that, that was a bigger missed opportunity. I used to before Bitcoin, like back in the two thousands. I used to tell people that in the nineties, in the early nineties, that uh, one of my friends came to me and said, "You know what we should do? We should buy up all these dot com names that are like just regular words and just hold them, and uh, maybe one day these will be worth a lot of money." And then you know, I, I could have sold some of these for millions that were available at the time in, in two thousand. So it's not like I'd have to sit on it for 20 years. Like it was only it's less than 10 years later. We probably had this idea like around 93, 94. So probably like, like six, seven years later, we could have just sold a ton of these for a fortune, just the do- domains themselves. And I felt so stupid for not just firing off $50 per year on, on a lot of these domain names and, and then selling them. And that would have been easier than making money with Bitcoin because I wouldn't have had to d- deal with all the swings. So I, I look back at some of these things and say, well, that's, that's really too bad. Like it was right there and it was kind of a low risk thing. It was, just, but Bitcoin, as you said, it would have been very hard to see that become worth a lot of money. It's, it's one thing to say, I'm going to take a shot with $5,000 and if I lose it, I lose it and maybe I'll make big money. It's another thing to have that 5,000 become worth 500,000 and say, you know what? I'm going to keep holding on because maybe years from now, this is going to be worth many times that. that that's a very tough thing to do. And uh, I've said before, the, the best scenario is either if you were, you were in a coma all this time, like you buy a bunch of Bitcoins at five, $5 and you're in a coma for 10 years and then you wake up, or uh, you, you buy it and then you lose it somehow, like you lose it on a device that's physically holding it and then find it, are able to recover it again many years later. So, yeah, I think it would have been tough to buy it at $5 and not have and not had any urge to sell in all the in all the kind of intermediate time, but um, yeah, no, it's well, it's been a good, it's been a bit of fun, hasn't it? I know, I think a lot of play, um, people involved in the community and, and, and Pokemon generally kind of have had a lot more exposure to Bitcoin because you know it was a mechanism to get money on, on and off sites for a long time. So I think um, I think a lot of people have kind of kind of benefited from that. But uh, yeah. All good fun. We got Trader Ruski on the line. Yeah, we do. Trader Ruski, are we allowing Ruskies uh, on the site now? Is that is that allowed? Is that uh, well? We're we're actually, of, uh, you know, I'm going to message a, a, a sort of a Ruski from your country, but who's been living in Russia. Mister Tickle said he's wanted to come on, so I'm going to message him now and see if he's around. Is he told yeah, it'd be me good to catch up? I mean, that that must be so weird. Um, you know, I suspect life for ordinary Russians is is, is probably. Unchanged, but I guess as a British guy, there it must be uh, kind of 
must be kind of a funny place to be. I don't know whether we'd be more sensible to get out, but yeah, I, I, I've wondered too, though maybe not since they're the invaders not being invaded. But uh, yeah, I'd yeah. wondered that too. That's why I wanted to get his impression of all of this, of uh, what what Russians around there think of what's going on, uh, what what his plans are. He said he's going to probably be leaving there soon, but I, I'd really like to hear from him. He said he wanted to come on tonight, so I I just uh, and I he told me he actually wanted to be later in the show because he was going to be sleeping during the first half. And I said, well, perfect, because that's when everybody wants to be on is the first half, so uh, it's better to have him on later. So uh, we'll see if we can pick him up and... Uh, but yeah, Belly Buster, I, you know, thank you for coming on here. Thank you for running the room all this time and for, for giving the, the donations you've given and the contests and, and everything. I, you've Absolutely. been very generous to the site. I, I appreciate this. People have enjoyed the free roll every week. And I always like to say this is a unique feature of this show. Like what, what other show, whatever other poker or either even a gambling show has a weekly free roll directly associated with it? You, you just don't see it. So this is... And, and- and I didn't think we'd still be kind of doing the same thing ten years later as well. So uh, you know, it's uh, um, you know, it's been a very good run. Um, I do hope you get Mr. Ticklon. He'd be good. He'd be good actually. But uh, yeah, um, really pleased to join you on your on your ten year anniversary show. And um, I'll leave you guys to it. Um, Todd, Brandon, Fredoruski, enjoy. Good to hear your voice. All right, tally ho, pip pip, and let's get on with it. Tally ho. Bye guys. Bye. Later, buddy. So, not an unscheduled person joining us, but he uh, he appeared. I'm very glad we got him here and uh, got to hear from him. So let's uh, look at something else here on the on the agenda. Uh, let's talk about the World Series of Poker and uh, both. The schedule, and I'm not going to go over every event or anything, but just some things I noticed with it, and also about the vaccine requirement that has changed. Uh, To recap the way it was in 2021, you needed... Let me ask you, before you do... I'm sorry, okay, I could do maybe one more subject. Is there a shorter? And that's it, fine. It's not. I could just go. Is there? Could we maybe do the Texas thing with the poker player? Oh, okay. That I guess we can do that. I guess. I guess we can do that. Yeah. And then I'm gonna. And then I. I just have to. I'm tired. I'm sorry. I'm hanging in as much as I can. I can maybe contribute one more. It's, okay. No problem. So my stamina isn't. You know, listen, I've been on here since ten. No, you've you been know, on very long. I. I was. Been on, when happy I, when with. I woke up to when I woke up to pee, you guys were talking to Sharif. <laughs> I was. I wanted, I'm looking forward oh, to hear how that went. Yeah, <laughs> we had, we've had a lot of requests for Sharif, so I'm glad we got him back after all this time. That worked out well. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the Texas thing. This is something that someone brought my attention to on Facebook, and uh, I actually grabbed the guy's uh, videos and put it on the Poker Fraud Alert YouTube, so it's easier for people to access. And uh, he knows about this. It's it's not like content theft, but. Uh, a guy named Ben Ross, and I, I hadn't heard of him before. I don't think he's a known player in any way, but he's just he's a player from Texas. I don't know if he's a pro player or what, but uh, he, he knows enough about the way he, the expectations one would have of a tournament to where he was upset. So he was playing in one of the Texas card rooms that I hadn't heard of before called the Watauga Social Lounge. And this isn't one of the bigger rooms, but uh, he was playing there, and he was very unhappy 
about the situation that was unfolding during that tournament. This is uh, located in Watauga, Texas, which is in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, kind of uh, northwest of Fort Worth. So anyway, he was uh, unhappy with some shenanigans that uh, occurred there with this tournament. This was the President's Day tournament. or the pre- Sorry, that was afterward. This was a tournament that took place... Uh, not sure exactly which day it was, but it was it was like about maybe a week and a half ago, and this tournament had a uh, hundred dollar buy-in, and it had a sixty dollar add-on, and what he noticed was that they snuck a twelve dollar rake onto the sixty dollar add-on. So every time someone would add on, only forty eight dollars would go into the prize pool, which made him very upset. Especially because in Texas, they can't even charge a rake. So I'm not even understanding what they thought they were doing there. Because in Texas, the only way these card rooms can make money, and these are all unregulated. These all exist as like social clubs where people are just paying to get in. And then they are just playing poker. So they can't take a rake. They can't do anything like that. But all they can do is either charge a fee to get in or charge a fee to have a seat at the table, like an hourly fee. Or they can charge both, but they can't just take rakes out of pots or rakes off of tournament buy-ins. It has to be related to time or entry. So I don't even know how they were taking this $12 rake, but he was saying that there was nothing disclosed about this $12 rake anywhere in the advertisement for it. In fact, he posted, it said, the Saturday night nightly bounty $3,000 guaranteed. It says $100 buy-in, $50 pot, $25 access, $25 bounty. I'm not sure what $25 access is. Maybe that's the uh, the initial thing you're paying. Maybe, maybe that is a rake. I'm, but anyway, it says, then it talks about the starting stacks. And then it says $60 add-on at break for 25 k chips. So that the first break, I guess you can add on for $60. But he's right. It says nothing about that they're taking... $12 out of that 60 for themselves. So he was right to object to this. And uh, they just secretly did this, and he figured it out because since there is no rake, he was able to look at the total prize pool and see it didn't make sense. Because remember, it's a $100 buy-in and a $60 add-on. So what would the total prize pool have to end with? A zero. Because 160 plus 160 plus 160 plus 100, whatever, like it'll never end with anything but zero. And it didn't end with zero. So he's like, well, how's that possible? Where, where could this money have gone? So uh, at the time that uh, he got booted out, he was only two from the money. And he had collected nine bounties for uh, $25 each. Which guaranteed Wait, him I'm two- confused. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe I missed it. I'm listening. Why was he booted out? Well, I'll Were get to that in a second. Up and getting ups- oh, okay. I, I got a little ahead of myself, but he got booted out, which I'll explain no, no, in a second. No, okay, that's where, okay. Yeah, gotcha. but uh, when this happened, he had collected nine bounties and was only two from the money. And uh, when they informed him he's going to be kicked out, I'm going to play you the video of where he was uh, objecting to this uh, after getting kicked out, where he was furious about this and uh, was confronting them about why they're booting him. I'll play this for you, and then I'll explain as we're playing it what's going on. I will call the Republican policeman to have you 
We're on Facebook Live, y'all. We're in the middle of a tournament. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people left. We're five or five get paid. There's seven left. And they're kicking me out. They're kicking me out in the middle of a tournament. They're kicking me out in the middle of a tournament. Dude, get your hands off of me. They're kicking me out of this Watauga Social Club because I called it a rat hole in the middle of a tournament. Two from the money. So he called it a rat hole. This, this was the final straw. So he had complained already about this $12 rake. And by this point, they had reluctantly put it back. I think it was one of these like negative checkoff scams where where uh, they they hope nobody would notice. Then once someone noticed, you know, he noticed and objected loudly enough, they reluctantly put it back, but were pissed at him. And then he called it a rat hole, and that was the final straw. And they ejected him from the tournament, and uh, just he was out. And you can hear what happens next. Play here at this place. Look, he's kicking me out for calling this place a rat hole for them stealing money. They took $12 per player on the add-on that nobody had any clue about. Y'all are stealing money. And you're stealing my money. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you coming to help take us out. I'd love for you to leave because your membership has been revoked. Pay me my membership money back. Pay me my tournament money. Okay, so the guy in the background with the Asian accent is presumably the owner of the place. Either the owner or manager, I'm guessing the owner. And he was saying... Uh, you know, th thank you for coming, buddy. We we your membership has been revoked. We need you to leave. Now, the membership, you, you have to pay like a monthly or weekly membership there, as I was mentioning. So uh, they're saying th they need him to leave because he's no longer a member. Cash out my chips. No problem, buddy. I appreciate it. This is insane. They're kicking me out of here. I'm two people from the money, and they're going to just give me $100 back? How is that even right? Your membership has been revoked. Because I called this place a rat hole? Because you took $12 per person on an add-on that you did not disclose? That's my, that's my personal opinion. You can't kick me out two people from the money? Why didn't you kick me out two hours ago then? Because you wouldn't be an asshole two hours ago. If you're going to do a color-up on... <laughs> Why didn't you kick me out two hours ago? Because uh, you weren't being an asshole two hours ago. <laughs> that, that's from presumably the owner. 1K chip. No, I'm not turning it off. This it's is for okay. my protection and my rights. It's You're okay. going to put your hands on me? No. All right, it's okay. I'm waiting for my money so I can leave. You are trespassing and I'm going to have you arrested. You got, so I'm not getting any money back? Give me my money and I will go. This is insane. My name's Ben Ross. Now, he's standing kind of like by where the cashier cage is. This is absolutely insane. We're two people from the money in the tournament. First place is 1500 and they're kicking me out of the tournament. It's not just two for the money. There's only seven people left total. It's a small tournament, so five get paid. And there's seven left. They're booting him. I'm like, get my money. What are we doing? Better to leave? Then they call an attorney. What? Just take your money and exit the establishment. So the security guard's telling you, please take your money to exit the establishment. So if they give me my money, I'll be glad to leave. So what he's holding at the moment is nine bounty chips worth $225, and then, of course, they, they haven't refunded his buy-in or his membership feedback, in, in addition to being unhappy that they're booting him uh, right before the money, but uh, they haven't given him anything yet. And he's refusing to leave until they at least give him that. 
Here, I guess you can catch these in while I'm waiting. I got nine bounties, two from the money, and they're kicking me out. Because I called this place a rat hole. How shitty is that? I need the rest of my money. You said you're giving Money me my for buy -in what? and my membership back. Not his buy -in? No, that was my bounty yeah, chips. Just give him his buy -in. Give him his buy -in, just go ahead and ban him. I'm getting banned because I spoke up that they're stealing money from ben, people. You you're stealing money. You took twelve dollars. You think this is a rat hole? Why do you want to come here? Okay, so let me stop it right here. So the owner has reluctantly agreed. Okay, give him his buy-in and his bounties. So he is going to get paid the hundred dollars back that he he paid. I don't know about the the. I don't know if he added on. He probably just probably going to get the one sixty back plus the uh, two twenty five in bounties. But he's two from the money, and as he mentioned, the the top prize is uh fifteen hundred. So uh, they're not giving him any kind of compensation for that. They're just acting. They're just reversing his tournament buy-in and paying him the bounties, and that's it. Which I see why he's upset about that. And then the owner is saying, "If this is such a terrible place, why, why are you playing here?" And here's his response: "I'm still in the tournament. Y'all caused a bigger scene than what it's supposed to be. And this ain't the end of it." Okay, that's awesome. Membership has been revoked. That's good. Daily or monthly membership? I did the monthly, thirty dollars. So he, you say he paid $30 a month to, to be a member, so they're giving him back the $30 also. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, by the way, if they just don't want his business anymore and they say after the tournament's over, we're, we're uh, not inviting you back and your membership's revoked, that's more reasonable. That's more of like a we're reserving right to refuse service to anyone. But, uh, but still, if, if he was complaining about the fact that they snuck $12 and was vocal about it, I understand why they're pissed off that he keeps going off about it and calling it a rat hole. And and in hindsight, I'm sure he realizes you you keep your mouth shut while you're while there's still money at stake. When you're two from the money, is not the time to make the biggest stink, especially at a place that's unregulated. But uh, um, but before I continue with this, uh, what what is your guys' opinion on this whole thing? Should, do you think this guy? You think they're okay? I mean, to this isn't obviously a good look for Texas casinos. I mean, this is going to go more to the you know side of the regulators no i you know tell me real fast because i stopped following this it's just too much and i you know, i'm not going to go down to texas for poker i saw that business licenses got revoked maybe a month ago at a number of uh, card rooms in dallas right was it dallas or yeah you? it was dallas and this is like kind of like more northeast dallas. of fort worth so it doesn't so, really apply okay right okay so so okay so right all right so then I recall reading that I guess they appealed, and while there was appeal, in, uh, it was their business or their operating permit. While the appeal was in process or being processed, they were allowed to remain open. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay, so but that only affected Dallas, and there's been no other closures in the entire state other than that. That's correct, but there's Is some that fear that maybe this could happen in other places, but yes. Okay, gotcha. Um, assuming... There's nothing more that he didn't record, such as, you know, foul language or just, you know, being blatant, blatantly just, you know, being disrespectful, making threats, so on and so forth. I think it's pretty outrageous. Um, you know, obviously, that's why you want regulation. I mean, that would never be allowed to happen here. And if that did happen here, you would obviously call, you know, the Nevada Gaming Board and you'd have an agent there, you know, on property within an hour. Um, I think it's terrible. I'm glad he recorded it, and it just it's it's problematic in the sense that it's 
you know, for the people that want it just to go on status quo, that's a great argument as to, to why it can't go on status quo. Right. I, I think so, too. Uh, yeah. And I, I think this is a big problem. And I was mentioning that before this incident, I was mentioning that having no regulatory body over these games, it's asking for trouble where the operators will just do what they want and say, OK, well, tough luck. We're doing it. And the, the, the only recourse you really have is to do what he's doing and record it on social media. Now, I think probably what happened, if I had to guess, is that he caught them sneaking the $12 per add-on out of the pool, was furious about it. They, f- they reluctantly brought it back after a lot of arguing, and then he's kind of just sitting there pissed. He's just sitting there like, wow, if I hadn't made a huge deal about this, they would have just stolen this. So he probably just kept going on about like, why did you guys do this? So, so why did you take it out? I know you put it back, but why did you take it out? So wh- what did you guys do? Wh- what was the point of this? What did you think you're going to do here? Why, why would you take it and not tell us? So they, and they probably didn't want to answer him. And then he probably said at one point, yeah, this place is a freaking rat hole. And they probably said, okay, that's it. You're gone. So I think he was probably going on and on about it, which I wouldn't do when I'm two from the money. I, I would wait till afterwards, and then I'd go off about it if I wanted to. But uh, I, I don't, I'm not defending them kicking him, and uh, especially when they know they did it. Obviously, they know they did something wrong if they put it back in the pool. So uh, let, let me finish off this uh, end of this video of at least the part of him being in there. You're going to kick me out of the tournament. <laughs> if I'm basically guaranteed $350 and I only get 110 my money back, wow. They can see that, that y'all are ridiculous. Yeah, whatever. You think this is the end of this? You got me fucked up. Fucking rat hole place, stealing people's fucking money. Absolutely fucking bullshit. So now he's outside. He's walked out already. Now he's just going off about it for his... All right, here we go. Facebook, the whole story. Okay, so he was going to tell the whole story, and I, I, I combine these two in the video. You can find it on Poker Fraud Alerts. Uh, it's in the Poker Community Discussion Forum, where you can find this story, and you can see I embedded the video. What I did is I combined his two videos of the getting kicked out, and then the aftermath in his car. He's explaining the whole thing. Uh, it wasn't easy to access on Facebook if you didn't have a Facebook account or easy to find. In fact, he posted the second video kind of as a comment. So I, I made the whole thing easier. You know the story here, but there, there's more, a little bit more to it. There is an aftermath that you may laugh at here, but it, it's kind of a combination of funny and a little bit disturbing. So what happened after this? Well, they decided that knowing that he publicized this, and was trying to make them look bad, that they were going to troll him. They actually do this in the room. So then they advertised the next tournament called the President's Day Tournament on February 21st, 2022. That was when that tournament take place. It says, President's Day Tournament, February 21st, 2022, 2,500 guaranteed, blah, 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 blah. And then it says on the bottom left, and it's pretty prominent, it says, come and get this cheddar at this rat hole dash dissatisfied customer and it has a picture of a rat with cheese <laughs> that, that's part of their ad they're actually calling themselves a rat hole and say come get this cheddar at this rat hole dash dissatisfied customer and they have a rat with cheese next to it which is in pretty bad taste because the guy caught them doing something they weren't supposed to which they reversed when he caught them and he was vocal about it and they kicked him out and now they're trolling him 
by actually using his rat hole words in one of their ads, which if they're so insulted by it, why'd they kick him out? If they're so insulted by it, why would they put it on the flyer? They kicked him out for it. So I think that's in pretty bad taste to actually put this in the flyer. Now, if they didn't kick him out and he just kept calling it a rat hole and then they wanted to run with it as a joke, okay, but they, they kicked him out too from the money and didn't give him anything further other than his bounties and his buy-in back. So I, I think this is crappy. Uh, a Hoosier A, who has some experience in the poker scene in Texas because he used to live there and work there, he said, uh, places like this do not stay open for long. I called out the now-defunct Free Rolls Poker Club for trying to skim out of the prize pool. I remember that. It's a few years ago. And it was a much larger tournament, $1,100 buy-in, and they tried to mock me in the community, and it didn't fare well for them. They closed their doors after only being open for less than two years, and they struggled from the very beginning. Yeah, this is not going to look good for them with the community, and they can try to joke about it all they want, but this could not be good uh, publicity for them. And I also wonder if they've committed any violation, which I'm sure now this Ben Ross guy is probably going to go report. I'm sure he wants to see them suffer for this, especially as they're, how they're mocking him for this. But uh, as Brandon said, there needs to be regulation of these rooms so they can't just get away with this type of crap. This is the problem when people just want to support the status quo and say, oh, who needs regulation? Well, this is an example of when you do. And as the Texas poker scene expands, we're going to see more and more of these type of, uh, of stories. So not a good thing to hear about. And uh, I, I saw a lot of criticism of this guy saying that he, he was uh, making too much of a scene. He was too much of a whiner uh, that, uh, you know, oh, I, I wish I could have been that business owner and throw him out myself. And they should have thrown him out a long time ago. These people are, are, are missing the point here. It's not good practice to throw out angry customers that catch you trying to steal money from the prize pool. So if that happens and you throw them out, then you're the asshole there. You can't be mad at someone for catching you jacking money out of the prize pool. And I can say this because they returned it. It's not like they said, oh, no, no, here's where we disclosed it. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, we'll put it back after he made a big deal. So had they known they were in the right, they would never have put it back. And drop. So when you say they put it back, what did they have it in a big pile on the table, and then they were taking twelve bucks out of each sixty? Like, isn't that isn't that weird? Wouldn't they have it in the back somewhere? No, when I say put it back. I mean total on the board or something. Uh, other than the yeah, it was a total somewhere printed, probably electronically, of what the entire prize pool was, and he noticed right away that there was something wrong because it didn't end with a zero, and he said that's impossible. So obviously they took something out and he calculated it and he figured out what it was, that they took $12 out of the add-ons and then they admitted they took... such a bonehead move. You'd think they'd take $10 off and no one probably would have even noticed. Right, right. That was a bonehead move. But uh, yeah, they they didn't say right away we're putting it back. They argued with him some and then finally said, all right, all right, fine, we'll put it back. I understand why he was pissed. Because there was even pushback about returning it to the pool. And even though they ultimately did, you can't say, oh, okay, well, they put it back now. It's all fine. No, they, they shouldn't have put it out in the first place. And they shouldn't be arguing when someone points it out. So just because they ultimately backed down. And maybe it was out of fear of getting in trouble. Because remember, this might be illegal according to Texas law. I'm not familiar enough with the law there to tell you for sure. But it kind of sounds okay, like it sorry. is. Anyway, uh, Brandon, yeah. do you have any uh, yeah. 
further energy or are you done for the night? Um, I can't do the World Series because that's that's long no matter how you spin it, even if you don't. What what else is – anyhow, to finish up what you're saying, that's just – that's awful. And, you know, for the people – the people that you said that were standing up for the business owner, were those poker players or those just – I suspect they were just non-poker players that are just making those comments because how could a poker player support – the ownership throwing him out. Well, these are... You know what I'm saying? with that? They're not known poker players. They're not poker pros. At least I assume. I didn't know who they were. So you're but, saying they're poker players defending the fact that they did something shady, basically, like you said, stealing, and the guy stood up for himself and other poker players, and they're defending the ownership. That's yes, because there's a certain subset of people that no matter what's going on, if it's, not, if it's something not happening to them, and they see a guy who is very unhappy at a business and and complaining they just automatically assume he's in the wrong and that they should boot him it's it's a they they see the business owners like the king of the castle and if you don't uh show ultimate respect no matter what they do to you then then you're the jerk and and you get whatever's coming to you so there were a lot of people who were i wouldn't when i say a lot i mean a lot more than i expected uh, more people were on his side than not on his side but there were a lot more not on his side than I expected because they just decided that uh, they thought he was obnoxious and they would have loved to throw him out themselves. And uh, I, I said, no, the guy, the guy caught something they were doing wrong. You should be happy. There's people like that out there who point this out and who make a big deal about it and don't just keep quiet. So you, you don't say, oh, what a jerk for speaking up about this or what a jerk for being angry about this, even when they returned it. You should be supportive of people who do this and not worry about how polite they should be to the owner that they catch taking money out of the prize pool. So that's that was crazy logic on these people's parts. Uh, you want to talk about the what they, what they should be? What they should be is thankful that you weren't the one that was there because if they think this guy created a scene, <laughs> what the hell would have happened if that was you? And then, well, I'm just no offense. I mean, I'm no, it's not a bad thing. You know, I'm just saying. You know, you. You take down a whole Mexican restaurant uh, franchise all over the world over ripping you off. What are you going to do this poor little poker room? Yeah, well, I, I will say I probably wouldn't have done less than him until I was out, though. I, I wouldn't – if I was that close to the money, I would have I would have objected, but I would have uh, kept the tone lower and kept the aggressiveness a lot less until I wasn't worried about them booting me. I, I would have actually worried about it, especially knowing there's no regulation protecting me. So once in a while, I, I, I will – look at the consequence of complaining and and realize it's it's uh not a good thing it's the same thing like on airlines or on like when i'm actually on the plane or at an international border i I will never make any waves because the consequences can be very unpleasant even if i'm in the right the the, like if there's ever an issue on airlines I, i like very lightly complain and if i can't resolve it i just drop it and then complain to customer service when i get home I'm not going to find myself detained for uh, disruption of the flight and and put in jail and questioned by FBI agents like that. That would not be something I would want. So ever since 9-11, I've uh, very much moderated my behavior on airplanes, even when I'm 100% correct. And I I advise everybody else to do the same thing. All right, well, what are the other topics that are not – is there anything else poker-wise that's interesting? Other than the World Series, uh, no. We do have the – Vital Vegas uh, story. All right, let's talk about that. That's interesting. Okay, so... Then I'll go after that. 
this is something that is not getting much attention at all. And Vital Vegas may not be correct here. You know, with Vital Vegas, he sometimes comes up with these gems that nobody knows yet. And he comes up like months before everybody else. And it turns out he's 100% correct. Because a lot of people come to him with things. He's, he's got a big Twitter following and people bring rumors to him and they know he's not going to reveal his sources. So he's a safe one to come to if you want to tell him a rumor that you know about something in Vegas, but you don't want to attach your name to it and you don't want to be given away uh, and you know it's going to get a good audience. He's a good one to go to. So he gets a lot of tips. Uh, sometimes they're, they're correct. Sometimes they're correct at the time, but then are no longer correct, and uh, it appears they're false, like with a Sahara that he said was going to close and didn't close, and he got sued over it, but it turned out he did get a correct tip that they were very strongly considering closing and actually bringing a liquidator down there, so that's, uh, that's why he won the lawsuit. But uh, they ultimately didn't close, but that didn't mean he was wrong. At the time he reported it, he was right. And then... There's times where he just gets a completely bum tip. Uh, someone just heard the wrong thing. Someone's guessing. Someone's just giving him something that's not true be- for stupid reasons. So it- it's a mixture. So you can't just say anything he tells you is right or anything he tweets is right. But uh, a lot of times he comes up with these stories long before they they hit the mainstream. And uh, so I always pay attention. And, and at the same time, I-, I take it with a grain of salt because these are rumors that are brought to him and he doesn't have a way to verify them in in many cases so there is one that came out recently that reminded me a lot of two stories that we have talked about on poker fraud alert in uh, december and january and that really haven't gotten very much attention and i feel like they should and uh this whole thing is uh kind of weird to be honest uh so i'll tell you about the two stories first that we previously talked about and then i'll talk about uh the latest thing that vital vegas mentioned so there's a high roller gambler named brandon sattler not brandon drexel gerson but brandon sattler who is accused by creditors of running a scam involving installing video monitors in casinos and and basically, uh, I'm surprised this guy hasn't been criminally charged yet because it looks like the evidence is pretty strong and looks like this totally deserves a criminal charge and it's for a lot of money. But basically, the allegations from these angry investors was that uh, he pretended to have these lucrative contracts to install these expensive video monitors in Vegas casinos and in reality, he had no such thing and just stole the money and gambled with it. So there's a, there's a civil suit about this but so far, no criminal charges, which I don't quite understand. And we covered this, actually, not in December, in January, we covered this on uh, Poker Fraud Alert Radio and on the forum. Uh, this is he, he claimed he had a company called Satcom, which was based on his name, Sattler. And of additional interest, beyond just the uh, interesting angle that he was pretending to be installing these uh, monitors at casinos and just took the money, according to this lawsuit, was that uh, there was a subpoena for the Resort World CEO, whose name is uh, Scott Sabella, for a deposition in the in the, a sanctions portion of the case. And uh, I won't go into explaining all that of what the sanctions were about, but the interesting thing was that the deposition was about... Uh, Sabella's relationship 
with Brandon Sattler and about Brandon Sattler's gambling on property. Now, what's weird about that is there's a lot of times where casinos will be asked to make statements about people gambling with stolen money. That This is not the first time that sort of thing has happened, either uh, in criminal court or civil court. This, this is, is quite common. But the ones that they asked to testify about this or, or give depositions are the ones that are considered most familiar with that person's gambling, which is just about never the CEO. So who'd be familiar? Well, his casino host, uh, maybe a pit boss, maybe uh, dealers that dealt to him, uh, whatever it might be. It's, it's never the CEO. The CEO doesn't uh, keep track of, of individual gamblers there unless they're really, really, really huge whales, which this guy wasn't. He was, he was gambling at high limits, but he wasn't gambling so big at Resorts World that the CEO would have taken notice of him. So it was considered weird that they were trying to subpoena Scott Sabella to give this deposition, because in the normal case, if he didn't have a relationship with Scott Sabella in some way, Scott Sabella could truthfully say, I have no idea who the Sattler guy is. Yeah, he gambles at my casino. I don't keep track of everybody gambling here. Yeah, ask one of my underlings who, who, who dealt with him. That would be a perfectly good answer, and he wouldn't be a useful person to depose. So it seemed like that the plaintiff's attorney believed that there was more to this than the typical CEO and customer relationship, that, that, that he believed there was some kind of friendship that the two of them had. Now, Sabella was uh, opposing this deposition through his attorneys, his, through his resource, resource world attorneys. So, and that's still ongoing. There was a story in, uh, on February 1st that, that he's opposing this and, and doesn't want to do the deposition. So, okay, let's jump past that. Then there was this weird situation with a guy who goes by Robinhood702 on Twitter. Uh, Brandon, ha- had you heard of him before, Robinhood702? Yes, I, I'm familiar with all this. I know his backstory of what happened in, in Australia and you know him being staked and then losing the money of like someone that's alleged. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, right? yes. So I ju- this guy allegedly in the mafia and. Yeah. Yeah, I know all that. I've, so th- I've this, read about it. This guy's name is R.J. Cipriani, and uh, in two thousand, black, blackjack, right? He was staked and basically was a blackjack. Well, the the allegation is that he was uh, given two point something million dollars to launder, and that uh, he chunked it all off. It may have been in blackjack. I'm not sure, but he was he was supposed to he was. he agreed with uh, a, a a drug lord to launder this money through through gambling and. It was thought he could easily do it because he was uh, a frequent gambler at, at fairly high stakes. Funny enough, the guy oh, – I'm sorry, real fast before you go on. The interesting part is this drug lord who's now in prison, by the way. He pled guilty, or maybe he got convicted. I, I don't remember if it was a plea. He uh, played football for the University of Southern California. I think he was a kicker. Oh, really? But he was on the USC football team, and he's an American guy. This isn't like a Mexican cartel kind of thing. And uh, oh geez, I want to I want to so bad remember his name. I, I I know it's on the tip of my tongue, but anyhow, he was a uh, you know, he claimed that he was a realtor and did this and that. But um, anyhow, he he played football for USC, so it's kind oh, of interesting. interesting. Yeah. Right, so so anyway, this yeah. uh, this drug lord uh, gave him this money to launder, and then somehow Robin Hood chunked it all off. I I don't 
know what happened there. I don't know if he was just recklessly gambling. Whatever it was, he chunked off all the money and then was scared of what would happen to him. So he decided to go to the FBI. This is back in 2011, and I think it came out in 2016, but uh, the whole story. But uh, was Australia. Yeah, and, and, and so he... Uh, but he went to the FBI over this and and uh, gave them all the information. He was basically hoping the FBI would protect him and and uh, and, and put this guy in prison who he was afraid was going to kill him or really hurt him for chunking off this money. So that that's part of uh, Robin Hood 702's past. In the present, he, he kind of sees himself as a uh, a combination of a professional gambler and kind of like a scam buster and, and someone who calls out anything that's happening in Vegas that he thinks is unseemly. That he's just the one who, who won't give a shit of the consequences. That he's going to just share it with everybody. That he's going to sh- expose the uh, seedy underbelly of things happening in Vegas. He calls himself Robin Hood 702 because he claims I guess Barry Greenstein st- style that he gives uh, some of the money he wins gambling to the poor. I, I don't know if that's true, if he really does this or not, but that's not really important to this story. Uh, what is important to this story, and then I'll link it to what Vital Vegas posted, is that he had an incident at uh, Resorts World himself, and uh, it, it ties back into the Scott Sabella, the CEO. But there was a second person who was alleged to be at Resorts World who was... Uh, gambling with money he shouldn't be named Robert Alexander. And Robert Alexander has nothing to do with uh, this uh, Sattler guy. So these these are two different people who have a a similar allegation of of embezzlement and then uh, using that money to gamble at casinos and one of them being Resorts World. Uh, For whatever reason, maybe just because he was trying to wear his scam buster hat, Robin Hood, a.k.a. R.J. Cipriani, took a very big interest in showing that Robert Alexander was still gambling with money that uh, he shouldn't be gambling with because it was assumed that all this money he had was stolen uh, while he was uh, awaiting trial. So uh, this was occurring in 2021, in late 2021. He started uh, following around uh, Robert Alexander and, and taking video of him or taking pictures of him playing and trying to, and he contacted his FBI handlers. Remember, he had dealt with the FBI before about this drug lord, and he told them, "Hey, guess what? I have another thing for you. Uh, this Robert Alexander guy who was about to go on criminal trial for embezzlement. Uh, we believe he's still playing w- with the stolen money at Resorts no, World. He'd already, been, he'd already been he'd already been convicted, and he was awaiting sentencing. Oh, sentencing. That's right. Okay, thank thank you for the correction. So he was a guy that he." Did you did you give the backstory of him of how he maybe I missed it? No, I didn't give the story about uh, Alex, Alexander, but uh, he was the founder of oh Jesus! It was like um, Call of Duty or something similar. It was a big video game. Well, it was yeah. He had, it was like called Take Two Gaming or Take Two Media, yeah, and then it some, and it was bought by right, Rockstar Gaming, which which eventually put out uh, the uh, Grand Theft Auto series. That's what it was, Grand Theft Auto, exactly. And he made tens of millions off this sale. Yeah. By the way, and he was already convicted, and while he was out awaiting sentencing, he's gambling in resort world. Well, you you skipped one little thing about Alexander. He, uh, it wasn't from that. This was his own his own money that he got from that sale, and he chunked it off. So that was fine. You know, it's not good for him, but he had a right to chunk off that money because it was his own from the sale. But then that's what I I meant. He got he just made millions selling the game. Yeah, he was rich and lost the gambling. 
But then Blew the, his fortune gambling. But but the reason he's he's uh, he got convicted this uh, Alexander was that he started a second company called Kazang with other people's yeah, money. And he, right, and he took that money and gambled instead right. of investing it. Like he, yes. So 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 uh, Cipriani, who who only seemed to have an interest in this thing just for, from the purpose of being a scam buster, uh, he he brought this to the FBI and and I guess had taken pictures of uh, pictures or video of, of Alexander playing. And the way Cipriani probably pictured it was that uh, they were gonna. It was going to be very easy to see if Alexander was really gambling there, and, and if so, where'd the money come from, and, and maybe see that he was uh, playing with this embezzled money while awaiting sentencing, and then Robin, Robin Hood 702 could take credit and say, hey guys, look, uh, I just used the fact that I had contact with the FBI in the past for good, and maybe this could make people forgive him somewhat who called him a snitch and, and don't think very highly of him for... for uh, going to the FBI and reporting this drug lord just to save his own ass, uh, maybe that uh, this could be spun now to look like a good thing overall because now he has FBI contacts that he was able to alert to what was going on with Robert Alexander where the average person wouldn't have these uh, easy contacts at the FBI. So that's probably what he was picturing. I don't think he had anything personal against Robert Alexander. He was probably just trying to report someone that he thought was uh, up to no good and then would get the plaudits for having stopped this through the FBI. Well, what happened was that, uh, first of all, to my knowledge, nothing happened to Alexander. But the worst part was that somehow this got back to Alexander that uh, Cipriani did this. Maybe Cipriani didn't even make a secret of it. I don't know. Maybe he was putting it on his Twitter. Uh, but whatever it was, Alexander knew that Cipriani was the one who reported him to the FBI. And so Alexander apparently then decided to start following Cipriani around. And at Resorts World was constantly following him around and videoing him on his phone. And I don't know what Alexander thought he was going to be catching him doing. It's not like it's necessarily bad for uh, Cipriani to be sitting there at Resorts World playing blackjack. Uh, maybe he thought he was exposing something that Cipriani was doing that was wrong. But remember, Cipriani was once uh, laundering money for someone uh, back in 2011, so maybe he thought that was going on again. Who knows? But Alexander kept recording him playing at Resorts World. And... Uh, Alexander, by the way, is, is not an imposing guy. He actually was in a mobility scooter. He's apparently very overweight and uh, rides around a mobility scooter. So it, it, he wasn't threatening physically in any way, but he was constantly, for about a month and a half, uh, always looking for Cipriani there. Maybe he'd be tipped off he was there and, and was recording him for unknown reasons. And, and you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to record people gambling in a casino. And if they complain that this is happening or you're caught doing this, uh, you're going to be asked to leave and asked to stop. So Cipriani thought it was as simple as just telling the pit boss and, and telling security, hey, this guy's recording me. Can you stop him? But according to Cipriani, for uh, about a month and a half, and we talked about this in late January on the show, for about a month and a half, it just kept going on and it wouldn't stop. So finally, he took the matter into his own hands. And he grabbed the cell phone that uh, Alexander was using from his mobility scooter and ran it to the cage of Resorts World, hoping that they would take it and see that he had just been recording video of him playing. So he wanted to say, hey, look, look, I've got proof of it now. I grabbed the guy's phone. Look what he's been doing. So he ran it to the cage. The cage wouldn't take the phone. He said, okay, well, then get security over here. It took a while for security to come. When security came, instead of looking at the phone or, or trying to address the fact that Alexander had been recording him, security detained him and told him that he committed larceny by stealing the phone, or not, by taking the phone 
from Robert Alexander. And Cipriani kept saying over and over, I only took it to bring to the cage to show what he was doing. Now, I would think at this point that given that this really was what happened, and it was shown later on video that was subpoenaed that this is exactly what happened. So it's not just one person's word against another. What I just said is factual, that he grabbed it and ran it to the cage and didn't mess with the phone, uh, didn't try to delete anything. He just tried to run the phone over to the cage. I would think, you know, if I were in charge there, I would say, okay, first of all, don't ever do this again. You, you can't take the matter into your own hands. Don't ever do this. And and then I, I would ask Robert Alexander, why are you recording him? Have you really been recording him for the last month and a half? Why why are you doing this? Do you know, understand it's against the rules? And, and maybe 86 Alexander, maybe 86 both of them, whatever it is, I would never be char- trying to get Cipriani arrested or criminally charged here if I were in management over there, because it wouldn't make any sense. It looked like he was just trying to grab the phone to show wrongdoing. Do you, would you agree with that, Brandon? Yes, I would. Yeah. So, uh, surprisingly, Cipriani ended up being charged, and he couldn't understand it. And uh, it's not just that the police were overzealous about this. Uh, he was arrested, and then he was, uh, he was charged, and the DA was insisting that, that it's valid to be charging him here. And the excuse for it was that they claimed that he took the phone to delete things from it, that, that he didn't uh, like certain things that, that Alexander caught him doing, and that he wanted to just take Alexander's phone and, and, and delete videos from it that, that he didn't like, which uh, there's, the evidence shows otherwise. They, they got the video, the evidence shows otherwise. So he couldn't understand why the, the DA was still charging him. He felt like there's some corruption going on here. And uh, then he was, uh, this was occurring in December. So then he was tweeting a storm about this and he was accusing Scott Sabella of being involved and, uh, that, uh, and started tweeting about how Scott Sabella and, uh, and Brandon Sattler were, uh, were good pals and that's the reason he was being subpoenaed and he made all these allegations about that. He made allegations about other people who work for Scott Sabella and, and the histories they have. It seemed like he was posting some true histories, at least of some of them. I researched some of it. was uh, looked like it was accurate. Uh, I don't know about the allegations he made uh, beyond the histories, but uh, he, he was making a lot of allegations about a lot of people, uh, including even uh, Vegas super attorney uh, David Chesnoff, who's involved in this whole thing, too. You can go back to the, I'm not going to retell the whole story there, but uh, you can go back if you want to hear the whole thing from, I think it's the January 30th, 2022 show of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. But uh, the reason we're telling this again is that, uh, listen to this. Remember, Robin Hood 702 was accusing Scott Sabella of being behind this whole thing that, that happened to him at Resorts World, and that he that basically he thought maybe this was happening at the behest of Robert Alexander, who may have some kind of friendship with uh, with Sabella. And then there's something similar alleged about uh, that Sabella must have had some kind of relationship with uh, accused scammer Brandon Sattler, uh, and, and that's the why they wanted to depose him and still want to depose him. So, um, he was tweeting up a storm, and he actually got uh, hit with, uh, he was told he can't do this anymore. He was actually told he can't continue to tweet about this anymore. They actually took away his right to tweet about the matter, uh, which I would think is a First Amendment and, violation. And by the way, maybe, maybe I missed it. Did you, did, you, did you mention who Alexander defrauded? No. The two biggest investors in, in the money he stole for you know his new venture you don't know who they were 
or you probably forgot her. I probably forgot. The two biggest investors, the two biggest investors he defrauded, get this, were Chesnoff and Schoenfeld. <laughs> oh, I, that's inter- that's an interesting connection that I didn't know because I knew that Chesnoff took a big interest yes. in this case that couldn't be understood. Yes, Th- those are the two biggest investors in the one point three million. It doesn't say how much. But the article, the Review Journal article, wow. said that they were the two biggest. So I think I didn't know yeah. that. I think I read this somewhere. Else. Oh, wow, that's weird. Yep. Okay, well, that adds another mm-hmm. complex layer to this whole thing. So he was actually told, Alexander was told by the court that he can't continue tweeting, tweeting about this stuff. He can't continue bashing Sibella and making allegations, which is weird because I would really think this is a First Amendment right violation. Now, if they want to sue him later and uh, uh, you know for, for libel, then, of course, that would be their right to do. But uh, he's actually told it's going to be uh, contempt of court to be uh, continuing to tweet like this, which he then did anyway. And so, so now he's in hot water for that. And then they also piled on a very bizarre cheating charge involving Blackjack about, quote, adding money to his bet. But it appears that he didn't actually do anything that's, that's criminally wrong. Basically, uh, he was at a $1,000 table and didn't realize it was a $1,000 minimum, and tried to bet 500 And uh, then he noticed it, or they told him, and then he slid another $500 before the cards were dealt, and, uh, and then they said that this was him trying to illegally add money to his bet, as if he like got dealt a 20 and added 500 That's not what he did. They didn't say that's what he did, but I'm saying like that would be a case where it would be a crime where you sneak extra money on your bed after you see you have a good hand. Here, he hadn't received his cards, or if he had, he hadn't looked at them. Whatever it was, he, he had no advantage at that point, adding money, and all he was trying to do was get to the table minimum. And according to the law, it actually is completely permissible that if this mistake occurs, you just let the person play out the hand at lower than the table minimum, and then uh, and then the next hand has to be at the table minimum, or they, they can let the guy add the money. They don't have to let him add the money. But but one thing they can't do is claim it's cheating because he's trying to bring it up to the table minimum before he has any kind of advantage. So the, they claimed that this was some sort of blackjack uh, cheating, and, and uh, w- which, if, if that's true, is crazy. So they, they threw that on there at the last minute, and he thinks they did that in order to make the charges more serious and also uh, in order to make it so they would have better justification to hold him uh, until trial rather than... Uh, uh, getting a reasonable bail. So I, these are allegations from him, of course, but uh, a lot of this doesn't look right, especially, I mean, you could say maybe the blackjack thing, he's making a claim that isn't true, maybe he was cheating, but uh, definitely the video has shown that he just tried to run the phone over to security. It's very clear what he was doing, that he was trying to run the phone that he felt was being used to record him against the Resorts World rules uh, to show security that this guy's been doing it to him. And uh, I'm not saying that's okay to just grab someone's phone, but there's, this should not result in criminal charges. There, there's no chance. So something weird's going on. So now let me tell you the current thing that, that was tweeted by Vital Vegas on February 28th. Of all the incredible things we've heard today, a rumor of the president of a major strip casino was detained by authorities, possibly arrested, as part of a money laundering investigation, was far and away the juiciest. Wow. Now, it doesn't say that it's about Resorts World or Scott Sabella. This is just a, a co-president of a major strip casino. So this could be anyone. In fact, this rumor could be wrong. He was just told this. It's a rumor. So maybe this is all false. 
And maybe if it's true, it has nothing to do with any of this stuff I just talked about. But it also could. Why? Because there's there's two people that uh, have been at Resorts World Gambling that were apparently uh, there with uh, embezzled money or or maybe trying to launder money. But, you know, this all kind of fits together. There's this Alexander guy and there's a Sattler guy. Now, this, these both seem to be cases of embezzlement and not laundering. But but who knows? I mean, remember, uh, Alexander got the money from somewhere that he was gambling at that point when he was waiting for sentencing. Usually they wouldn't detain one of the, the highest level executive over this. They may ask him some questions. Now, I'm not saying anyone was detained because I've tried to look at the news and I can't find any news about this. But I guess it's possible that if there was no arrest, that maybe the, the police did like detain someone and say, you're not being arrested, but we need to question you. And that just never made the news because there's no arrest records. So all there might be was someone who has knowledge of this who ran to Vital Vegas. Again, this could be all made up or just wrong. And it could be something totally different. It, of course, there's a money laundering that takes place all the time in casinos. So this, this could have nothing to do with it. But it's the fact that, the, that it's someone so high up that is being questioned about this is what's making me wonder. Because usually when these, these type of things happen, it's not being dictated from the top. It's, it's often not even known about at the top. So uh, this may or may not have to do with it. I, I've been waiting for some big story to drop. Now, if, if this turns out that it is about this, and if it turns out that there really was a detention of, of uh, the president of a major strip casino over money laundering, that's going to be a huge story. But it, it has been a few days and we haven't seen anything. But uh, sometimes these things take a while to come out. So w- watch out for this here. And uh, I there, there are some weird things going on in the resorts world, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, they're in the news for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and just it's yeah. so weird. Like, what well, I, I keep trying to rack my brain. And keep in mind, Robinhood702, I've seen a lot of the things he's tweeted over the years, you know, long before all, any of this stuff happened. And I've even quoted him before on this show. I forgot when and why, but I remember at the time my comment was, this is what Robinhood702 says, but you have to take everything he says with a grain of salt. He might have some truth that just nobody knows about that he's bringing to the forefront. But a lot of times I read things he writes and I think, oh, th- this looks like BS. Like there's a lot of times I'll read things that he's written and, and I just don't believe it. And I think he's just being sensational. So this is someone who I think kind of brings a combination of the truth and bullshit forward. So normally I would say, okay, he probably really did do something wrong. And keep in mind, he was trying to launder money by his own admission for a drug lord 10 years ago. So uh, this is not a guy who's beyond doing things that are against the law. So it's not like I trust Robin Hood 702 so much, but but it seems pretty certain that they're trying to charge him over something that should never be criminally charged by a DA. Because what the DA is there for is to look at the worthiness of charging someone and seeing if the charges would normally hold up when in front of a jury. And if I were a jury, there's no chance I would convict someone other, under those circumstances. No chance. I can't think of any jury that would convict someone, convict someone under these circumstances. I'm talking about the phone thing. The video has been seen by a third party because it was subpoenaed and it's been shown to third parties that are sympathetic to Robin Hood's position and they've, they've verified, yeah, it's exactly what he says. So why are they charging him? 
What, what are they trying to hide over there? Why, why were they protecting this Alexander guy? Very weird. The whole thing's very weird. It's even weirder now that they, they, you tell me that they Alexander defrauded uh, Chesnoff and Schoenfeld, who, who have so much influence. If anything, you would think that they'd be trying to be hard on Alexander, not the other way around, not the guy trying to expose Alexander. And then he's, he was supposed to be sentenced. He, pl- uh, he pled guilty in 2020. So he was supposed to be sentenced two times already, and somehow he's got it postponed once because of the coronavirus and the second time claiming he needs eye, he's going blind and he needs eye surgery. <laughs> so I, I don't know if there's maybe even more to it. And then there's something else I read where he had called out uh, the heiress. Do you remember the uh, brokerage firm Dean Witter? So yeah. the, 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 this is even more bizarre. Uh, the, he had called out the heiress to the brokerage that's I don't even know her name. Uh, the broker, the heiress to Dean Witter was also involved, and she, he, this is what Alexander is claiming, had ratted him out to the feds. That's how he got caught, uh, allegedly. He, she was the one that ratted him out, but she only ratted him out. She was another investor. She only ratted him out after she had already sold her worthless shares, okay, to other people, knowing they were worthless. And once she had gotten rid of them, she sold them. Google that. Google Dean Witter. It's it's insane. This thing is like really just a, a really convoluted mess. But anyway, so basically he's claiming that you know she committed fraud by selling it when they knew it was worthless once she had gotten her money back and defrauded other people by selling them worthless stock. Then she called, contacted the FBI, and she was the one that got him in trouble. All the while – but okay, hold on. So all the while – he, <laughs> I'm not making this up. All the while, he's been out on bail, gambling at Resort Worlds, or not even out on bail. He's just waiting, sentencing. He started another company last year, um, some kind of marketing company. This is Alexander, and he's working with ex-NBA star Charles Oakley. I don't even know that name because <laughs> you're not – well, you might know. Yeah, you're a basketball guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know him well. Charles yes, Oakley. yes. Yes, he even played on the Lakers yeah, at one yeah, point. Yeah, he has Charles o- – yes, he played for the Knicks. No, but he also uh, played. I know, but he played on the Lakers at one point. Or did he? I don't think oh, no, 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 he did. Never mind. They were. They were you know what? They, he did. They were thinking of getting him and didn't get him. That's what happened. He might have, maybe for his two teams were the Bulls. Like his main teams were the Bulls, and you know, he played with Jordan when Jordan. Anyhow, so that it's absolutely insane. He, it said on here. I'm looking at this guy. You know, he looks hideous. That he's a good friends with a lot of retired ex NBA stars, which is kind of a weird. Yeah, and we we had covered him on on this show um, in the past. This this Alexander guy, and yeah, it, it's funny he uh, he was always uh, going around with these models. He he loved always being seen in the company of these beautiful models. But yeah, partially because he's like a a, a short, fat, ugly guy, yeah. and uh, and I just googled it. Oakley never played for the Knicks. No, he did. I, I looked. He, he no, I I got confused because he was uh, they were really trying to get him when he was still in his prime because they really needed someone like him on the team. This is uh, before they had won the championship with, with Shaq and Kobe and and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't manage it. So that's what happened. So yeah, it's well, anyhow, my take on this whole thing is that this guy, uh, what what is his name again? That's real name, the Robin Hood. Oh, uh, RJ Cipriani. Yeah. He, I mean, listen, he just needs to, Mind is, I mean, I get what he's trying to do, but it's almost like it's kind of to some degree vigilante justice. He kind of just needs to butt out of it. And you know what? If what I read about him is true, the guy's shady in itself. He's ripped off other people. 
Right. So, I mean, who knows? Well, that's that's I mean, what I'm he saying. Agreed, he agreed. He admittedly agreed to launder money for a drug dealer. So how ethical can he be? Yeah. So that same guy now wants to call out scams. Like, come on. Well, right. And and people are saying you can't even claim the guy was trying to be noble and report a drug dealer and get him in trouble because he was trying to launder money for that drug dealer and only went to the FBI and snitched on him because he was afraid the drug dealer was going to hurt him for chucking off the money. So he's gotten a lot of criticism and he's he, he's been kind of like a reinvention of himself, of a combination of like a scam buster and, uh, and someone who, who exposes the CD under Valley of Vegas and also gives away money to the poor. Who, who knows if he really does that? So yeah, there's a lot of things about Robin Hood 702 that I don't trust or believe, and I've, I've always felt that way since observing him on Twitter. I've never interacted with him at all. I'm just saying from what I've observed. But uh, in okay, this so case... Here, here it is. Las Vegas attorney David Chesnoff, once former Mayor Oscar Goodman's law partner, and Chesnoff's current law partner, Richard Schoenfeld, were shareholders in Kazang, the company Alexander used to defraud investors. Okay, okay, yeah. That- Chesnoff helped Alexander solicit new investors, including casino executive and gambler Bobby Baldwin, hmm. and of course Chesnoff and his partner himself <laughs> invested money. Well, I'll say this, Kazang was actually a good idea. It was successful. So I'll give Alexander credit like I did when I, I've covered previous stories about him, is he is good at, at starting these companies which become successful. And uh, Kazang, he started in, uh, in, in the 2010s and uh, it's, it was a uh, digital sweepstakes slot tournament and contest company that, that did it legally, or at least quasi-legally, and, uh, and did very well. The problem was it wasn't his own money he was starting it with, and then uh, he just embezzled money out of the company for his gambling problem and spending problem. He, he, had, he was one of these guys who not only had a big gambling issue, but he also spent very lavishly. He always just wanted to live the high life. I kind of theorized from looking at him that this like he felt this is kind of like the way he could buy himself into living a cool lifestyle when you'd otherwise look at him and say yeah otherwise you know who's going to want to like like beautiful models are not going to want to hang out with this guy otherwise and celebrities are not going to want to hang out with this guy otherwise so i i think that was kind of the root of this i'm not defending it of course but i i think that was probably some of the motivation and uh whatever it was uh he he yeah, as you said, he pled guilty. He definitely did all this stuff. But it's so weird that, uh, that all this stuff is going on at Resorts World. And I'd love to know if this rumor is true from Vital Vegas. And I actually tried to reach him about this, and uh, he hasn't gotten back to me yet. I, I even contacted Vital Vegas' girlfriend <laughs> to pass the message along to get him to... I want to talk to him about this, and... Uh, so far, I haven't been able to, but I, I really want to see what I can find out. Cause this so the is- former USC football player who gave him money to launder the drug pen who's in prison right now, his name was Owen Hansen. Yes, yes, that was his name, right. Well, this he is weird. He approached him in 2011, asked him to gamble $2.2 million and launder it, and he and, and Cipriani lost the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a story. <laughs> That's a, well, imagine the sickness you must have if you know you're going to prison. You know, for he's facing he's facing up to forty years, Alexander, and he's at Resort Worlds in a motorized scooter running around. But I guess I. But at the same time, I do see the point that if he owes people all this money and he's betting 
thousands of hand, then that's not right either. So it's kind of a convoluted thing. Well, right. I, I don't feel you know? bad for Alexander being reported for this, even though Cipriani, it wasn't really his business. But, you know, if Cipriani wants to report it and to the FBI and get uh, plaudits from the community, maybe he thinks this will make people think better of him after what happened uh, in the 2010s. Uh, as you said, I, I I think he's injecting himself into too many things that are likely to not end well. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's what's happening right now. There's definitely someone has it in for him, but, uh, but it does seem like he's correct with a lot of this stuff in, in this case, regardless of other things he says and yeah. does. Wait, do we even get to the vital Vegas tweet? That's yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I read that and I said, we don't know who he's talking about, but it could be this. Oh, okay. I missed that. Yeah, and that, and I the, no, I mentioned CEO, that I've, you're talking about the CEO of Resort World. Yes, yes, that he could be the one that's being talked about, or even if it is the one being talked about, it doesn't mean this actually happened. It could mean that just someone went and told Vital Vegas this, but it's not true. So there's a lot of possibilities here. Yeah, uh, there's been well, no like you said, like you said, you know he he hits he hits more than he misses. So you know, I mean, yeah, it could be nothing, but you know he. When he writes something, you know, of course you take everything with a grain of salt, but he has a pretty decent track record. A lot of his report, I'll tell you, that guy's pretty smart. He's made a, you know, he, you know, he has a, a sponsorship deal with a casino, right? Well, it's it's interesting you he mentioned that. Paid. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. I was on his show. I don't know if you know about this. He and his girlfriend started a, a podcast. Yeah, and, I know, I know about. Yeah, it. so I was on it, and uh, I mentioned something about. Uh, I'm not sure. Did I mention it on the podcast or if I mentioned it? Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the podcast or if I mentioned it to him privately. Whatever it was, he said that he is not being paid by anybody. But uh, a lot of people well, say that's not true. I've, right, I've, I've seen on Twitter that he has a, a sponsorship agreement with Circa. Okay. If you also read his tweets, it makes sense because he goes out of his way to praise them. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. He so. he is constantly praising Circa and playing at Circa and always showing Circa this, Circa that. It's always very positive. So, um, I you know he he had claimed that he doesn't have this, but who it could be a sort of sort of backdoor thing. Uh, the last I I had seen that he claimed was true as far as sponsorship is that at one point he had some kind of uh, deal with the Fremont Street Experience to promote them, but that's been over for a while. And uh, then, then all of a yeah. sudden, he's he's promoting Circa. Uh, he actually has a number of haters on Twitter, especially one guy. There's one guy who absolutely hates him, and I don't know who this person is. It's like an anonymous person that constantly hassles him and his girlfriend. The, the girlfriend thing is the worst part because, like, I, um, it seems like they're harassing the girlfriend just because she's associated with Vital Vegas. So yeah, if you don't like Vital right. Vegas for whatever reason, you leave he, the girl, leave the girlfriend. He's basically alone. like the T- he's basically like the TMZ of just Vegas. I think it's great. Yeah, I, 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 no, I think he does do a good job. So I mean, it's entertaining. It keeps you know he covers a, 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 a you know a subject matter that no, nothing else does. Like he's a gossip columnist, you know, and a lot most of it's true. Like it's you know I, I get a lot of information from him. Yeah, I read his tweets, and, and I got to know his girlfriend a little bit. And she, and, you know, she's a nice girl. I, she doesn't deserve all this this harassment. She didn't do anything to cause this, other than dating Vital Vegas. So, I mean, this uh, I, I don't understand what this guy has against. Uh, Vital Vegas. Now it is true. Vital Vegas is a very quick block finger on Twitter. In fact, he even blocked me at one point, which we've gotten past. But like years ago, he blocked me over something very minor. So I think that's what turns off some people to him. But I mean, the person who's bashing him on Twitter just like, like every day, just constantly bashes him. Like this person really has something in for him. So one last thing about it, I did, I, I knew it was going on, but at that point, I didn't really follow it. 
the Sahara thing. I know the outcome. I know the premise. I know all about it. Did he actually have to use his own money and hire uh, attorneys to defend him in that? Did that I never, I never got trial? an answer to that. But my guess was no. My guess was that it was such a strong defense once the facts came out that uh, I'm guessing maybe it was taken from the standpoint of uh, when we win the anti-slap because Sahara is super collectible that we'll just uh, collect the money off them because this, this anti-slap motion, which uh, you can do in Nevada yeah, and California, of course, is where it was invented. Uh, it, it, it compels the other side to have to pay the attorney's fees of the defendant if, if the anti-slap motion succeeds. So that's... Right. That's, the same thing happened with you. Right? With, with me and Possel, right. The except, except the difference is uh, Possel is very hard to collect from where the Sahara is very easy to collect from. So they, they got the money... Uh, Sahara actually tried to fight this. They they kept running up the fee even further, trying to appeal, appeal, take it to the Nevada Supreme Court. It was very stupid. But ultimately, when it was finally over, and there was nowhere further they could take it, they they did pay up. And it was like ninety five k that got racked up that went to uh, Mark Randazza, who's the same attorney who's uh, representing Veronica Brill in the uh, Mike Possel case, and he's of course a, a famous attorney. But I, I have a feeling maybe Randazza, seeing that this was an easily winnable case and that Sahara was very collectible, that he may have agreed, uh, like, I won't charge you anything and anything I win in anti-slap, I'll, I'll just take it. And there, there, there are a lot of agreements like that in these, these strong anti-slap cases where n- knowing that the attorney's fees will be granted if they win – that they'll just basically say, hey, I'll, I'll defend this for free, and I just get all the attorney's fees we win for the anti-slap, and, uh, and that's sometimes done. So I'm guessing that's probably the way it was. I, I'm guessing Vital Vegas didn't put up 95 k of his own money. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that, that would be my guess. Uh, Sahara shouldn't have brought this thing, especially no, you know, they knew for themselves that they were looking into uh, liquidating and closing down. So even though they ultimately decided not to, and even though it was annoying that he was putting this out there and making the employees nervous and making people want to cancel the reservations. I see why Sahara didn't like it, but that's just part of doing business, that these rumors will get out. And, and, and then, you know, if you know for sure you're not going to be closing, then you can put out there, this isn't true, and, uh, and that's that. And if he continues to say it, then so be it. You, you can't sue him for saying something true, that, that they were looking into closing. So once that came out, and... You know, once Vital Vegas brought this to Randazza and you know, showed him, the, I'm sure Randazza said, oh, wow, this is a slam dunk that we're going to win. Is that at first, when I heard about this case, I thought Sahara was probably in the right. And then when I got the details in the, in the filing from Randazza, I said, oh, wow, no, it's it, it looks like Vital Vegas was in the right. And that actually, I'll tell you, that actually was what made it to where Vital Vegas and I got along a lot better because I took his side on this. And, uh, and his girlfriend actually, someone alerted her to this show where I was talking about it and they listened and I said, you know, the guy has me blocked and I, I don't like that and I don't like yeah, it was for a stupid reason, but you know, I'm I'm gonna still say the guy's right and I very much took his side and he appreciated that and then we uh got past the the very minor thing that caused him to block me and, and that's what eventually led to me being on his his uh podcast with his girlfriend. So anyway, I do like that Vegas has someone like that that brings this stuff forward. Uh, that uh, that he hears and yes it's not always correct but it's it's interesting up oh, hold on we we have a call here i think i know who this is slap this person on caller hello with the fraud line it is yes the fraud line we ha- we have another co-host on here uh, 
I know who we are. I just texted him. <laughs> Morning, buddy. How you doing? Morning. How's it going? So this, for those now, of you... Listen, there was some talk earlier on the show that you're in discussions to bring back the Zone Blitz uh, in the fall <laughs> of 2022. Is that true? We might bring it back for uh, the spring for the USFL. Okay, great. So, 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 by the, for those of you that don't know, this is uh, China Maniac, who was a, a co-host sometimes during the earlier days of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. He's actually on a number of shows, if you go back, and uh, uh, he now has a child. I, for some reason, I got confused and thought you had a baby, and you even said something about the baby, and I, I, I kind of pictured you had a baby, but you, you don't have a baby. Your, your kid is older now, right? Toddler, yeah, he's like two and a half. Okay, so so it's okay. Yeah, uh, I guess it's close. I thought he was older than that. I thought he was closer to four. Yeah, Brandon's saying he's like four or five, and I'm like, how did I not know four or five? And then okay, he's right in the middle. But then you made it seem like the newborn baby, and I'm like, there's no way he had a baby, (laughs) another baby. I didn't know about it. Okay, so still required required a lot of of attention, like a baby, but not quite, not quite a baby. Yeah, yeah, and I remember those days. And uh, it, it is easier now that I don't have that anymore. And, you know, there's there's things you get to miss as as the kids get older, and then there's things that you don't miss that you're happier easier. So, uh, you know, I have that going on now because Benjamin he's not a teenager yet, but but he's uh, he's also not uh, a baby or a toddler. The one thing I won't miss is uh, the battles when it's time to go to bed. That's you mean one thing I won't miss? You mean getting him to to fall asleep? Yeah, at, at night. It's just uh, starting to climb out of his crib, just like testing limits, you know. So, But he's good for the most part. You know, I, I hate to admit this, and I, China Maniac probably remembers this. Probably the worst behavior that Benjamin has ever had in front of another person was with China Maniac. Uh, China Maniac met Benjamin as a toddler, and Benjamin just irrationally cried really really loud the entire time in the car as we were stuck in traffic when he was driving us back to the hotel and uh and i, I felt yep. so bad because we're trapped in this car with a screaming baby and benjamin wasn't usually like this he he, he was not a big crier as a baby and a toddler but but boy that night for and for no reason he wasn't a tiny baby he was like almost two but uh sure and and he was okay. We we went to a pizza place. It was a good pizza place too. Uh, China Maniac re- recommended it. It was a good pizza place in Boston. And he was fine there. But on the drive back, he was awful. And there's terrible traffic. And I felt so bad. And uh, so, d- does your kid do this sometimes? Yeah, I, I, that's something that when it's not your kid, you don't really think of it. So I probably didn't even think of it then. But when it's your own kid and they're having a little flip out session, <clears throat> you feel really bad. Um, yeah, well, I mean. Once in a while, he'll do something like that, sure. Yeah, that's. Uh, I thought he's he's making a bad impression here. He's, he's not even usually like this, and it just there was just a bad night for some reason, and he just it was just for no reason. He was just screaming, 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 and Chinese uh, maniac was tra- trapped in the car with it. But now now he's got his own toddler, and uh, now now mine's a lot older. I'm gonna say goodnight. Now that you have someone here with you, okay. Uh, I'm exhausted. And the last thing is, I did see just now that Phil Hellmuth tweeted. In support of it, so that's probably going to get the ball rolling. Oh, would, good. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I tend to think there's going to be some agreement about this. Anyhow, China, uh, I hope the family's well. We'll catch up soon, guys, and uh, happy 10th anniversary. Yeah, thank PFA. you. Thank you for being here, Brandon, giving all this time to us. 
All right. Yeah, you guys buddy. have a good Go morning. Good night. In. Have a good night, Brandon. What's happening, China All right, Maniac? Later, guys. All right. Goodbye. So, China right. Maniac, are you, are you on the way somewhere? I hear a, it sounds like a car in the background. Yeah, I'm driving right now. I just had to drop him off at daycare. So, I'm just uh, driving, taking a little ride before I go back to my house. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad we were on. We've been on a really long time. I know you slept the whole night while we were on, and uh, we're still here. And uh, yeah. this is so long. I actually may, for the first time ever, release this as two episodes. I may actually release a part one and part two in the archives because this is just probably the longest yeah. show ever. And in fact, it is. Any uh, what, what were the highlights? Any good highlights I missed, or what? Well, we, we had a bunch of people from the past on here. And uh, we we had Mike Mattis out at about uh, like one thirty in the morning, at four thirty your time, and he was on with us for a while. Yeah. And uh, we we had uh, sure. most of the past co-hosts. We had uh, you just heard Brandon. We have a uh, Trader Ruski on right now. We had uh, Daredevil, the Northern California guy, Calwat, uh, Vintage One, and uh, now we have you. Uh, then we had some non-co-hosts from the past, like uh, Master Ken Scaler and uh, um, Eric Benzamokin and. Bart Hansen, so uh, and, and Belly Buster called in, and Matt the Rat called in. So we, we've had a lot of people on here, and that's why it's been so long. Is because it's not just the normal covering of topics. We, we've uh, we've been catching up with a lot of people, and we we were messing with that Nigerian scammer that Brandon likes to screw with on this show. So done a lot here tonight, okay. and uh, but yeah, I just wanted to bring you back. So you're uh, you've got a uh, a two and a half year old, and uh, do you still play poker? Yeah. I haven't really played much poker since maybe the end of 2019. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, just been mostly all sports betting now. Oh, okay. So you're doing, I guess you're doing well enough with the sports betting to support yourself here. And uh, wh- what type of uh, sports betting are you doing for the most part? Um, a little bit of everything, but my main focus is uh, player props, NFL, college football, um, NBA, just doing uh, mostly all player props. Yeah, well, that's uh, I know that can be very profitable if you can get action down. If you know what you're doing and you can get enough action down, I know that can be uh, very profitable because there's a lot less scrutiny on those lines. Yep. So that, that's good that sure. you're 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 able to do well yeah, with that. The, yeah, the biggest the biggest challenge is finding accounts. I mean, if you win 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 enough, you just get you just get banned, so you need to find sources for accounts, and there's no better time than now in the United States with all these states that are legalizing sports betting, and, you know, some of these operations are taking very big limits for props, so... I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, because... on the right accounts, you you can do pretty good. That's interesting, because I kind of gave up on this whole thing with, with the prop betting, because I was getting reduced so quickly... When I would be placing any kind of sharp prop bet, I just got tired of it, and then I attempted to make uh, fake accounts uh, in other people's names, and then those would get reduced, or I I had some band where they confiscated the money. So, like you know, like I I just said, this is too much hassle. I don't want to do it anymore. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I didn't think of the legalized books. That's a whole different ball game. I I didn't even know they offered props at these books. Oh yeah, I mean, look at DraftKings or someone like that. I mean. They got props on points, rebounds, assists, points, rebounds, and assists, steals, blocks. They got everything. I, so, uh, I didn't realize they have that. Live props. Yeah, they got everything. I'm going to have to look into this. That uh, 
might be a whole different situation today. Oh, wow. Well, that's, right. good, that's good you can get that going on there. Now, do legalized books, do they reduce you when you're uh, winning? Um, not as quick as offshore. I mean, offshore, I mean, I put in bets offshore like five, six years ago when I really started dabbling into this stuff. You know, I put a $250 prop bet, and then I come back and try and bet again, and they've limited me to $25 after I make one bet. Yeah, that was happening to me, too. Right. I had the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sportsbook was like that. Bovada was, you know, sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. But uh, with the, you know, the USA books, DraftKings of the world, I can only bet DraftKings here in New Hampshire, but they were awfully slow to cut the limits. I mean, they eventually do, but... It seems they're tightening the screws up now because they've been taking some massive losses and, you know, they're going to try and head towards profitability, I would guess. So they've tightened the screws a little bit, but you still can get a decent amount down before they cut your account. Now, do you ever come to Vegas anymore, or is it just too far to bother with? I actually was going to come out there for the national championship game, but I caught the corona, so I, um, I did not make the trip, but... Yeah, I haven't been out there in probably five years or so, at least. So when, when did you get the corona? Um, right around the new year. Okay. Yeah, so it was probably Omicron. That's what everybody was getting around that time. I would guess probably, but possible that I didn't, but more than likely, yes. Yeah, it wasn't completely Omicron. It's not like today where it's, it's got to be Omicron. In, in, at the very end of 2021... It was like mostly Omicron by a wide margin, but there was still some Delta out there. And now it's pretty much all Omicron. But um, I haven't had it yet. Uh, Benjamin, my son, he he got it on January 9th. That was the first time he had symptoms. And uh, his case was mild. It it was never that bad, even at the worst point. But it lasted a long time, and he even had some after-symptoms. I think they're finally going away, but he had these after-symptoms where he would get fatigued every day. So that that was kind of crappy. But uh, um, nobody in the house caught it from him. And I think it's because we all had the booster. We, and, and so I, I still haven't had it, even though the COVID was right in my house with me. And he wasn't isolated or anything. Yeah. We, we didn't make him like hide in his room all day or anything like that. So we kind of resigned ourselves to maybe it's going to break through the, the booster. And if it does, it does. And it, it, it didn't for anybody here. So we uh, still nobody's had COVID except for him. How was your, uh, your COVID case? Uh, was, was it uh, difficult or what was that like for you? Extremely, extremely mild, uh- so my son caught it first, and his was nothing. I mean, he's had ear infections that have been, every ear infection he's had has been way worse than the, the COVID. And then we caught it maybe like two days after him, and yeah, it was, it was really nothing. It was, I, I, I had a cold that was worse than that this winter. So yeah, it came and gone and went away in like four or five days. Maybe you all tested positive for it? We all tested positive, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ben, ben tested positive. Those, those home tests are useless. He got negative on that, but uh, we, we took him to a, a real test, and that was positive. And you don't get false positives very often on those, except for, like, after you've had it and, and it's actually gone. But you, you don't just tend to get outright false positives. So if you're getting positive on those real tests, then it tends to be that you really have it. So 
All right. Well, at least at least now you you can go out with confidence and not worry about Omicron getting you. At least you've got that going on. Sure. Yep. And now it seems like everything around here is starting to open up. No mask mandate. So just hopefully that the you know the whole COVID thing is going to start getting behind us this spring. I mean, I would guess it, it things should start opening up a lot more. Yeah, they are, unless we see some kind of change. I think part of this be the political climate. People are just sick of it, and politicians who support these lockdowns and, and restrictions and uh, mandates are, are, are afraid they're going to lose in November. So they're, they're, that's why you're seeing a yep. lot of backing away of this. And uh, even Benjamin's going to be able to take off the mask in school uh, uh, very soon, which is, is really annoying for him to have to wear because he already had COVID. So <laughs> what's, the, what's the point of that? But he can't wait for that to happen. And, uh, you know, I, my vaccine, my booster now was, it's starting to approach five months since I got it. So it's, it's definitely weakened. So I, I won't be surprised if sometime soon I get Omicron. And if it happens, it happens. I know it's not as severe as Delta was, and hopefully that'll be the case with me if I get it. You know, I've gone, I've gone two years plus avoiding this so far. And, uh, right. I'm not looking forward to getting it, but I, I've had a hard time with these vaccines. Did, did you get uh, any vaccines? No, yeah, I got all I got all the vac- vaccines. Actually, when I um, after I got the booster, maybe like 16 days later, I, I that's when I caught the uh, the COVID. But um, yeah, I didn't get sick from any of the boosters at all. I felt fine. Yeah, some people are like that. Some people did very well with the, with the shots, and then some people didn't. So the first shot, mine was typical. You know, I just had a sore arm. But the second and third shot, it uh, after about 12 hours after the shot, I mean, it, yeah. it first I got super tired. I went from completely feeling good to just super tired, and then three and a half hours later, I'd wake up, and I'd have a fever, and I'd be very sick. So this happened for both the second and third shot. So I really – I'm not – I, I – don't want to do another one unless I think it's going to be uh, very useful. And so far, from what they see, the fourth shot is not very useful. So I, I'm probably not going to do it. Right. And uh, so I'm kind of resigning myself. My, my, yeah, my, my stepson actually just got sick from, uh, he just got the booster and he's 22 and he's extremely healthy. Um, yeah, he got, he got the booster. He was sick for a day. So... You know, it's just random, I guess, with different people, you know? Yeah, it is. Now, I was sick for almost three days, and uh, the first two being very bad, and, and I got a, a fever of 103 almost at one point. So it, this was not uh, not pleasant. And so it's, it's a lot easier to bring yourself to do it if, if you have very little as far as side effects from it. But uh, every time I, I know I have to brace to just make myself really sick for a few days, and it sucks. So, uh, but it, on the other hand... I, I do believe the booster protected me both with Benjamin when he had it and also at the World Series of Poker when it, when I was there for 11 hours a day in the room with COVID, with Delta right there in there with me. There was a lot of people who got Delta yep. in that main event who were right in that same room that same day, and I'm in there 11 hours with these people. So uh, there's a good chance it protected me there, too. So uh, as, as sick as it made me, I don't re- regret getting it. Hold on one second, I got, I got to jump off. Hold on one minute. Okay. By the way, uh, for those, those of you wondering, the only person on with me right now is China Maniac. Everybody's fallen off. We've lost Trader Ruski. Of course, Brandon left. 
So we, we've had a lot of people on tonight, but right now it's just me and him. When he hangs up, uh, what I'll probably do is I'll finish off the show, and uh, we don't have that much left to talk about anyway. And then I'll probably release this thing in the archives in two parts. I'll probably edit part one later on today, and then I'll edit part two uh, maybe tomorrow. And I, I guess maybe not even tomorrow, because we, you guys will have a lot to listen to. And this maybe we won't even have a show for... Uh, two more weeks because there's so much to listen to I, I don't want to overwhelm everybody with too much material no point to do a long long show if you don't have time to listen to the long long show but we'll see uh, in case you guys are wondering what else we uh, have to talk about uh, I still want to talk about the World Series of Poker I still want to recap the 10 uh, one big story for each year of Poker Fraud Alert from 2012 to 2021 and uh, talk about uh Eugene Kachalov's uh, live tweets as he fleed Kiev. I have some other topics I think I'm not going to bother getting to. I'll just table for next week. There's only, there's only so much I can do here. We've been on for, like, now ten and a half hours. Yeah, there's only so much I can do here. And believe it or not, I, I have some things to do. So I'll have to get off the... <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some stuff I have to do in the morning that I'm going to have to get off the show for anyway. I, I knew this was going to be really long. I, I just knew this was going to be like a record-length show. Fortunately, I didn't have to talk straight. It's actually easier for me to do a show like this than when I have to just sit there by myself and talk for, like, eight hours straight. That, that can be very tough on me, as you might imagine. We've had other people talking here, especially Brandon, and that's made it a lot easier on me. Uh, I, I do want to thank everybody who came on tonight uh, and, and this morning. And, uh, by the way, Mr. Tickle, I don't think we're going to get him on. I think we'll probably have him on next week uh, because it got too late for him, believe it or not. He, he's in Russia. But as, as he said, this war is not going to end in the next week or two weeks, so we should be able to get a perspective from him next time, even if he can't come on today. We, we had some people, some of these guests on for a very long time, like Master Scaler spent hours on with us. He doesn't usually do that. And uh, and we got like an hour from Mike Matisau. He was on for quite some time, uh, mainly talking to me. And we got uh, Calwatt staying up very late, and uh, Daredevil was on with us for a long time. Northern California guy was f- here f- very long, so that, that's great that we had so many different people participating during this show. Because yeah, I wanted this to be kind of a different show for the ten-year anniversary. It's, it's a big anniversary, ten years, and I guess now it's ten years in one day because it's now March third. It's been March third for six hours. If you go take a look at PokerFraudAlert.com in the Who Is Re- Registry, you can see it was registered on March 2nd, 2012. You can also see the very first post on Poker Fraud Alert was on March 2nd, 2012. I changed it the last minute. Uh, I was originally going to make it DandruffPoker.com, and I already had DandruffPoker.com. I was, like, blogging on there. I wasn't posting on forums for those months. It was kind of like my substitute for the forum, where I would just post blogs every so often. And the, the plan was maybe, I thought, maybe eventually I'll, I'll start a forum on dandruffpoker.com. And I, I got to work with putting it together, and I was all ready to slap it up. And then I thought, you know what? I don't want this site to be about me. I, I want to be the owner of it. I want to be the one running it. But I, I don't want it to be about me. So that's why I changed it instead of... That's why I immediately went and registered PokerFraudAlert.com on March 2nd and slapped it up on that domain. And that's where it's been for the last uh, 10 years and now one day. Chinese Maniac, you back? I'm back now, yeah. I had a, 
the neighborhood snowblower repair guy just dropped my snowblower off. So that's probably not what you heard when uh, I got out of the car. Oh, okay, so so you you have a snowblower now? Uh, yep, you need need them in New England for sure. So so this is for like around your property to to get snow away from the driveway or whatever. Yeah, I mean we got, I think we got like a fourteen inch storm last week, so. Mm. You know, I have like a six. Car, I have like a driveway that would fit about six cars. So, yeah, you need the. I mean, if you don't use the snowblower, you're headed towards heart attack city. You know, right? That's that's something people don't think of who live in in uh, California and other warm areas that doesn't that have a snow issue in the in the winter. That there's a number of deaths right. each year from people who uh, usually men, who middle aged men, who go out and shovel the snow. And their heart is not used to all the activity because it gets pretty uh, tiring to do this. And their heart's not used to all the activity, especially after uh, not having much activity during the winter. And then their heart's not yep. used to it, and they have a heart attack and die right there. Sure. Or the dehydration will, will set in, too. People go outside and just shovel, 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 don't even realize how much they're sweating. And then, you know, the heart attack, then the heart attack comes on, and yeah. It's kind of funny, um, you know, people around here, when they see, like, tornadoes in the Midwest and uh, hurricanes and stuff, they say, oh, I would never live there because of that. But I think I saw a statistic that showed that more people die because of the snow every year, either dropping dead from shoveling or getting hit by plows while walking out on the street than die in, like, uh, tornadoes and hurricanes. Well, and I know there's a lot of car accidents that are because of ice on the road that... uh people that die yep. from that so um that's yeah i know that's that's an additional danger and you know where i am there's earthquakes and there hasn't been a killer earthquake in a while thankfully but you know one can come at any time i i was at the rio in 2019 for the main event when the earthquake happened and i, I wasn't playing when there, there was one that actually happened during one of the day ones that i wasn't in but uh i was woken up an hour and a half earlier than i wanted to be thanks to a big earthquake and boy that the rio was really shaking and I, I didn't know how it was going to hold up. I hope the I hope the Rio is stable here because unlike in a house where you can try to run outside, uh, when you're in the Rio uh, in the middle of the hotel in your room, there's no getting out. You know, you're just you just have to hope nothing happens. So, and, and then we had a second earthquake that was even bigger the next day. So here I thought we passed it, and then I go, wait a minute, this doesn't feel like an aftershock. This feels even bigger than the previous one, and it was. So. Yeah, that's always something lurking here. But, you know, all these areas have their danger. You've got the snow over there, and then, of course, there's the tornadoes in the Midwest and the hurricanes in, uh, in the, the south. So a lot of different sure. natural things that, that can get you there. But uh, now the snowblower, are you renting it? Did you buy it? No, I just bought it. It's like probably $800 piece of equipment, but, you know, it take me 20 minutes to do a driveway versus you know, whatever it would take, shoveling. Yeah, you know, I, I don't blame yeah. you. Uh, I would probably get one, too. I, I'm used to, well, somewhat used to driving in the snow because there are mountains in uh, in California and Nevada. But what I'm sure. not used to is anything like shoveling snow because uh, I, I've never had to do that. And uh, even where I, I have a condo, in the snow, there's right. uh, they remove the snow themselves. I don't have to go shovel, so uh, that's something I've never had to do or even think about. And yeah, it, may, it makes sense why you're getting that blower. 
But but what did you do before this? Were you, you yeah, were shoveling before? No, I've um, I've always had this snowblower. I bought this house maybe like five years ago, and as soon as I moved in, I bought the snowblower. The last condo that I lived at, though, yeah, I just did all shoveling because the driveway wasn't that big. I could basically just back my car out, clean it off, and then just clean the area up and then pull back in. But here, it's just you need a snowblower or you're just going to be out here for a long time, you know? Yeah. Well, it's more about the time. Okay, it's it's funny. It's, it's actually been warm here in the in the west, and uh, we've yeah, it's been unusually warm recently. So we've we've been having these days that are like in, in the seventies. It's actually going to rain here, I think, today. So I think it's changing, but uh, it it already feels on some days here kind of summer like. And it's funny to hear about all the snow that you have to blow away. But I know in a lot of areas of the country it's been quite cold and they've got a lot of snow. It's just sometimes hard to picture when it's not happening here. Yeah. Like like when it's yeah, raining it's here. Mild, mild oh, okay, well, that's good. Like when it's raining here and and, and kind of cool, then it's a lot easier to picture about other parts of the country having snow. So like if it if it's uh, right. raining in forty three degrees, then I can say okay, well it's uh, I can picture where you live uh, being snow right now. But it's 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 much harder when when it's eighty degrees here to think about people shoveling snow elsewhere. Right, I, I totally get it. Yeah, well. You, you've always lived in a, in a cold weather area, though, right? You've, you've lived in Boston and uh, other places yeah. that are uh, they're all cold in the winter. Yep, Boston, north of Boston. Now I'm in New Hampshire, so yeah. Where the north you go, the colder it gets, the more snow you get. So I'm used to it. I, I grew up with it, so it's just it's just become normal now. Um, but I was going to say, um, so the the ten year anniversary. It's kind of funny. You would, like, just thinking about it, you would think NWP was around longer, but Poker for All Alert's been around the longest of them all, right? Oh, by far. So Never Win Poker, uh, that, that's good that you're asking this. And, and uh, by the way, we had someone just join us, or I'll introduce in a second, but uh, I should say rejoin us. But Never Win Poker started in, I think, May of 2004, and it uh, the forum closed in November of 2009. So it was about five and a half years. Donk Down, which people attribute to being around a lot longer than it actually was, uh, I forgot when it actually went down. Uh, I was basically forced out of it after less than two years, much less than two years. I was gone by September 2011, and it went up in November 2009. So I was uh, I was only there for about a year and three quarters, and then uh, by the time we got to mid-2012, it was already a ghost town. So it really didn't even last three years with any activity. And Poker Fraud Alert has now been here for 10 years, which means Poker Fraud Alert has been around longer than those two combined by now uh, a, a wide margin. So that yeah, that's been the longest lasting site. Uh, Calwat, hello, welcome back to Poker Fraud Alert Radio after uh, your short sleep. What the hell happened, Ruff? You're still on the air. Yep, a lot of things have happened. We've done a lot of things. We had a lot of people. We have China Maniac on right here uh, at the moment, a former co-host from uh, many years yeah, ago. Nice. And uh, he just popped back on here. See, if anyone who's previously been on here through Skype can just pop back on without me adding them. So we, it's funny, we had Trader Ruski just pop back, and we have CalWatch just pop back. I just, like, I hear a little click, and then here they are. It's kind of weird. But uh, I just thought there was some, I thought the, uh, I looked at the browser, and it said on air. And I'm like, oh, that must be just, you know, left over. I'll, I'll reload the page. And I reloaded it, and you're still fucking on air. 
Yeah, this is the longest show ever, and I, I've said a few times here, but I'll tell you that I'm, I've made a decision. I'm actually going to split this into two episodes. This is actually going to be a part one and a part two that gets released uh, maybe a few days apart. So, so that's why uh, people aren't overwhelmed with downloading something that's like 12 hours. My God. Yeah, I don't think we're going to ever exceed this one again. This is just a very, very long show because we're doing regular topics, and we've had so many people come on, and we've we've caught up with them, and I, I knew this was going to be a very long thing. Well, that's cool for a 10th anniversary episode, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was planning, and in fact, there's going to be some topics I have to table till next time. I can't even say next week. We may not do it again until uh, two weeks from now, but uh, people are going to have a lot to listen to. I will say that. They're going to have a lot of things to listen to, so that will not be a problem. And uh, Calwatt, you... <laughs> Uh, it's not as earlier there as I I was thinking you just woke did you just wake up or you, you woke up and did the things you had to do and now you're back no, on here? man, I, I woke up I did a bunch of stuff I drove the kids to school and I came <laughs> back here and you're still on the goddamn air <laughs> yeah there's actually things I have to do soon so I'm, I'm going to have to end the show at, at that point but uh, yeah I, I guess yeah, you said you're waking up like 6.30 Eastern now it's 9.17 Eastern so it's been quite some time yeah but uh, I do have Is to run because long? I've got a, a meeting that i got to go to. I just wanted to pop on and see if you were actually really still on the air. You're a maniac, Druff. Maniac. Yeah. I I think my throat's going to regret this after the show's over, but I'm, I'm somehow still here. Is this the longest show in history? Yes, it's the longest show, uh, aside from uh, which I'm still going to talk about. We're still going to do the 10-year recap, uh, but... Uh, aside from the the JSIP twenty four hour podcast, which I was only a small part of, uh, this is the longest show we've ever had. My goodness! All right, well, uh, thank you, Calwatt, for joining us again. And uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna, you can hop off at any time. But uh, and same with you, China Maniac. But I'm actually going to now talk about the ten ten biggest stories that happened in poker fraud alerts uh lifetime uh desert runner hello desert runny there i don't know what's going on all right never mind and that was desert runner calling but for some reason we couldn't hear him give him a chance to call back Sounds like he's stuck in the desert yeah <laughs> that's weird this has never happened before with him with he just uh i almost heard like a like a faint hello Almost like he's calling in his sleep. That's that's very odd. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, odd things happen here. I'm not, nothing surprises me anymore. I but, think you got butt dialed, Druff. I, I might have. Uh, yeah. I, I he was trying to call in before when we had like a ton of people on. And I told him we'll call him later, and then when I texted him, he said he uh, isn't. Uh, he didn't respond. He must have been sleeping. So I, I assumed he woke up, but then maybe he just like sleep called. Maybe he saw it as like, oh, poker fraudler still on. Okay, I'll call up, and he's like, <laughs> may have fallen asleep as he dialed. I don't know. So okay, I'm going to start the ten things. There's one each year. These aren't necessarily the ten biggest story, but oh, damn it! Just as I'm about to, he calls back. And we're going to try one more time. Desert Runner, hello. Hey, Desert. I can't hear you well. Hey, uh... I just woke up myself. I I can't talk too loud. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I, I can hear you now. Uh, we, China Maniac dropped off, and that's fine. But uh, yeah, so uh, Desert Runner, what's going on? Yeah, I sound very tired. I've never heard you like this before. Yeah, I was at my mom's house yesterday, 
and I did like yard work all day. I don't know if you know what it's like when you're like so sore. I crashed out last night listening to the show, and then I did the same thing as Cal Watt. I woke up, I said, is he still alive? And I refreshed the browser, and it came up on air, and I go, figured he was still on. So I, I just woke up, so I'm kind of like not going to be talking loud. I'm just kind of out of it. But uh, I wanted to call it for the 10-year anniversary show. Yeah, well, thank you. I, yeah, and then I invited Desert Runner to call in, and you know, a lot of people still kind of curious about Desert Runner. By the way, if you guys want to uh, see where Desert Runner posts these days, he's on VegasCasinoTalk.com, which is a sister site to uh, Poker Fraud Alert. And uh, so... I'm you, try, trying to place a float somewhat. It just kind of, it's kind of dead. Well, it's, it's never it's been a super active forum. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you've brought there. Like, you, you bring a lot of stories which are uh, relevant to, to Vegas and, uh, you know, people talk about uh, some of them you bring over there and uh, you know that the Vegas casino talk for those of you that aren't aware I, I know you guys hear me mention it sometimes uh, that is a second site that is not one I started I mean I bought the domain it's never been a Vegas casino talk before I had it but it was uh, it once called Alan Best Buys and then Alan didn't want it anymore and and he basically gave it to me with the agreement that I would change the name and theme and uh, that he would keep his own site for for other things. But I took over the entire forum. I restructured it a little bit, but all the original posts are still there. And it was always a... It didn't start off this way. It was originally kind of a, a site that was for Alan's uh, infomercial TV show he had. But he also is a recreational gambler. So he had a Las Vegas section. And somehow Advantage players, Casino Advantage players, found their way over there. And uh, when I took over uh, they had even more found their way over there and uh, so it, it's pretty much became a casino advantage player and las vegas discussion site so it kind of has a different focus than poker fraud alert and there's very little poker to discuss there so it really is all about like vegas and casinos for the most part and and then it has its own side dramas a lot of it i don't even understand well from that spilled over from other sites they have nothing to do with and i try to stay out of it but uh anyway a uh, lot of uh, characters oh. over there, and that's uh, but like a lot of times when I'm going to be posting about something involving Vegas or about casinos, I'll actually start the thread there rather than uh, Poker Fraud Alert because I think it belongs better there. And uh, Des- Desert Runner's been starting some threads there as well. And I encourage everybody here to uh, register on Vegas Casino Talk, and also you can follow the Vegas Casino Talk Twitter, which isn't too active, but I use it every so often. But you can twitter.com slash Vegas Casino Talk, and the site is at vegascasinotalk.com. And uh, I, I fully own and operate that just as I do Poker Fraud Alert. So it, it is my site, even though I didn't start it. So that, that's the story with that. And well, uh, I was going to add you had a topic about last night before I crashed. The uh, Governor Sisolak was kind of a at the restaurant. Well, it's a little bit hard to understand you. I know you want to talk about Governor Sislock, and that's fine. But uh, um, is there? Can you speak? Like, I'm hearing like a lot of clanging with the phone. How about is that any better? Well, it's not that you're soft. I'm hearing like a lot of noise with the phone being banged around. Oh, okay, I'm just I'm laying in bed with the phone up to my face. So I'm not doing anything. Maybe that's what. It, maybe it's just hitting hitting your face. But okay. So what do you want to say about the? He's talking about the Governor Sisolak situation we talked about early, much earlier in the show, uh, where, where a, a guy angrily confronted him in a, in a restaurant and 
Sizzlike didn't have any security with him, so the guy basically ran him out of there. So, so what did you want to say about it? One of the things I wanted to add was, um, if you watch the video, you know, I'm in the firearms community. Sizzlike kept his right hand in his pocket the whole time, and we're kind of assuming he might have been carrying a weapon with him, and he never pulled his uh, uh, right hand out of his uh, jacket. The other thing was, I think it was Cal Watt was talking about it, um, that actually, he said it was a misdemeanor. There was a, a piece of uh, NRS Nevada right statute came up about terrorist threats as a felony. That guy could be looking at a felony. And um, the last thing I wanted to add, uh, if you go way back to the 70s, there was a time where Governor Brown in his first um, first time as governor, he traveled alone a lot. He'd fly on an airplane out of Sacramento down to L.A. all by himself quite a long time with Jerry Brown. Yeah, I actually believe that Governor Jerry Brown is kind of an unusual guy, an unusual politician, and he always beat to his own yeah. drum. This, this was a guy who really just uh, didn't fit the mold of a normal politician. And and when he came back as governor again, but being much older, when he came back much more recently to be governor of California before Newsom, uh, I, I actually got some respect for him because even though I didn't agree with his politics a lot of the time, a lot of times he would not allow Democrats in the state to rule him. He, a lot of times they would completely disagree with something and he'd just say, F you, this is the way I feel about it. I don't care how the party feels. This is what I feel is right and I'm doing it. And uh, that pissed off a lot of his own party. And, and this is a, a very liberal guy. So by no means was, was he a right winger or even a, a moderate Democrat. He wasn't. But he did have some ideas about things that, that differed from the Democratic Party about things like uh, – like the state budget and about uh, about uh, approving parole for uh, vicious murderers that wanted to get out. And, and he was very much at odds with other Democrats in the state and with pretty much the whole party on some of these issues. And he just did not give one crap if they were bothered with him. Where, where otherwise, you don't usually see politicians doing this. They usually try to keep their party happy. He's always just been someone who just does what he thinks is right and doesn't care what anyone thinks. And then also, like he he did just exhibit some behaviors that were uh, atypical for politicians. So I could totally believe that he would be traveling just by himself. And yeah, you, you might remember the story. I guess he's in a bar and he watched Linda Ronstadt perform. That's when he just walked up to him and started talking to her, and they were dating afterwards. And I just remember the part where he'd jump in an airplane alone and fly down from Northern California to you know, Southern California. But uh, um, I still think, me personally, I I like Sisolak for one thing. And I'll tell you, because you might remember, um, I used to be a State of Nevada employee. And the State of Nevada employees for the last, you know, umpteen 50, 50 years, they never had... Um, Collective, what's called collective bargaining. They're always like, I was a state of Nevada employee. We're always lowest paid. He gave collective, it's a, you know, a Democrat thing. We gave collective bargaining to the employees, which was a good deal. But um, other than that, I don't agree with his politics. But I also don't think he deserves to be attacked out in the open like that. Yeah, I, think and- I agree with Kawa. He covered quite extensively. But it was, it could be a felony charge and not a misdemeanor charge. Yeah, uh, that's very possible. It kind of seemed like to me, given the stuff he was saying, because he wasn't just aggressively calling him names and saying, I disagree with you and I think your politics are crap. But then, then there's not that much that can be done uh, because it's just someone being obnoxious 
uh, and disruptive. But uh, yeah. the fact that there were a lot of statements in there that that could be construed as as threatening, and 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 stating yeah. the that 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 violent things should happen to him, uh, that. Yeah. Uh, I, I could see where there would be some kind of uh, options to prosecute this guy for doing it. And yeah, I've always said this. I've said this about, about right-wing politicians in the past that have been hassled when they're out somewhere. And and I'll say it about someone who's a Democrat, that they should just be able to go out and not have this sort of thing happen to them. That uh, Especially if it's something un- totally unrelated to politics. If he's at a rally or, or a campaign event or, or even even just making a speech somewhere, somewhere where you can say, okay, there's a political purpose to why this person's out, then if they get confronted, not like the way this guy did, but if they get confronted and yelled at, then that's part of the job. But uh, not when they're at a restaurant with their family. I, th- I think that's a different story. Yeah, and you can imagine we're talking to, uh, you know, the way the Democrats are, they're not going to, I don't think they're, I'm going to want to be that guy. You got to talk now, the guy who, you know, kind of attacked him, he's got a target on him and they're not going to forget, you know, they're not, eventually it'll catch up with them. The other thing is you and I, like, as long as we've been talking and in person, now, you know, I was always kind of like, if, if you're a person like me, it's in the firearms, you give like this label, like a gun nut and I'm not a gun nut. I'm, I see firearms as tools. Now you can see as the average regular person, now it's not a gun nut thing, or if you're, if you own a firearm, it's a tool for protection. Now you can see more like, we don't, we don't like that a label of gun nut. Uh, most firearm people are just regular people and they just want a tool to protect themselves. And I've, I've, over the years, I've approached you and like, well, you got to protect yourself on the road, you know? And now I think hopefully you can see that it's not a gun nut thing. It's just a tool for protection. And, there's probably a good chance he had that pistol in, in his pocket, I believe. Yeah, well, that's, that's very possible, guess. and uh, I didn't notice that, but that's a good point, that maybe he did have a pistol with him and uh, that he just he didn't get to the point of where he yeah. felt he needed to use it, but he was ready in case the guy really went too far or actually started attacking him yeah. or and, and something like that, there were, or maybe multiple people attacking him, that he was ready to, to do this to protect himself, but... Uh, now this guy didn't get yep. close enough to that to where this would have really been realistic from happening. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. But yeah, I, I can imagine yeah. on the the gun forums where they notice this more that this would have been observed. So that's interesting. And do like I said, I hope you can embrace the uh, when I talk about the gun forums in the community. They really are not. Um, they're not like all January six crazy people. They're all pretty much normal people and. I'm already told they did firearms training in uh, Nye County, Nevada, in 2007. I had some professional poker players in my class. I didn't remember their name, but we had professional poker players in our class. Yeah. And, um, hopefully so, I Desert know, Runner, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. It, that's Cal Watt. Yeah, go ahead. So, as as someone who is in the, the gun business in, in one way or another, and I just want to let you know my perspective in terms of where I'm coming from. I've got a CCW. I own a couple of firearms. Okay. What is, what is your position on forcing people to get a license or pass some kind of basic training in order to be able to own a handgun? Man, that's a hard topic. I uh, I don't believe in forcing anyone to do anything or requiring it, but I very strongly, very, very strongly urge people to get training. I tell people all the time, um, they don't believe me, you just don't go out and buy a gun put bullets in it and shoot people like you see in the movies. You have to get training. You should absolutely get training. 
but it, once you force someone to do something or you make it mandatory, they take you give them an inch, they take a mile. Then they'll 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 do it for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and they'll keep going. So it's hard to it's your Second Amendment right to own a firearm doesn't say in the Second Amendment that you must uh, include training. So I personally believe you should law enforcement training. Like I was a peace officer for the state previously, and I was promoted out of the position, and I took the same firearms class a second time. I learned something new every time. So when I teach people, I bring these what I call nuggets to the table and I show them the things I've learned. So I'm very big on training, but once you, you require something or force something, um, it just get, it, it's going to get worse. So I, I don't believe in forcing. I hope that answers your question. I don't believe in forcing or mandatory. I very strongly believe in training and I want Druff to go do training too eventually. See, as, as someone that, that owns a, a gun myself and has a CCW, I am fully in favor of people having to pass some kind of a, uh, you know, have to at least take a class or some kind of training before they can own a handgun, uh, especially yeah, if it's I, a concealed know, carry weapon. And I, I'm kind of with you. I have a CCW here in Northern California, and my Arizona one is on its way. Yeah. I, you know what? I agree. I agree with you. I, like, like I said, I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. I don't want to change my answer, but I, I want people to get training so bad because their eyes are so open. But like, well, they, I, 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 don't I mean, I, I did that. So when I decided to get a CCW, I took a whole bunch of, uh, of training classes yeah. to do it. Cause I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to own this thing and it's, it's dangerous to, to me and other people. And, you know, I've got a family and all that. I want to know what the fuck I'm doing. And I think I've, yeah. I've spoken to a lot of people that own guns, and most of them are pretty in favor of that happening because they realize, I mean, I understand what you're talking about in terms of a, the slippery slope argument, but it also could be argued that, you know, if you have lots of people that own guns and they, they do horrible things with them, that's more likely to have laws be passed that crack down on it, you know, and I, I just yeah. think... And you know, if you, if you need a permit, if you need a license to drive a car, I mean, it makes sense to me. You need some kind of a, a license yeah. or at least certify that you pass some kind of basic training class before you own a gun. Yeah. I'm not talking about like a hunting rifle. I'm talking about a, a, a handgun or a concealed carry weapon. Yeah. And you know what? My answer, one of my solutions that we're talking about was um, when someone goes out and buys a, a pistol offer them free training. Most people are cheap. And you say, yep. you know what? Uh, we offer you this free training, uh, eight-hour course. And then, like I said, I, I, I kind of I do agree with you, especially the CCW part, but uh, the concealed carry part. But yep. like I said, once you... We have so many laws now, and I want to add more laws. Once you... you know, we've, We're learning now from uh, vaccinations, once you force something or mandate then they take, you know, they give an inch, take a mile. And it's, I'm not like, I don't know what the final word on that should be. I agree with you that, you know, I agree with you in some ways. And I just, I have also been trained. And once, once they make something mandatory, then they ask for something again and again. And no, I, I, I get I it. But, you know, we, we do lots of things and make lots of things mandatory for the public good, um, including vaccinations. Like you and I had to receive a whole bunch of vaccinations before we could even go to school. But I mean, I, I understand what you're talking about. I, I just, it's, I'm reminded of this because Daredevil was on the show and he's from Canada 
uh, I think it was Daredevil, and he moved down to Las Vegas, and he was kind of shocked about the number of murders and, and violent crimes that go on there. And he said, you know, and I think Drexel said, well, you know, that's not really any different than any major city. And then he added, in the U.S. And one of the things Daredevil said is, yeah, you know, we don't have that in Canada. It's just not a thing. And I just, you know what? I think a decent part of that is just lots of people are getting guns that they don't know what the fuck they're doing or maybe they're mentally unstable and someone pisses them off and, and bad things happen. And it makes it worse for people like you and me that want to legally own a gun. Well, what I do want to say here in response to that is that uh, the U.S. is unique regarding first world countries in that uh, violence has always been in the U.S. culture since the beginning, since the U.S. started, and uh, and that's never really been completely shaken. And then there's been other complicating factors uh, that have uh, made this continue, which it's a very long discussion. I don't want to get into, but it's it's a uh, it's not so much because of the availability of guns. And even if you want to say at this point it is, which I I don't agree that's the reason, but even if you want to say that is, you can't unring that bell. They're they're out there and. Uh, well, I'm not talking about the availability of guns necessarily. I'm talking about that you should have some kind of basic – first of all, background checks should be done, and you should have some kind of basic training in using the weapon. But here's the thing, Drew. There are so many topics that have come up that the answer is American exceptionalism. Well, you know, we're so fucked up in this regard because we're different or – not everyone's going to take the COVID vaccine because we're different, or not everyone is going to, you know, obey gun laws because we're different. At some point, you have to look at it and say, you know, this, this is getting ridiculous. There are cases where countries have had a deeply ingrained, ingrained gun culture, and given them up, Australia is one of them. They and the 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 violent crime and deaths from guns went way down. I, I way down. I'm I not see. advocating that. Okay, believe me, I'm a gun owner myself. I'm just saying we have to be truthful with ourselves and not everything is, well, I realize that the rest of the world has done these things well, but we're different because at some point it's just a crux. Well, I, we I think like be in, honest with ourselves. I, I feel that the, in recent years, well, we have a new caller on here, which I'm going to introduce in a second. But uh, in, in mid-2020, I think people learned that it's not. The, the there was a fallacy before that uh, nobody really needs guns to protect themselves for the most part because if if you really have a problem you just call the police and then given all the riots that occurred over the summer of 2020 people learned very quickly that's when gun sales were the highest and people were just you know you couldn't get guns then because everyone was buying them and and same with ammo it was super hard to get these things because people wanted the protection including many who were anti-gun before that so that kind of showed that uh you've got you're going to be responsible for your own protection in in situations where there's a lot of things going down and you, and you can't just uh make a gun appear out of thin air that you wish you had and that made people a lot of people think differently about it at least at, at that time and i thought that's probably going to slow down any uh potential legislation that could otherwise be coming up as far as gun control but before we continue with this we have a caller on the air. I, I believe this is Jay Searles. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, so Jay Searles calling in here. Can you hear me okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you're a little bit soft, but uh, you know, whatever. It, we've been on now for for about eleven hours, and somehow we're still going. 
Uh, I, I've been the only constant here here the whole way, which, as you'd expect. But uh, uh, we've had a lot of different people. Uh, I, I'm going to have to shut it down soon, no matter what. And whatever we don't do, we'll do next time. But uh, Jay Searles, what did you? What would you like to talk about with us here? different things. Uh, I was, I'm headed down to play some cards this morning, and I was surprised to see you guys are still on. Um, you guys sound like you're wide awake still, which is kind of surprising. Uh, who's on the line with you? We, we, have, uh, we have Calwatt and we have Desert Runner. Um, Desert Runner, okay. Um, yeah, this topic you're talking about right now is pretty interesting to me. My senior thesis in uh, college was about gun control and its increased gun control leads to uh, reduction in violent crime, uh, specifically in the United States, but I studied other countries around the world. And um, my uh, through my research, I found that increasing gun control laws and regulations uh, actually increases violent crime. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what the right answer in the United States is. Um, as you touched on, guns are ingrained in our society. Um, I don't, I don't know that you're ever going to get rid of them in the United States. I, I would feel not. Yeah, I agree. I would feel very uncomfortable with being told that I, I can't have a gun, and and just trusting that they're going to get them away from the criminals who already have them. I, I would think that this would be a disaster, and I'd feel like a sitting duck. And something that should be looked at when we want to compare ourselves to other countries is that in places like the UK, there's far more. When I say more, I mean by percentage. Uh, home invasion robberies compared to burglaries where there's nobody home uh, than there is in the U.S. The proportion of those is much larger there because there's not anywhere near the fear that the criminals have that they're going to be facing a gun on the other end if the, if the homeowner is there. So in the in the U.S., right. while there are home invasion robberies, in the U.S., a lot of people uh, who, who are looking to break into homes to steal things uh, – look for homes that probably nobody's home, nobody's there, so they can steal things and, and not encounter anybody. And there's much less fear of that if you know you're not going to get shot. So that's uh, that, to me, is very telling. And, and, and you know, th- that's a very scary thing to have someone break into your house. I, obviously, if I had the choice of whether I'd rather have someone break in my house uh, when I'm here or when I'm not here, I, I, even though I, I could protect it being here, I'd, rather, I'd still rather it was when I was not here because at least I would not be in danger nor would my family. So... Um, that's I'm a gun owner myself, and I live out in the country in northwest Missouri out in the middle of nowhere. And, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I heard a loud noise in the middle of the night. I rolled over, and I grabbed my gun. Like, I can't imagine not – I mean, there was, it was probably the fucking dogs or something, but I can't imagine not having that as an option. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think if you're living in a rural area, it's very, very common for gun culture to, to be there from the perspective of you, you start – shooting guns when you're a kid and it's just an ingrained part of it and when you when you go anywhere when you go to the gym when you go anywhere you got guns you know maybe on a rack in the back of your car or whatever but you know it it gets right now and i have a pistol like beside my leg like i just always have a gun that's just where i grew up and i've I've got a handgun in my office and i've got a handgun in my car i get it i understand it's a little bit of a different thing when you get into a more urbanized environment when there there are lots and lots of people around uh, I, I'm not arguing for the. I'm, I'm, what I'm arguing for is that if you're going to own a gun, you should know how to use the fucking thing, and, and we should have right. restrictions Absolutely. on people that have you know mental stability issues. 
We should have background checks, and I think you should have to take some kind of a course so you know how to use your fucking gun. I mean, I, I did it myself yeah, voluntarily, I'll, you know? I always found it kind of ironic that if you... There, there's a lot of hunting around where I grew up, and in order to buy a, a tag to shoot a deer or something, you have to have completed a hunter safety course. You can't buy a license without a hunter safety course. Yeah. But that's for, like, rifles, and those are the people that probably don't need the training as much. I agree. Um, but you can go buy a whatever kind of pistol you want, and there's no training involved at all. It just seems kind of ass-backwards to me. I um, 100% agree. kind of what it is. No, I 100% agree with hey, you. Jeff? Jeff? Yes, I'm here, yes. I wonder, a couple points. Brandon, I think his name's Brandon. The code? Yeah. Um, when you talk about mental health and mental stability, and you mentioned the term, which I hate, universal background checks, everyone always forgets to buy a gun legally in the United States. You have to pass the 4473 federal form, which if the database, which is through NICS, National Information Crime System, there is a universal background check in place. They check, and it, it's, it's not a perfect system, but it, it, it's updated. And like when the one guy from the Air Force, he flipped through and he bought a gun he wasn't supposed to. The NICS system works. It's been improved. But if you are a prohibited possessor, there's a good chance, even your mental, it checks it asks you about marijuana use. If the system is working, it is a universal background check. You can look it up on the form on Google and see it. And if you're a prohibited possessor or you have a mental condition, it will you'll get flagged and your purchase will get, will get denied. There is, in my opinion, there is a universal background system in place now. It's a federal system. It's through NICS. It's not the best. The other thing is we're talking about eliminating guns. We haven't mentioned this yet is guns are like drugs. Whatever you eliminate or start the war on, there's always going to be a black market. And I think disarming the people like in Canada and Australia, it's just, we're hurting ourselves. I agree with the, some training, but the term mandatory required is kind of a backfire on you in some way. Uh, do you have any response to that? Any of those points? Well, yeah. yeah the, the main thing about the federal law with background sales is it doesn't require any background checks for guns that are sold by unlicensed dealers. Like, I, I was down at a flea market down in West Virginia, and they had fucking guns all over the place. You could just walk up and buy them. Yeah, private party sales. and you know, Yeah, that, I mean, that, still, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, I, I think... I, I've I never... Know, I, I own 20 guns, and I've never had a background check ran on me once for any of them. Like again, there's, that, there's a black market. They have to kick that system. Yeah. I'm just telling you that forget about the black market. There are tons of places that if I wanted to today, I could go down there and just buy a gun. And I live in New York State, so I don't believe that there are effective background checks. And and again, I'm not advocating for abolishing guns the way that they did in Australia. I noted that just because the the case was made that it's too ingrained in our culture. We'll never get rid of it. Well, that's not necessarily true. Guns were incredibly ingrained in Australian culture, and they got rid of them. I'm not saying we should do that. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't think that is a, is a good argument. I, I, I don't, and again, I, like I said before, I'm not the best person to debate this. I know there's like, like Dana Lashes or other people that have really good answers, uh, the better people that answer these questions. But like, I try to do what I can, and I have a clean background. Like, again, I got my CCW, and I, I want Druff to get his in his county where he lives. Yeah, no, it's hard in California, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's harder. It's harder than it is in some other places. Yeah. It, it, it goes by counties. Like, I live in Placer County, and I got mine within a couple months very easy. And uh, I got my Arizona one, which Druff can get that, too. I got it pretty easy. Just take, now it takes a little while, but it varies by counties. 
um, in California. Like LA County's a little bit harder, but we're drunk. Yeah, same in New York it, State. Like, but, yeah. um, you know, and I, and I did, but I, but uh, in closing, like I said, uh, Jeff, I, we, I've, call, I've called the show about guns for years. I've posted about it. And I just want to say that the stigma of a gun nut or an unstable person is really untrue. I'm a regular person. Jeff knows me pretty well. And I have a clean background. And I actually work in public safety. And I'm not like an unstable January 6th rider, gun nut type person. Yeah, I agree. And it's important to put out. Most of the people that I know that own guns are incredibly responsible. I'm just saying that yeah. that I, I wish that there was a way that we could ensure that. You know, I, I, I also do know some people that bought, have bought a gun and they don't have any fucking idea what they're doing in. They're, they're dangerous to themselves and to other people, you know? And I'll, and I'll, I, agree, I do agree with you. Like, there's a girl that I've dated off and on. She's in the county north of me. She said, she texted me because I bought a, a, a 9 millimeter compact. I go, let me come up and give you some training. And yes. she's like, no. And, and then I go, Please, what's going to happen is she's not going to have any training and it's going to sit in a box and she's going to sell it eventually. And her mindset is where a lot of people have, I'm just going to take the class. You know, yeah. Taking the class is like, it's like taking a basic computer class and you think you're going to be a programmer. Right. You know, I, I agree on something. Just the word mandatory and required make me nervous. I understand. And it's, you know, people are like, yeah. oh, don't tell me what to do. I, I'm just saying, you know, I, I think it would be nice if people were required to know how to use this dangerous weapon before they took it in. But they, you, you make a really good point, though. Most of the people that I know that are gun owners, they don't like this kind of attention and they don't want people that don't know what they're doing to get their hands on a gun because they know it's going to come down on them and they're perfectly law abiding. They know what they're, they know what the fuck they're doing. And a lot of people that I know are exactly like what you're talking about. They're, they're gun owners, but they are not at all what you would think about as a stereotypical gun nut. They're, they're people that see them as tools. They know they're dangerous. They know how to use them and they don't like kind of people that don't know what they're doing with guns. Cause they know it's going to come down on them. Yeah. I mean, in, in the yeah. defensive courses I took, one of the first things we learned is how much it costs to fire a bullet in terms of, you know, the average cost that you're going to run into if you start shooting at somebody. And I, can give you, I can give you some feel for your argument. What I've told people in the past is you have to take driver's ed to operate a vehicle. You have to get some education. And yeah. it's a, it exactly driving a car because we've, some of us have taught we jumped into cars with no driver's ed. We're driving. And it's the exact same thing. You should have take driver's ed. And I feel like you should get some training. And so it, that's kind of like the closest argument that's going to mirror it. A lot of us were started driving. I was driving before I had driver's ed. The problem with not having certain things mandatory is that responsible people, like you and I, are going to do the responsible thing and we're going to learn how to use this thing. Irresponsible people yeah. are not going to fucking do it and they're the ones that are the most likely to cause a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like in case someone out there has a Jew wallet, you, when they buy the firearm, you give them, offer them free training with no expiration date, and yep. that's probably the best way to do. I want I want to thank everybody for this. Yeah, the segment here is interesting, but uh, we're running out of time. So uh, what I want to do is the final segment, and everybody is uh, you know whoever wants to stay on can, but. Uh, I, I'm moving on. You don't have to go to work, Drop. What are you talking about running out of time? I, I, I have <laughs> to I have to do boys? things. 
You get him. I've already had two meetings, and I'm back. <laughs> I, I've been on for over 11 hours here, so I've, uh, the time is almost up. Before bring up your last topic, I want to ask something. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, we had the, I think it was called the Spring Invitational that China and Drexel and everybody put on. It was like the heads-up tournament. Uh, we've been, you hit your 10-year mark. Is there any plans to do anything like that Uh in the future here? No, I mean, there's just a $500 free roll tonight, so we just had that, but uh, that's long over now, but oh, it was nice. at, at the beginning of the show, but... Yeah. Um, it, oh, it, stuff that, that no, reminds I didn't me... I mean, like, today, even... I mean, should put something together like that. I mean, we can try. We can see if we can get something together again where people can oh. play. Yeah, I didn't that, even think about it, bro. It was a lot of fun. Bro. It was pretty good. How did... How did that... How did that heads up match feel for you, by the way? I don't remember uh-huh. how you did in that tournament. <laughs> that's... You know, I, I really almost won that yep. first round. There was there was a, a river card which uh, yeah. should have gone yeah. the other way, and then it would have been over oh, very you, quickly. You lost in the first round. Who who took out the great rough in the first round? Someone who was a luck box. <laughs> I thought you knew how to play this game, bro. Uh, what the fuck? I, the one, the one. Uh, it was me for anybody who doesn't know. But uh, the one hand, you got fucking bluffed hard on. You just you made a pretty loose hold, but we don't have to rehash that. I, I I don't even remember uh, that one. No, there I'm, was one. I'm obviously I'm obviously needling you a little bit, but I it, it would be pretty cool if we could put something together like that again. That was pretty fun. Uh, who won that first one? I remember the guy like got a trophy and shit. Oh, that was um, Hooded In. He still listens, by the way. Nice. Yeah, he doesn't post much on the forum anymore, but he still listens every week. So I'm I'm sure he'll hear this. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, so, okay, well, um, whoever... Hey, Druffs, speaking of tournaments, what is third pay? $80. Sweet. Did you get third? I did. Oh, okay. Wow. you get some of that money back. I'm, I'm I was to you. so tired, I just shoved. I, <laughs> I was falling asleep. <laughs> well, uh, here's what I want to talk about now, and then I'm going to... The rest of the topics will have to be wait till the next show. This is something I actually kind of planned to do at the beginning, and it's get getting pushed back so we've been on for 10 years and i earlier went through my mind and the forum and the radio topics we've done i took some time with this and i came up with a big topic for each of the years from 2012 to 2021 that was discussed uh on poker fraud alert uh, sometimes on the radio sometimes on the forum and um I am going to go over each of these and discuss them briefly. It would take forever to go through all 10 extensively, but uh, I'll discuss them briefly. If anybody wants to chime in, they can, but I'm going to do it in order. The reason we're not doing 2022 is because uh, 2022 has only been going for slightly more than two months, and uh, this is supposed to be a 10-year show, so we're doing a 10-year topic. So the first one, 2012, right off the bat... Some of you may remember this. I posted what I called the the PFA investigation on lock poker. By the way, someone's making noise in the background. I think it's Jay Searle. Someone is a uh, someone has a lot of noise in the background. Maybe no, it's, it's not me. Oh, it it's must have been me. Desert Runner. Oh, he he hung up anyway. Okay, so um, lock poker was 
a site that already was having scandals in 2012 and I didn't like what I was seeing. This is before they they stopped paying everybody. So some people told me that I was being too harsh and too critical, but they had a lot of scandals in 2012 and I wanted people to realize that even though they were getting a lot of rake back there and even though the games were good and even though it was pretty active, that a disaster was going to be coming. And of course, I was proven to be correct because by... Uh, the end of 2012, and especially the beginning of 2013, uh, they just stopped paying people entirely. Now, there was a whole long saga with that that I'm not going to rehash. It would take a very long time. In fact, I, I really tired people on who listened to this show who got sick of hearing about lock poker because I talked about it so often. And uh, keep in mind, this was not personal. I never played on there. So I was not a victim of theirs. But this was something that I felt wasn't getting enough attention in, in the poker world, and I wanted people to know to stay away from it. In fact, the, the title of the thread, which I pinned uh, as a sticky topic, not anymore because it's been a long time, but uh, for years I had pinned up there, lock poker colon avoid. And this is, again, before they stopped paying people. But I saw a lot of scandals that were coming from there and a lot of explanations for these scandals that didn't make sense. I believe that the owner of lock poker, Jennifer Larson, was shady, which she was. And that it was going to end very badly, which it did. And I, and I covered this for the ensuing uh, two plus years until it was completely gone. Uh, something interesting, which I don't know if I've ever revealed, but I'm going to reveal now. I may have said it at one point, but I, 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 I'm going to reveal it here. I know at the time for sure I wasn't going to reveal it because I, was, I had promised not to. But anyway, one of the big things that really got people's attention was that when Lock Poker wasn't paying anybody, that there was a big retreat at a castle in Portugal, an actual castle, where all the Lock Poker pros, of which there were many, were invited to attend. Because Lock Poker's marketing strategy, they, they signed a ton of pros, and uh, they gave them a lot of perks, like priority cash outs, and these people would recruit others, and, and it was working. Because these, these uh, they had so many people advocating for them who were known people in poker, that it was covering up a lot of the problems that were happening there. So anyway, in the midst of these long-term payout problems where they just weren't paying anybody, they have this big expensive retreat for all the lock poker pros in uh, Portugal. Now, of course, this would look terrible. So this was something to encourage the lock poker pros to keep promoting it despite the well-known problems they had there. This is kind of like to kiss their ass and uh, encourage them that everything's great. Everybody was instructed Every single pro who was invited was instructed, you cannot tell anyone you're going. This has to be a secret. It was a secret trip to a castle in Portugal, as strange as that sounds. A, a big party for a bunch of poker pros that was supposed to be a secret. And believe it or not, the secret was kept very well. But there was one person who revealed the secret to the public, and that was me. But how did I find out? Well, I haven't revealed that before. At least I don't think I have. The person who told me was the girlfriend of one of the lock poker pros. And what happened was she was in the poker community also, and she wasn't believing in what Locke was doing. She thought they were probably scammers, and she was on her boyfriend's ass about uh, going to this retreat when they're not paying anybody. And she kept asking him, how is this right? How can you go on this in good conscience? And he was making excuses but she was getting real pissed and they were having fights about it. So finally, she came to me. Now, this is someone I had 
been talking to on and off, so this wasn't a complete stranger to me. But uh, and but in case you're wondering, this wasn't a girl I ever dated or had any kind of sexual relationship with or anything like that. But it was someone I talked to sometimes. In, in po- as I said, she was a poker player also. Uh, and she came to me and said, I've got to tell you about this. I'm not supposed to tell you about this, but I've got to tell you. And she told me. And she told me why she was telling me. And she said, you just have to promise that you're not going to say who told you because that'll be the end of my relationship. He, he's going to dump me if he knows that I, I told you about this. So I kept that promise. Now, they're not together anymore. They haven't been for many years, and I'm still not going to say who it was. And at this point, it's been so many years, no one's going to be able to deduce it. So that's, that's why I'm saying it at this point. But I'm still not giving away who this person was. I don't know if they'd be okay at this point with it being known. But uh, anyway, that's how I knew. It was a girlfriend of one of the people who was going to this retreat spilled the beans to me expecting that I would spill the beans to the world, which I did. And that was... Uh, I thought you were going to tell us it was the Wisner that, that she felt guilty and came clean to you. <laughs> no, the Wisner was was uh, only thinking of herself on that whole lock poker situation. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that who, You don't have to tell us who the player was, but who were some of the lock pros at the time? Well, we would recognize their name? The, the best known lock pros then were... Uh, the Grinder, Michael Mizraki, Annette 15, you know, Annette Oberstrad, and uh, Eric Lynch, uh, Risen, and he was also the card room manager, and uh, at least for some time. And, and then there were a bunch of uh, lesser-name pros that were there, and uh, they had a big roster of people, some of you probably never heard of, and I don't remember all of them now because it's been so many years. I mean, I remember if the name came up. Like, every so often, I'll hear a name come up. Like, one of the big apologists for them, well, the two big apologists, like in 2013, Melanie Wisner and Brian Pellegrino. That's, that's why uh, Calwatt made that joke. And uh, they were, like, publicly going out there defending Locke like fools. And uh, uh, Brian Pellegrino was more of a fool. Uh, Wisner was more self-serving. And some things came out about her in that situation that, was not very good and that's why she won't talk to me to this day she was uh, she and i used to get along we weren't friends but we were we got along pretty well and, and she used to be on the donk down show sometimes and you know that, that was fine i had no problem with her and and i liked her for the most part but uh i i didn't like the way she was shilling for lock poker and and making excuses for them and then one time she had a skype call with me just me and her not on the radio and I remember just when I got to the World Series, I think, in May of 2013, and she told me that uh, th- this is hurting her feelings, that I'm saying these things about her, and that uh, she respects me, and she doesn't want me, uh, you know, she doesn't like what I've been saying. And I said, well, but what I'm saying seems to be true. You, you seem to be just taking up for lock poker when it's very clear to me that they're just stealing all the money and not paying anybody. So she told me to give her two weeks, and that if lock poker does not correct their payout problem within two weeks that she will help me come forward further about them so i said okay and of course the two weeks passed and she didn't do it (laughs) she she totally went back on what she promised me so then i said f it and not only did i continue coming at them hard and coming at her hard but like i told people about the call we had because i was annoyed that she told me to give her two weeks and then didn't live up to it so anyway uh these lock poker pros ended up with egg on their faces, and they, they, most of this was out of selfishness. If a few of this, some of them were out of cluelessness. Some of them were just bamboozled by Jennifer Larson into into believing that everything's going to be fine. 
but uh, it, the whole thing was a bad situation. So that happened in 2012. Well, Druff, I think that tells you that uh, the Wisner doesn't mind a little egg on her face if there's some money in her pocket, right? Yes, that is true. 2013, unfortunately, and I, you know, I was, I was considering maybe making a different topic. We had a number of things that happened in 2013 that, uh, you know, weren't central to PFA, even though we covered it a lot. And I go, no, I've got to be honest and, and cover the biggest story of 2013 on PFA, and that was Jacob. We had a scammer in our midst, a big-time scammer. And, you know, this just came up as earlier in this show about, like, when was the longest show we ever had. And as far as actual Poker Fraud Alert Radio, it's this one. But as far as anything ever broadcast on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, it was a 24-hour podcast that uh, I was only a minor part of. I was not an organizer. I was just one of the many guests and I had just agreed to have it broadcast on the Poker Fraud Alert server. But this was actually put together by Jacep, a guy named John Sepulveda, who had been part of the community for a few years by that point. And he didn't have any history of scamming yet, but there, were, there was already some suspicion about him. But it, it, uh, it hadn't quite come to a head yet. There had been some people already starting to raise issue. But uh, it turned out that this charity podcast which is a 24-hour podcast and brandon was a big part of it he wasn't part of any of the scamming that we're about to discuss Uh, in fact i'll it had a happy ending believe it or not which brandon was part of but uh brandon was a big part and china maniac was a big part and jacep was the main organizer and it was to raise money for a charity called the 22q foundation which was uh a foundation for advocating for kids with the uh, 22Q deletion syndrome, which is some kind of uh, disorder that uh, is, is very tough on the kids who have it. I, I don't remember all that much about it. Anyway, the whole thing sounded very noble, and they actually put together a very impressive roster of people to come on and talk about it, including a, uh, a Major League Baseball player who had a kid with this deletion syndrome, and uh, Daniel Negreanu came on, and they got a lot of people, not, not just the usual Poker Fraud Alert crowd, and uh, this was not a Poker Fraud Alert broadcast, but it, as I said, it, it was broadcasted from the Poker Fraud Alert server, but it was actually a, a product of a, a different site which no longer exists called Vegas Poker Radio. And uh, it turned out that Jacep was mainly doing this to scam, that uh, the 22Q Foundation got a little bit they got the donations made to them directly, and then they, I guess Jacob gave them a little bit, but most of it he just outright stole. So uh, there was a charity tournament for them. There were, there were direct donations made to Jacob to give to them. Uh, he just stole all of this. So the, um, and then it turned out that Jacob was also running, and I, I knew about this, uh, not that it was a scam, but I, I knew he was running what's known as a BAP, which stands for Buy a Piece, where people were buying pieces of his cash game action at a local casino and i almost said no when he asked about it but he had been a, a friend of the show uh, and uh, he don't, he hadn't done anything wrong and and so after this i changed the rule to where this can't ever happen again to where that this just isn't allowed and, uh, and i made some other rules to prevent this sort of thing from reoccurring but he sold pieces of himself to a cash game and called it project sep sep meaning for his uh last name Sepulveda and uh, 
So Project SEP, and there was Project with a K, P-R-O-J-E-K-T, Project SEP. Turned out that uh, not only did he steal the money of Project SEP, but he was never actually playing poker. (laughs) He was pretending to play poker. So what he would do, he'd do updates about how he was doing, and he would just record them from like... uh, uh, he, he'd sometimes he'd go somewhere and, and record it like in a parking lot or, or in a basement and you never actually see him in the casino. You never even saw him in front of a casino. He could have been anywhere when he recorded these videos. Sometimes he did it from home. You never actually saw him in the casino because he actually wasn't going to the casino because he was just outright stealing the money. And th- this is not an allegation. He's admitted it. And uh, so eventually some suspicion started to happen for I, I won't rehash the whole thing, which led to why he was being suspected of all this. But yeah, uh, it was true. He, he stole $12,000 from the community. Mason Malmuth was very proud of this. Not that he stole, but Mason Malmuth would not let this be promoted on 2 Plus 2. And he, in fact, this started a feud between him and Daniel Negranu. Most people know that Negranu and Mason Malmuth don't like each other to this day. But they don't realize that it was because of this that started the whole thing. That Negranu, who, remember, appeared on this and thought it was a great cause, uh, he wanted to post this on 2 Plus 2, and Mason said, no, we don't allow any charities to post here because we can't uh, vet them, so we've just made a policy not to allow it. Now, that was actually reasonable on Mason's part, but uh, anyway, Negranu got very mad about this and, and wrote a blog on his full contact poker site uh, saying a lot of bad things about Mason, basically saying he was heartless. And uh, when this ended up being a scam, Mason had a big I told you so moment. And just to rub it in, Mason went and donated $2,500 of his own money directly to the 22Q Foundation, which was really just a needle. Uh, now, Negranu really was trying to do the right thing. I'm not criticizing him at all. Negranu uh, was trying to help out what he thought was a good cause. And he was mad that Mason wasn't joining in with the whole thing. So uh, Negranu was coming from a good place here. And uh, I understood Mason's position. And uh, the the donation, the subsequent donation he made was really to needle it. Now, you may wonder, did the 22Q Foundation help us with trying to bring JSIP to justice for this? Shockingly, no. Uh, We were presenting them with the proof that a lot of the money that was earmarked for them never got there and that basically their whole charity was used as an excuse to scam. But because he had actually given them some money and some other money was directly donated to them, not including Mason's, that that was as a result of this drive, they're like, okay, well, we got something cool. And they didn't directly say that to us, but that was their attitude. They did not want to do anything to help here, which I really felt was crappy because it was like biting the hand that fed you. Here, it's not like this was done by anyone who was previously associated with a charity. I, I forgot how this was even chosen. I think that uh, Jacep knew someone who had a kid that had this uh, 22Q deletion syndrome. But here that, you know, we just appear out of nowhere and say, hey, we're running a charity drive for you and, and raise uh, money for them. And, and they got some, as I said, instead of being very grateful. And then when we said, hey, the guy who organized this should have given you a lot more and scammed a lot and scammed a lot from just us directly too. Can you help us? Uh, we basically got the middle finger. So I didn't even feel like they deserved anything further. In fact, I regretted that they got anything because they were ingrates about the whole thing. So how is there a happy ending? This sounds like an awful story, which which it was. And uh, 
In fact, Brandon was so depressed over this and that he had been part of that uh, 22Q podcast and everything, and uh, he just was so depressed over this, he actually quit radio and quit the site for a while over this matter. Not because of anything I did, but because he was uh, just so depressed this, that that this occurred and that he was uh, part of the podcast and, this, and was part of Jacep's site, and he was uh, just so horrified by the whole thing. Anyway, to Brandon's credit and to China Maniac's credit, and to the credit of many people in Poker Fraud Alert Forum, they didn't give up. They didn't forget. They remembered that Jacep stole $12,000 and eventually admitted he stole $12,000. So they, uh, there was no question. He just stole the money and, and screwed us. So years down the line, Jacep was tracked down and he had a new job and he had a, a restaurant that he owned part of. And uh, so he had pretty much reestablished himself and it was basically laid out to him that if he does not start paying back the money he owes, that it's going to be exposed everywhere, that it's going to be exposed to everybody he's working with, that it's going to be exposed to anyone he's with his restaurant he was invested in, it's going to be told to his girlfriend, that just everybody he knows is going to be tracked down and told the whole story. He said, okay, I will start paying back. And he eventually paid back the whole thing. It uh, took some time, and we had to sit on him some, but this was mostly done by Brandon. There were other people involved in the research element of it, and, and China Maniac uh, helped as well. Brandon was the leader in the pressure to get Jacep to pay back the 12K. And uh, then Brandon and China Maniac also attempted to track down those that were owed the money. Because remember, this was years later. Some had left Poker Fraud Alert by then. And we got most of them. Uh, there was only a few people we could never find, and then that was eventually put, like, after it was clear we couldn't find them for a long time, it was eventually, uh, uh, I believe, put into a free roll or something like that to give back to the community. But uh, everybody was still around, which is most people, even ones that weren't still posting, we tracked them down, uh, got their money back eventually. And uh, that was, how often do you see this in poker where years later a scammer who scammed the community uh, is, is pressured into paying the money back. And keep in mind, in case you're wondering, uh, you know, maybe he was just scared and we, we pressured him to pay back money he didn't really owe. No, no, he admitted when it happened. Like, he didn't at first, but but not too long after the whole thing was called out, he finally admitted that he stole $12,000. So that, that was never in question. He, he owned up to that uh, shortly afterwards. So it's just a matter of getting the money back out of him that he admitted stealing. And we did. So we got it back and uh, shipped it back to everybody we could find. And a very big thanks to Brandon for doing that. And that's a very nice, happy ending to a very bad story. So that uh, that's unfortunately part of Poker Fraud Alert's history. And I, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to look past it. I'm not going to just uh, pretend that didn't happen. Okay, 2014. A poker player who called out a Rio floor man in a bribery scandal at the World Series turned out to be a scammer himself. Now, does anybody know who I'm talking about? No, sir. I no. The answer is Mike Borovitz, a.k.a. the airport scammer, who is also known as PSU Mike 1999 on uh, 2 plus 2. Uh, it's, it's funny how quickly it came out about what he was really doing. Keep in mind, he was a very regular 2 plus 2 poster who had respect from people and, and a pretty good poker player. But he had uh, big gambling problems and, and just couldn't hold on to money. And uh, so he, he called out something that was going on at the Rio that had nothing to do with his scams and that was very real and a good complaint in that there was a floor man 
that was running the sit-and-goes at the Rio at the World Series that decided he's going to shake down people who wanted to get the sit-and-goes started for basically forced tips. So they'd get nine people for the sit-and-go, which is a one-table tournament for those of you who don't know. And everybody's like, okay, well, when are we going to start? And he'd say, I don't know. When, when do you think we're going to start? They're like, well, we're asking you. When are we going to start? And he'd start singing. I like Greece. Greece is my friend. I like Greece. And he's trying to say, you know, Grease my palms. I'll start the tournament. He could, people couldn't believe it. So people thought, okay, this is the way it works in Vegas. He was an older guy, probably did this type of shit uh, back in the 80s when this was okay. And and he felt in, in the... in. 2014 corporate Las Vegas that he could get away with this, that just the, he would demand forced tips, what he called Greece, to, to start sit-and-goes at the real World Series. So people for a while were giving, were giving him money to, to start it. And so Mike was at one of these tables where it happened, and so he went and posted it on 2 Plus 2. So immediately I brought this over to Poker Fraudler and posted about it, and, and uh, yeah, between the various sites talking about this uh, and, and with how egregious this was. Believe it or not, some idiots on 2 Plus 2 actually defended this and were saying it was okay. But uh, most people were outraged by this. And uh, I brought it to the attention of Seth Polanski. And I, I said, hey, go take a look at this. So Seth Polanski, who was the uh, basically the second, uh, kind of a, a tied for second in command under Ty Stewart, he and Jack Ethel had about the same power at the World Series in different roles. So I would sometimes bring things to Seth that I was concerned about because when we had an open dialogue, we weren't friends, but we were cordial and we had a uh, yeah, kind of a respectful relationship. So I, I brought this to Seth and Seth said, I'm going to look into this and if this is true, we're going to take care of this. Well, he kept to his word. They, they looked into it. They asked around. They found out from other employees that they witnessed him doing it. For some reason, no one spoke up. And they uh, they called the guy in, and uh, they brought security in there, and they said, uh, not only are you fired, but you're 86 in the property. Don't ever come back. So for the moment, PSU Mike 1999 was a hero because he called this out and uh, got something done. I had, I had a part in getting some of this done, but it, the truth is it would have gotten back to them anyway at the World Series. This is a growing topic. So, okay, that's a happy ending, but... Only a few days later, after this whole thing was resolved, uh, David Gazesh, who posts as Gazesh, that's, and I, I assume that's how you say his name, G-Z-E-S-H, uh, he was the founder of True Poker. A lot of people don't know that, but he was. He doesn't like talking about this, but he was. He was the one who started True Poker back in 01. Uh, he still posts on 2 Plus 2 to this day. For some reason, he doesn't care for me that much. Like, he doesn't hate me, but he said before, like, I'm not a fan of Dan Druff, but he won't explain why. I was one of the active players on his site early, too. Anyway, uh, he posted about a weird experience he had. He said that he was in the airport, and this guy came up to him and gave this, like, a very elaborate story about how he needs $200. He's stranded at the airport. Uh, he can't access his money at the moment. He showed his driver's license that said Mike Borovitz. And uh, it was a very convincing-sounding story, but then something sounded a little bit wrong with it. And even though Gazesh was considering giving him the money, just something didn't smell right, and he didn't do it. And then uh, he saw it again a few days later that Mike was there doing it again. And he's like, oh, okay, this is a scam for sure. So he called it out and said, does anybody know this Mike Borovitz? Well, 
Yeah, it turned out that was PSU Mike 1999, the guy who had just called out that real floor man who was shaking people down. So that was pretty amazing. Within days of each other, it turned out that Mike Borowitz, who called this out, was, a, was the, an airport scammer. And then it turned out that he was doing this in airports all over the country. It wasn't just Vegas McCarran Airport, that he was doing this all over the country. And over the years since then, this is in 2014, he's been arrested multiple times in multiple airports all over the country for the exact same scam. He just never learns. And we had him on this show after this whole thing went down. And he admitted it. And he said he has a gambling problem and he feels bad. But yes, he did it. He was very forthright. And you guys can find it. We, we I don't remember exactly the episode, but it was, I think it was in 2014. And uh, he swore he, he's a changed man. He's never going to do this again. He's very ashamed of it. No, I mean, he's been doing it so many times. So many times. Did, didn't he get busted right after his appearance, Druff? Yes, yes. Not too long after his appearance, he got busted. He just kept doing the chronically doing the same exact airport scam over and over and I'm surprised he didn't get like longer sentences each time because you'd think that they'd see someone who's never learned his lesson and gets out of jail and does it once again, like very shortly afterwards. You've got to keep punishing him more and more because he's not learning his lesson. So uh, this this is fueled by a gambling addiction. And the funny thing is, he's a decent poker player. Like I I think he'd actually be like a, at least at very least a winning tournament player. If that's all he did and he didn't degen off with whatever other ways he's losing money. I forgot what he said his problem was. I forgot if it was the pits. He was doing some kind of negative expectation gambling that was eating his bankroll all the time. Like, and also like at very high stakes. He never did it at stakes according to his bankroll. So just he's one of these guys who's destined to go broke no matter what. So uh, this was actually a good poker player who, who didn't need to be broke but was. Of course, that's a story with a lot of people. It's not the story with a lot of people to chronically scam at airports with the exact same scam over and over and over again. He may still be doing it to this day. So, and, and I saw a recent report that he was running deep in a tournament, so he's still playing poker. But that was in 2014. 2015, big story. Overall, a big story in poker, but especially to us. Someone we knew got in trouble. Who was that? One of you got to know this. Someone Brian Mikon. Correct. Brian Mikon. Brian Mikon, who uh, I was part of with uh, Never Win Poker and Donk Down. And uh, by this point, he and I were not friends anymore. But a lot of people on the site knew him, interacted with him, met him, uh, began on, on Never Win Poker or, or Donk Down, which, which uh, he was the primary one running. He ran a Bitcoin poker site called Seals with Clubs. Now, there is erroneous belief that he started Seals with Clubs. He did not. He volunteered to help market it because it was kind of a fail site and had barely anyone on it when he found it. And uh, this was right around the time when we had our falling out in uh, 2011, the mid-2011. So I, I wasn't there when he was promoting Seals with Clubs. And I've always wondered what I would have done if we didn't have our falling out because I didn't feel comfortable with the whole thing. So I, I think... Had we stayed friends and had I stayed on Donk Down and he wanted to promote Seals of Clubs very heavily, which he had an ownership in, I would have been a little afraid this could have brought on some liability to me, but never ended up being an issue because I, I was basically forced out of there. But anyway, this was a Bitcoin poker room that took a rake and operated all over the world, including Nevada, which was his downfall. And uh, I... I thought it was very reckless. I thought it's going to eventually get him one day. I Even at my worst moment when I 
was worst moment meaning as far as how I felt about him and when we were really having big issues with each other, I never even considered reporting him. I wasn't going to be a snitch like that. I wasn't going to do something that awful. So there was, uh, you know, I, that that was never something I was going to do or consider doing, and I never did. But uh, apparently someone who had a bad experience on the site, don't know who it was, maybe it was just a nobody, but some, some guy in Sweden or something who had a bad experience there uh, reported this to uh, the state of Nevada. Remember, they had their own legalized poker rooms by this point, which weren't doing very well, like WSOP.com and, and Ultimate Poker. So they did not like the idea of an illegal site, even if it's taking Bitcoin, uh, competing with other sites in Nevada. And the state of Nevada went after him. I, I always pictured it was going to be the, the Department of Justice, but it was not. It was the state of Nevada went after him for running Seals with Clubs, which, again, he wasn't the one actually uh, – who started it, and I never quite knew his exact role of how much he owned and whether he uh, had any part in actually running those servers. I know they didn't run out of his house, but uh, like I, I still don't know that information, and I probably never will. But he had a very big role, and he was the face of the site. The other guys all hid in the shadows, and I guess they were the smarter ones because they didn't get in trouble. But anyway, uh, they kicked down his door, literally kicked down his door, at five in the morning and confiscated his computer equipment while he was in his underwear on the lawn. (laughs) These are his words, not mine. And then they didn't arrest him, which was a mistake. So what did he do? He said, well, they're going to arrest me, but they haven't yet. So I'm just going to pick up with my wife and my kid. He had a young kid. And uh, we're going to move to Antigua. And uh, so he went to Antigua, and he actually had the balls, so a lot of people don't remember this. He, he started a new Seals with Clubs, which still exists today with a .eu extension, and, and, and made a defiant message to the government saying, well, I'm in Antigua now, and here's the new Seals with Clubs, and tough luck. And I couldn't believe that. I'm like, wow, they're going to really hit him. They're, they are going to really throw the book at him. He's never going to be able to step foot back on U.S. soil. Well, as you guys probably know... He has set foot on U.S. soil many times. In fact, he played the 2021 World Series of Poker. So what happened? Well, because he was in Antigua and would not return until this matter was resolved, and Antigua was not going to extradite him for this, uh, he hired expensive and miracle-working attorneys uh, Chesnoff and Schoenfeld. Probably spent a lot of money on them, but uh, he hired them, and they basically got him the sweetheart deal he was looking for. So that so a deal was negotiated before he returned. So the deal was in place before he would come back from Antigua. So he had all the power there because if, if he didn't like the, the terms, then he'd say, F you, I'm not coming back. So he basically agreed to no prison time. He came back. They arrested him upon return, which was agreed. They brought him to jail. He was there for a few hours and then bailed out, and then he pled guilty and was uh, given probation, and he was forced to stay in the U.S. for two years, and uh, not just the U.S., in Nevada, and and have a job, and so he got kind of like a sham job through one of his friends at a drone store, and then at the end of those two years, he returned to Antigua, and then he was totally free to come back to the U.S. He was no longer a fugitive or anything. He He was able to freely come and go as he pleased 
like any other citizen, and he only had this misdemeanor conviction on his record. So he got out of it very easily. Because he, he actually made a lot of money from it, especially, I don't know how many Bitcoins he held on to, but uh, this thing was constantly generating Bitcoins. Because This is another misconception about MyCon. Some people believe that MyCon was such an early adopter of Bitcoin that he held on to them because he was such a believer, and that he, these Bitcoins he got bought for five bucks in 2011 that he held on and still has many today, and that's why he's so rich. Um, I do believe he has a lot of money now. I, I'm not doubting that. But that's not how he got the money he chunked off those bitcoins people watched it he used to go like go on live streams and chunk it off on like bitcoin slot machines and stupid shit like that he had a bitcoin printing machine through seals of clubs so it was constantly earning him bitcoin no matter what the value was and then the bitcoin value just kept going up and even though it had it crashes you know there was he still had them and he was still generating more and more and then eventually when it really really shot up you know he he made a lot of money. That's what happened. So if it wasn't for SEALs, he would have been one of these guys with the story of, oh, I had this many Bitcoin back in 2011 and I didn't. Get, I, ultimately I made nothing from it. He would have had that sad story instead of uh, everyone looking at him like they do now of, wow, this is an early adopter who's, who's rich now thanks to crypto. So the simple story is, yes, he was an early adopter and yes, now he's rich thanks to crypto. That Those are true. Uh, what isn't true is that he's rich from Bitcoin because he was an early adopter. He's rich from Bitcoin because he had SEALs. So that was uh, in 2015. 2016, there was a big story that actually broke during radio, and we extended radio to talk about it. And then we had a whole second show just discussing this one topic, me and Daredevil. And it had to do with, I'll give you one word, motorboat. So who am I talking about? Anyone know? Oh, fuck, I remember this too. <laughs> Calwatt knows what uh, I'm saying. You're, we're talking about Jacqueline Moscow. That's right. That's right. Jacqueline Moscow, who, Dr. Jacqueline Moscow, was actually a DO, but she you know, technically is Dr. Moscow. Uh, she made some pretty explosive allegations against several people, the main one being Nolan Dalla, that she was uh, harassed and sexually harassed at. Uh, and after part, both at an after party from Poker Night in America and also during like when she was there to play on Poker Night of America. So there were some allegations that they just mistreated her. That's where the harassment was. And then there was the sexual harassment allegations that were against uh, Nolan Dalla, most specifically that he uh, motorboated her giant breasts that were kind of out because she had a lot of cleavage out that he just put his face in there when he was drunk and, and did a motorboating without her permission. And so she put out this bombshell blog with these allegations and there was a lot of mixed reaction to this. And this is just before the World Series too. So there was thought that this would have a lot of uh, impact on how people would view Nolan when they came to town and saw him and a lot of other things. So it's had a lot of uh, potential impact and also about Poker Night in America which is starting to get going. And what was interesting about the story is that uh, I could see both sides of it. When, when we got down to the whole thing, yeah, I had my initial impressions. Some were right, some were wrong, I think. But uh, when I finally unpacked the whole thing, and I, and I had uh, – I really tried to look at it fairly, and I had a long phone call with Nolan about this. And uh, at, the, at the time, Jacqueline felt I was too critical of her, so we didn't get along that well. But we've uh, – we, we since – do get along. I'll give you a little postscript to that story. But anyway, I analyzed the whole thing and I was not on one side or the other. 
There were some people who were Team Jacqueline that just said, oh my God, sexual harassment, got to take the woman's side. That includes some females in the poker world who just automatically defaulted that. Included some uh, white knight type guys that just uh, wanted to take the girl's side. And there were some left wing SJW types that just wanted to do that. But then there were people who were on Nolan's side, you know, old school poker people who felt Nolan was a good guy and that he wouldn't do this and that uh, he didn't have a history of doing this and that uh, that she was doing this for money. And in fact, they did show some convincing evidence that Jacqueline was demanding settlements over this and only came forward with this when she didn't get them. But I said, okay, I believe she tried to exploit this for money once it occurred and she may have exaggerated how much it really bothered her, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. That just means that she may have taken too far what she was demanding she deserved for it and maybe exaggerating how much it bothered her. So I still was trying to figure out what really occurred with this. And, and people were talking to me because we were discussing it a lot on Poker Fraud Alert and both sides kind of cared about what I was saying and, and how this was being presented. We weren't the only ones discussing it, but we were, we were discussing it. Anyway, when the whole thing was said and done, I, I came up with a perspective that really wasn't very common. And I, I don't think, I mean, I, I, maybe people on the site feel this way, but like outside of Poker Fraud Alert, I didn't see this perspective anywhere. And that is, I think both sides were actually uh, being honest here for the most part. I think what happened was that uh, Nolan had been drinking a lot and that uh, Jacqueline had just been, uh, yeah, she'd, she'd been kind of flirtatious and outgoing. And like, I, I believe Nolan got the wrong idea that she would have been cool with it. He was just kind of messing around. And just from the banter they had been having, I think Nolan believed that she would have been cool with this, that he just kind of laughed this off. And that uh, in reality, she wouldn't have been cool with this and wasn't and was, was you know, kind of horrified by it. It's like, why, why is this guy doing to me here? And uh, and then she when, when she raised issue about this, that they didn't quite know how to handle it there at, at Poker Night in America. They, they they kind of realized this shouldn't have happened, but they you know they knew at the same time that Nolan didn't really mean any harm. It was probably a misunderstanding, and they didn't know whether they should pay her or not pay her. And the whole thing was kind of hard to deal with. So the the whole thing I felt got blown up on both sides where it really didn't need to get. And I, I kind of understood both sides' perspective of it. So I, I don't think that Nolan was a sexual predator, was trying to just you know, grab women or put his face in their in their tits for no good reason, uh, or just because he wanted to. And, and I don't think that uh, I, I think he really believed that uh, they were drinking together and that she would, you know, for everything that had been happening, that she was cool with it. And he misunderstood. And so it's unfortunate this happened, but it didn't need to get as far as it did. And when the whole thing was over, I kind of felt like both sides really honestly believed that what they were telling, uh, that their version of it was correct. So I I actually walked away feeling like, wow, it's too bad this happened because, I mean, it doesn't affect me, but I just kind of felt like, like neither side was actually bad in this situation. They both, I felt, made some mistakes, but... I didn't think there was like any evil side to this whole thing that many others thought. Uh, some people thought Nolan was this awful sexual harasser. I didn't think that. Some people thought Jacqueline was uh, exaggerating or making it up and trying to uh, just squeeze money out of Poker Night in America. I, I didn't really think that either. So th- that was what I came down with. And, and so Jacqueline was actually accepting of that conclusion. She actually wasn't mad at me anymore. And she actually was uh, respectful that, that this is what I thought. And so she started to message me a little bit. And uh, and so I said to her right at the beginning, I said, you know what? 
your rea- you know, like my interaction with you, I, I understand why you didn't like me at first because I, I was more kind of more on Nolan's side at the beginning uh, before I kind of came down in the middle at the end. But uh, who are all these friends of yours that are just being really nasty to me on Twitter about this whole thing? And she says, those people aren't my friends. I said, wait, wait, what? All, all these like staunch supporters of yours, like none of these are your friends? She says, no, I don't know any of them. So I said, all these people who are like injecting themselves into this, they, they're actually not friends with you? They're just doing this for Twitter points? And she said, yes. So I was like, oh my God. It's, it's, like you should have seen That's the zeal. The it works. Yeah, it's the zeal. Some of these people came after me. I was shocked. And she says, you know what? I don't even agree with, with most of, a lot of what these people were saying. I mean, I was glad they were supporting me, but uh, a lot of the, all this uh, feminist stuff they were waving in your face, I don't even believe in this stuff. I'm not even left-wing. I'm actually uh, uh, closer to the right than the left. And I, don't, I don't even agree with these, these people's politics or a lot of the things they were saying about it. I just didn't... They were supporting me. I didn't want to be rude to them. So I'm like, wow, I never expected that. So anyway... We didn't become friends or anything, but we we would talk every so often. You know, she texts me every so often, and uh, um, anyway, a story came out. I forgot how I found out about this, but that some guy had allegedly scammed her for thousands of dollars, and I don't remember the details, and it's not important. But this guy, he admitted he owed her some money, but not as much as she claimed. I think she claimed he owed her six k. He said he owed fifteen hundred. So. Somehow, I, I ended up the middleman in this. This is years later. This is probably like in 2017 or something. or 20, No, probably like 2018, I'm guessing. I think it's like two years later. This guy, I said to him, well, if you admit you owe 1500 can you at least ship the 1500 to her and then worry about the other 4500 later if you at least admit you owe this? And he says, well, I refuse to deal with her. I refuse to talk to her. I'm like, okay, well, if you ship this money to me, and I shipped it to her. Would that be okay? And and he said yes. So he just didn't want to have any interaction with her. He was okay to use me as the middleman. So I'm like, ah, how did I get myself involved in this? I'm not even getting anything out of this. Like, like it's not like she was a good friend of mine or anything. I just kind of like heard these two different stories, and I kind of just got in the middle. And then now all of a sudden I'm the go-between for him to pay her back. So. Then I had the concern. I don't want to accept him like on PayPal and have him charge it back. She, I don't know this guy. She was saying he's a scammer. The last thing I want is to get it charged back, and I'm out fifteen hundred dollars. So I said, "Well, how can he send this to me?" So I said, "Do you have crypto?" He says, "No." I'm like, "Ah, shit." Oh, yeah. What, what's the only way he could send it to me? It's irreversible. So I thought, okay, well, can you like Western Union or something? So he said that what he can do is he can send it through Walmart. And I had no idea, but Walmart did their own kind of version of Western Union. And so, yes, he, he went and put $1,500 cash in my name in Walmart, and then I went down to my local Walmart and picked it up. And so they, Walmart really handed me 1500 cash. So I'm like, okay. So I went to Jacqueline. I said, okay, well, I have $1,500 cash that this guy sent, and uh, that's all he said he's going to pay you. But, uh, you know, here it is. So she was very, very grateful. She says, wow, thank you so much. I appreciate this so much. So I, I shipped her the 1500 And then I, she shipped me, like, I think 150 back out of appreciation, which I didn't ask for. She just did this to be nice because I got her the 1500 and I didn't have to do any of this. So uh, I, I never implied, like, I was expecting anything. But... Uh, you know, I, I guess it was the part of me that just uh, I just don't like seeing people get scammed, and it really seemed like from the story that she got scammed out of something. I, I don't know if the guy really owed fifteen hundred or six k, but it was funny after this whole thing that I ended up being a go between to get her some money back from a scammer. Uh, so anyway, that was twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. 
Okay, now I'm going to cheat a bit here for 2017 because up until now, from 2012 to 2016, I have done one story per year. And that's what I plan to do for every year. But in 2017, there's two I really wanted to talk about, and I didn't want to leave either one out. So I'm going to do the bigger one first, which is a huge story, which has nothing to do with PFA, but is a huge story. And then I will do one more personal to me and the site. So the huge story from 2017 was obviously Stephen Paddock shooting the Route 91 festival from his Mandalay Bay hotel room, killing, I think, 57 people, something like that, injuring hundreds more, and intending to kill thousands. That was actually his goal, was to kill thousands. He just didn't kill that many, but it was still very tragic, still one of the worst mass shootings of all time. It was a massive tragedy, and it was an incredibly evil act by a very deranged man. And we did a very long show on that topic shortly after it happened. This was on August or on October 1st, 2017, at around, I think, 10 p.m. or so. And it was planned. This wasn't something he just flipped out and did. He put in a lot of planning to this. And he was successful in his goals, unfortunately. He didn't kill as many as he hoped he would, and he ended up turning the gun on himself when the police arrived, and that was also the plan, that he was not going to let them take him alive. But he really did cause a lot of death and very serious injury to hundreds of people. You may wonder... What have we learned since then? And I have done some shows on this ever since the incident occurred four and a half years ago. And something that doesn't get enough attention in the media, but should, because this is a huge national story. This wasn't just a Vegas story. This wasn't just a Nevada story. This was a huge national story. In fact, it was a huge story around the world. And you would think after such a huge story, after such a terrible shooting, that Sometime not too far after that, we would get all the answers. Maybe we would never know why he did it, because he was dead and apparently didn't leave a note behind and didn't tell anyone that he was going to do it. But we would have at least gotten a very clear picture of him and his life. But guess what? We don't. We don't have that picture. Do we know about his finances? No. Uh, supposedly he had a lot of money at one point, but then maybe he didn't. Supposedly he owned a lot of rental property, but it was never made clear whether he owned these outright or if he owed the bank for them or maybe was underwater for them. Supposedly he lost a lot of money playing video poker, but uh, then again, maybe he didn't. Supposedly he might have lost so much in the casinos that it made him flip out and want to kill people, but maybe he didn't. And... They're claiming he didn't have any help, which is probably true. He had a girlfriend whose fingerprints were found on the gun, but she was a live-in girlfriend, and she was just cleaning it for him, and he sent her away to the Philippines when he went and did this. I think I believe she didn't know this was going to happen. And uh, he was in his early 60s. The girlfriend was around his age. This was a Filipino woman. She was around his age. Apparently, he didn't treat her very well from what people saw in public. He talked down to her and just generally acted like a jerk. But we don't know very much more about Stephen Paddock than we knew 
the day after the shooting. And that shocks me. That really shocks me. Why don't we know how much he lost in the casinos? Why don't we know how much money he had at the time of his death? Why don't we know how much money he had a year before his death and two years before his death? These are things they can come up with. Why don't we know exactly what property he owed, or he, what property he owned, and how much he owed on that property to the bank, if any? Why don't we have a clear picture? Because there's a lot of things that could have happened here. There's a lot of motivations that could have existed for him. Yeah, it could have just been random that he just decided he wanted to kill people. I mean, he put a lot of effort into arranging this whole thing. So it wasn't something that it just happened on the spur of the moment. But it also could have been just a random desire because something was wrong with the guy, clearly, that he just wanted to kill people and then kill himself. People kill themselves every day, but almost none of them do this. Usually when people want to kill themselves, they just kill themselves and don't take anyone with them. But he was one of these terrible people who, when he wanted to kill himself, decided to take as many people down at the same time. It does seem pretty clear that this festival was not targeted for what it was or where it was. It was a country music festival, and it was uh, right next to the Mandalay Bay, but he had targeted other festivals, including one in Las Vegas, but then changed his mind because the logistics of committing the crime just weren't there. So he was going to do it to Lollapalooza. He was going to do it to the Life is Beautiful Festival. So there was nothing special about this particular festival, why he chose it. It was just because it was bringing him the highest chance of success in accomplishing his killing goals. That That's pretty clear because of the other aborted plans. But that's all we've learned. We don't know much about him. And the subsequent reports we've gotten have been very, very light on details. They kind of posture like they have details, but when you read these reports, you come up empty. Why don't we know about his finances? Why is that still hidden four and a half years later? Why don't we know how much he lost in the casino? And I think I might have an answer. And it's one that might disturb you, but I think it's an answer that could be correct. The answer might be that this guy chunked off his net worth in the casino. He was seen playing video poker all day and all night like a robot. And it's possible that just slowly but surely, even though I'm sure he had a pretty good strategy down, I'm sure he understood the right moves to make. Still, if you're playing negative expectation video poker at high enough limits, you will lose your bankroll. It will grind you down to zero. So what if that happened and it sent an already disturbed individual over the edge? What if this made him decide that he wants to make people suffer like he is currently suffering? Now, the casinos wouldn't want that to be known, would they? They would not want it known that he had X number of dollars prior to this huge casino downswing that occurred over a long period of time. Because this wasn't like he just lost it all one night. That's not how video poker works. Video poker grinds you down. So what if he ground his bankroll down to zero and had very little? He wasn't down to nothing because he sent $100,000 off to the Philippines right before he committed the crime, presumably hoping that this wouldn't be able to be recovered by uh, 
the government attempting to compensate the victims. He decided to give it to his girlfriend's family. So he had that, but maybe he didn't have much more than that. Maybe that was pretty much all he had left. Maybe he lost the rest of the casinos. And imagine how bad it would make the casinos look if they let a compulsive gambler dwindle his bankroll down to zero, which made him snap and kill people. Now, to be fair, they can't keep track of everybody's finances. They can't know that he is about to, that he's circling the drain, that he's about to hit the bottom and stop him from playing. They do have a duty to stop compulsive gambling, but if someone has been gambling at relatively the same limits for a while and they are not exhibiting any signs of compulsive gambling, they're just a regular player who's losing, uh, they are not required to put a stop to it. But it's still bad optics. And because this was such a tragic and deadly event, I think the casinos may not have wanted even any kind of implied blame on them. And by the way, I'm not blaming them for this. If this is the truth, it's not their fault. And I would never say that. I would never say it's the casino's fault because somebody lost all their money there and snapped. That's the nature of casinos. You're usually going to lose unless you're a positive expectation player. So I would not have blamed them for it, but if they are covering it up for this reason, I do blame them for that. And I say if, because I'll never know. And you'll probably never know. Now, it's possible it's something else. Could be a lot of things that motivated him. And as I said, it could have been kind of a random motivation, like just something he wanted to do instead of just killing himself. But the fact that we were never told about his finances is really, really, really suspicious to me. And I am not a conspiracy guy, as you guys know. But I cannot come up with in my head a reason why we do not have a full and complete picture of his finances and a full and complete picture of what happened to him in the casino financially. Why would this be covered up? Like I, you, you probably understand why the casinos would want to cover it up, but why would the police cover it up? Well, what drives the Vegas economy? What drives the economy in the state of Nevada? The casinos. So, since the crime had already been committed, since Stephen Paddock was dead, so there was no situation of having to put him on trial or anything, and since it appeared and probably was true that there was no accomplice, then this was just an extraneous detail they could leave out. I bet that's what was rationalized, that they'd rather not ruin the Nevada economy over something that has already occurred. That this doesn't bring any value to the situation to tell people this. And, as I just said, it isn't the casino's fault. And they know it's not the casino's fault, but they're afraid, possibly, that it will look like it was the casino's fault. And that would be something bad for the Nevada economy. So that could be the reason why this isn't being said. I don't know. But if you think I'm wrong, then tell me why we don't have a complete picture of his finances. And if you think we do, go find it and send it to me. I would love to see a complete picture of Stephen Paddock's finances before and after his video poker play in the last few years before his death and the murders he committed. And you tell me. You tell me if you can find that. Because I couldn't find it.
I haven't looked recently, but I looked for like the next two years and I couldn't find it. And now it's been four and a half years. So if it's still not there, we're never going to have it. And isn't that weird? Now, there have been some changes in Vegas ever since that happened. You might notice that you cannot put a do not disturb sign on your room anymore. The sign will say something like room occupied, or you may not even get a sign to put on your room. So there's no more saying do not disturb. There's no more saying that they can't enter your room until you check out. Because I used to check into places and say, okay, don't come in until either I call you to come in or I check out. Because if I'm going to be somewhere for two or three days, I don't need the maid coming in. Why do I? I don't need the maid to come into my house every two, three days, do I? So why do I need the maid to come into my hotel room, especially if I'm alone? Because when I'm alone, I'm not making a very big mess. It's just me. So I can easily clean up the very small messes I make myself. You know, like if I drop a little toothpaste on the sink or whatever, I I can wipe that up myself. I don't need the maid to come in and mess with everything. I'm not even talking about theft. I just don't like the maid or anyone in my room. If I'm there for a long time, I'll get the maid, but then I will be there while the maid is there. And that was always the way I handled hotel stays. But after the Stephen Paddock situation, I couldn't anymore because they don't allow it. They check on you, or at least they say they will, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, after 48 hours if the maid is not allowed in. And you may say, okay, well, we got to prevent something like this from happening again. But it's useless because Stephen Paddock did take several days to bring weapons into his room to commit the crime. However, he didn't have to take several days. He just did because that was the safest way for him to do it. However, had he only been given 48 hours to get the weapons up there, he easily could have. Instead of making the trip once a day, you do it once every five hours or so. You accomplish the same thing. No one's going to watch. Nobody's going to notice. So this is what I call the illusion of security. They had to show that they were doing something. They can't just say, well, oh, well, we can't prevent this. This could happen again at any time, which, by the way, it could. They need to make it look like that they're taking the security seriously from now on, and they're not going to let someone sneak a bunch of guns into the room undetected. Well, good luck with that. I can tell you, if anybody wants to sneak a lot of high-powered weaponry into a hotel room, they still can. And they have a very high chance of success in doing so. And these stupid new rules, which require you to allow them into your room every two days, are meaningless. All they do is inconvenience people, and they will not stop the next Stephen Paddock. The fact is that if somebody wants to imitate Stephen Paddock, they easily can. And the same thing will happen. It's sad, scary, but it's true. Maybe you want to think about that next time you're in a big crowd below hotel windows, but it doesn't just have to happen in Las Vegas. It could be anywhere. So honestly, if you're at any kind of large gathering or concert, whatever it might be, and there's hotels nearby, then you are at risk that somebody could do this. And they're really is no way to stop it short of metal detectors that people would have to put their luggage through before they go up to the room, which, by the way, could work. I said this before, that the metal detector thing really could be a solution to this problem. They just don't want to do it because it's burdensome and they don't want to bother with it. 
I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying if they're serious about stopping this, what you do is you post a guard there, and if somebody's bringing luggage, like something big enough to have a large weapon in it, then you make them put the luggage through the metal detector. If they are not carrying luggage, then you do not make them put anything through the metal detector. So they don't have to walk through personally. You're only worrying about large firearms. So if somebody's walking with no luggage or with a small bag, you let them go and they don't have to go through the detector, which is most people. If somebody's walking with luggage, you make them go through the detector. The reason this will work is because not everybody checks in at the same time. Check-in is spread throughout the day. So there would never be a big line for this metal detector. So they could do it. They would just have to have a metal detector in every hotel and have a guard manning it 24 hours a day. And they don't want to do it. That would be the only way to stop this. But what they're doing now is a joke. And I'm not a fan of things that are the illusion of security. Because anybody who wants to commit a crime takes a very short time to figure out whether they can get away with it or not. So no one's going to say, oh, well, they come and check my room every two days. Oh, well, I guess I'm not going to just shoot up everything now. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, okay, well, is two days long enough? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, well, I'll get it up there within two days. That's what they would say. They wouldn't be deterred by this. They would just speed up the timeline. It's very dumb. But you know how it is. They've got to make it look like they're doing something. Fortunately, in the four and a half years since this happened, we have not had a repeat yet, but that doesn't mean it won't happen again. It is a good sign it hasn't happened again, because look at the Columbine school shootings. Remember those? I think it was in 98. Prior to that, how many school shootings did you hear about? Like very, very few. In fact, I don't remember any. I'm not saying there weren't any, but we hardly ever had any. Like when I was growing up, we didn't hear about school shootings at all. But starting the late 90s after the Columbine shootings, now it seems like uh, every so often we keep hearing about kids bringing guns to school and shooting people, which, which is very sad. So the Columbine shootings unfortunately started a trend where kids decided that they can do this too. Kids with uh, murderous intentions, whether it's ones who are just completely psychotic or ones that uh, were bullied or just hate everybody there and decide that they want to kill people. So, unfortunately, the Columbine thing started this trend, which hasn't stopped and may never stop. But we haven't seen the same thing with the Stephen Paddock shooting. I was worried we might, but we haven't. And it's not because of these BS security measures. We just haven't. And hopefully we never will. Okay, so that was topic one for 2017. Topic number two is a much smaller story than Stephen Paddock shooting a concert. But it was something personal to me, and I want to talk about it. I was threatened with a lawsuit. Not talking about Mike Possel. I was threatened with one by a well-known figure in poker. Anyone know who threatened me with a lawsuit in 2017? And I actually had an attorney call me. It wasn't just someone saying they're going to sue me. Anyone know? Well, we're getting crickets here, so I'm going to give the answer. The answer is... Mason Malmuth. So here's what happened. For a long time on Poker Fraud Alert, people, including me, would copy and paste certain posts over from 2 plus 2 that were about some kind of uh, 
scam or scandal in poker usually. Once in a while, it was something unrelated, but usually it was something about a scam or scandal in poker that was brought to 2 plus 2, and I'd want to discuss it over here, or someone else would want to discuss it here. Usually it was me, but sometimes it was other people. Uh, we never copied full threads or anything like that. It was it was usually just the original post and maybe a few other posts there. And then whenever I would do it, I would always interject my own long-winded original commentary. So it's not like I'd post it and post like three words, like, oh, this is bad. Like I, I post like a really long thing analyzing it myself. So clearly this wasn't to rip off 2 plus 2's content. And most importantly, it wasn't 2 plus 2's content. It was posted on 2 plus 2, but it was posted by other people who had nothing to do with 2 plus 2. They were just users there. And uh, I got a call, like after years of doing this with never hearing anything about it, I got a call from uh, Mason Malmuth's attorney who told me that uh, I need to stop this. And that uh, they came up with a, a lot of unreasonable demands. I have to go through uh, poker fraud litter, remove every single instance of this, and uh, I have to make sure this doesn't ever happen, and I, like, I have to watch the site like a hawk that no one ever reposts anything from 2 plus 2. And just like a lot of ridiculous things were being demanded of me. And, and I said, number one, no, this is overburdensome. And, and number two... I, I think you may not even be right about this. I think even though you're the attorney, like attorneys never like hearing from non-attorneys that they're wrong. Uh, but I really thought I was probably right that I had a right to repost these things as long as the actual authors of these posts didn't object, which never one time ever objected. We never had one instance where someone said, hey, Druff, uh, can you not copy my post over? They, they want the post copied because they're bringing up something they're concerned about and they want the word spread. So I've never had one person even say, hey, don't, hey can you please delete what, what uh, I posted on, two, you know, don't repost it on your site. No one ever said that to me. So I found in the two plus two terms of service that they actually admit that we do not own your content. <laughs> we do not own your posts. They admit it right there in the terms of service. And the reason Mason puts that he was advised by his lawyer to put that because this way they're not legally liable for anything anyone posts on 2 plus 2 that uh, could get them sued. They can say, well, don't blame us. We're just uh, the platform. We're not the publisher. So you can't sue us. You have to go track down the poster and sue him. That's the reason they don't want ownership of it. So they can't have it both ways. They can't have that protection and at the same time say, oh, but we own it enough to where it can't be reposted on Poker Fraud Alert. No, as long as the original poster doesn't care or is okay with it, then I can repost it. Now, there was the legal question of how much could I reproduce? I couldn't go recreate an entire 2 plus 2 and just say, well, these posts aren't from you guys. So as long as it's not Mason or David posting, then it's fine. I couldn't do that because they could say I'm, I'm recreating their proprietary product by, by reposting their entire structure of all the threads. But... Mine was much closer to just reposting a few individual messages than than uh, anything like reproducing any kind of uh, thread structure of 2 plus 2. We never did that. Sometimes we did post multiple things from a thread, like an ongoing conversation that was very relevant for like the same person who posts updates or whatever it might be. But... Usually it was just one post, and sometimes it was more than that, but it was never recreating the, the, the whole thread or even a large portion of the thread. I also pointed out that a t 
tiny, tiny percentage of Poker Fraud Alert content came from 2 plus 2 in the first place. So it's not even like he can say that we've, we're just ripping off everything posted there. Like a, It's like 0.0 something percent was from 2 plus 2 of all the posts here. And, and, and furthermore, uh, I found that an even smaller percentage was, was of 2 plus 2's content that was brought over here. So... I, I raised all these issues. Uh, Haley Hintz did a nice uh, write-up about this on uh, the site she was working for at the time and very much taking my side. And uh, Mason was getting owned on his own form, even by people who disliked me. Uh, people were just telling Mason, you're wrong. Even people who say, I don't care for Dan Druff much, but, and I don't like Poker Fraud Alert, but he's totally right here. And people felt Mason was being very controlling. That he's, he's They were insulted there that Mason felt that he had the exclusive rights to people's content once they posted there, which they definitely did. In fact, they even admitted in their own terms they don't have that. They said we have a, a non-exclusive license to reproduce it. So if they say that, that's the truth. So they didn't have a leg to stand on legally. At the same time, Mason was very litigious. I didn't want to have a whole long legal battle with him and then spend all the money. And So I said, okay, I'm not going to just let him kick me around here. But at the same time, I'll try to come up with a reasonable resolution that's kind of fair to both sides. So that's, that's what happened. We, we eventually negotiated that I would only post one post per thread. Like if there's a thread that I want to post over here, I can post the original post or one post from there. And then anything further, I can just post the link to 2 plus 2 and say, read it over there. And, uh, and that I wouldn't just gratuitously post that I would only do this if I had further commentary of my own. So, okay. And, and then basically the same agreement was made regarding Poker Fraud Alert content there. And then the weird part. The weird part was at the end of the conversation. And by the way, I ran up Mason's bill big time because like, I had long conversations with a lawyer on the phone that you know he's paying hourly for. So he, he probably wasted a lot of money on this stupidity. And this is an expensive law firm. But the lawyer said... Would you like to come back to 2 plus 2? I said, what? I've been banned from 2 plus 2 for years. He said, yeah, I know, but uh, would you like to come back? I said, well, I don't know why you're offering this, but there's no way Mason would let me come back. And he said, no, no, no. Mason would like you to come back. I said, what? After this whole thing, he wants me to come back to 2 plus 2? Yes. For whatever reason, Mason actually uh, had them offer that I come back to 2 plus 2. So I'm like, okay, but uh, I have one concern. I would like to post there again, but my one concern is that Mason's going to find another frivolous reason to ban me like he always does. So if this is just an exercise to bring me back there so he can have the satisfaction of banning me again over bullshit, I, I don't want to come back. So we actually made an agreement. Now, we never had an actual signed contract or anything, but we had a, like, an agreement through his attorney that uh, I would be treated like any other user there. I wouldn't be given favoritism, but I would not be given anti-favoritism, that, that I would get... Uh, banned only if a regular, normal, average user would get banned for the same offense. Well, that wasn't true, because uh, I think it was in 2020, I got banned over, again, just frivolous stupidity, and I didn't break any rules there. And uh, Mason just basically admitted he doesn't like me and just wants me gone. And I told him he broke our agreement, and he just basically said, F you. So, <laughs> uh, th that, was, that was the end of that, but that happened in 2017, other than the eventual ban. 2018. 2018 was not a good year for me. And when I say it wasn't a good year, I mean something that started happening in August. And a lot of you remember this. On August 15th, 2018, you'll see I did a show on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Sounded completely normal as I sound now. 
And I stated that one thing that concerned me was that my weight was at an all-time high and that I was going to go on a diet to lose weight. That was in 2018, August 15th. Well, the good news was that starting the following day, I was going to drop weight. In fact, I was going to drop weight at a faster rate than I ever had in my life and probably ever will in my life. Uh, I lost 32 pounds in a matter of about uh, five weeks without dieting or exercising. So how do you do that? So how about getting uh, really, really, really crippling anxiety and depression? That's what did it, especially, yeah, I think it was the anxiety, but it forced my metabolism so high that just 24 hours a day, seven days a week, my body believed it was in fight or flight mode and basically just uh, burnt off calories at an insane level. So every day I get on a scale, I'm like a pound or two less. Uh, it was the first time that I was worried about that maybe I'm going to get too skinny. I was worried that how long can this continue? If I've lost 32 pounds in five weeks, like well, what about another five weeks? Another 32 pounds? Like, At what point is it going to be dangerous? So I was actually wondering like, at what point do I try to stop this also, uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but it's also not healthy to lose that much weight that fast unless you're super obese, which I wasn't. So like, if, if you're hundreds of pounds overweight, then uh, losing 32 pounds in that time frame is, is not a big deal. If you're what I was, which is probably uh, uh, yeah, maybe 50 pounds overweight at most, to lose 32 pounds that fast is not good. And uh, anyway, this was not from anything going on in my life. I wasn't having relationship issues. I wasn't having other life issues. wasn't having financial issues. No, nothing in my life was causing this anxiety and depression. This was a chemical issue that uh, it was from a number of things together that I won't bother getting into, but it, it was a chemical disorder in my brain that caused me to have extremely, and I really, I, about as high as you can have, extremely high level of anxiety and, and depression to where the best way I can describe it is my perception to everything was all wrong. My The way my brain would react to everything, even though I, my logical, the logical side of me could see that there's nothing to be anxious about or depressed about, that didn't matter. The emotions I was having did not match what my logical brain was seeing, and there's no way to fix it. And, and it's even hard for me to picture right now how that feels, but that, that's how it was, and there was no way out of it, it seemed. I had one other thing called anhedonia, which is a, a subset of depression where I lost the ability to feel any kind of pleasure or happiness, meaning I couldn't even appreciate the taste of good food. I could not uh, enjoy winning money. I could not enjoy watching the Dodgers win a game, even if a very exciting game. I once said, and it was accurate at the time, that if I played the main event and just and won the main event for $10 million, my reaction would be, like stone face saying, oh, well, that's good. That's what I'm trying to do here. And I would feel no pleasure from it. I also could not feel love. In fact, I couldn't even feel love for my own son. I knew I loved him. I just couldn't feel the emotion connected with it. I couldn't feel it for uh, anyone in my family, for my girlfriend, my, for my son. No, no, I couldn't feel. And I, I could notice the difference. I could notice the difference the way I perceived everybody that I didn't have emotions attached to that love that I knew was there, but I couldn't feel the emotions of it. It was like it was taken out of my brain. It was crazy. Never thought that was possible. And as much as I could logically say this doesn't make sense, 
and try to not feel that way. There was no way to control it. So I stopped radio. And I eventually came on about a month and a half later and explained to everyone what was going on. If you go back and listen to the show from late September 2018, you will hear me explaining it. And I sound normal, but I say right at the beginning, I sound normal. I don't feel normal. It's going to be weird to you guys because I, I sound like the same guy you remember, but I'm not. And I really thought, because this wasn't getting better, I thought maybe after a few weeks this will resolve itself. No, it just kept getting worse. And I thought that not only is it going to be the end of radio, not only might I shut down the forum. Uh, we also had a scandal on the forum at the same time, which was unfortunate, that didn't have directly to do with me. But it was something that uh, I, in normal circumstances, would have reacted to faster, but didn't because I, it was happening right at the same time as this. There's still some conspiracy theorists who thought I was faking it. But no, it was all very. I wish I was faking it. It was all very real. And, and a tremendous ordeal in my life. And the worst thing was thinking I was going to be stuck that way permanently. And that I just couldn't see a way out of this. And the I looked into psychiatric medication, and it turns out that getting the right one is a lot more complicated than it seems, especially because this wasn't a hereditary anxiety-depression problem. This was something that came on uh, abruptly at age 46 for unknown reasons at the time. And anyway, I, I solved it myself. I, I put hundreds of hours into my own research in this. And I came up with various theories and tried different things. And I, I finally mostly solved it myself. Mostly meaning there was some permanent damage from this. But I've uh, mostly returned, returned to normal by the end, very end of 2018. And I resumed the radio. And I played the World Series the following year. And at the worst point, I was even saying, you know, if someone told me, give up just about all your money but you, you, will, you will never have this again, it'll be gone, I would have done it. That's how miserable the existence became. And I really felt like I was just going to live out the remaining decades of my life going through the motions for the, for the sake of, of my son and other people in my life, but that I was going to experience no further pleasure in being alive. I was, I was never suicidal, not even close. So that was the one thing I didn't get. I had zero suicidal feelings, but at the same time, I, I kind of felt like I was just going to go through the motions for the last few decades of my life uh, and, and experience no joy or pleasure out of it. And it was, it was unbelievable that this was happening to me out of nowhere like this. However, I got a glimmer of hope in uh, mid-October. Mid-October, I was walking my dog, who passed away last year, but uh, I was walking my dog, and uh, I was watching a YouTube program, and... I laughed when the host said something funny. Now, I hadn't laughed in two months because I didn't have the ability to laugh anymore. I, cu I couldn't feel anything positive, any kind of happiness, any kind of positive emotion. I laughed and I didn't, and I go, what? How did I laugh here? And this was the first sign to me that something might be cracking. And then another person on the show said something else funny and I laughed again. And I, I said, I, I had nobody to talk to at the time. It was like 2.30 in the morning when I was walking my dog. And I wanted to tell someone. I, I said to the dog, I actually talked to the dog. And I said, did you hear that, Otis? I laughed. I laughed. I think I'm coming back. I said, can you believe it? I laughed, Otis. And I was actually talking out loud to the dog on the street at uh, 2.30 in the morning. And I, I thought, maybe this is it. I'm out of it. But no, I, I woke up the next day and right back to what I was before. I said, shit.
But I had a little bit of encouragement that I was, for the first time ever, saw that it was cracking. And sure enough, then, within a few days, the depression all vanished. The anxiety reduced, but was still very much there. And then I went to work with bringing the anxiety down. And then, yeah, and, and I started to figure out what was working. And then I started to train myself again to do normal things in life again. I started uh, going to poker rooms. I, I, I took a trip to Vegas. I uh, eventually, the last thing I was I, I did was get on a plane. That was the one of the harder things to go do for the first time again. But I, I did all this. And by 2019, I was able to bring everything back to pretty much normal. And I took trip all the way to the east coast uh the plane no problem and uh you know so i got out of it and uh that's something i'm very very thankful for and then that's why you're still hearing this show that was 2018 2019 hey jeff hold on a second you mentioned all that stuff you never mentioned hot dog on a stick how how did that fill you in well okay the hot dog on a stick was actually people like to joke about this in the forum but the hot dog on a stick was an incorrect theory at the beginning, which I later realized wasn't true. Uh, because the problem with you, I, I had this fantasy I was going to go to the doctors and they're going to solve this and I'll be all better. And then I realized they're just throwing crap at the wall and hoping something sticks and just taking guesses that ended up being incorrect. So it was the, the beginning of this whole thing was me noticing a lump in my throat that I couldn't get rid of. And uh, everything started to fall apart from there, uh, especially psychologically. But I was diagnosed with something called LPR, which is a uh, which is has some similarities, but is not the same thing to uh, to GERD or heart, you know like acid reflux. I, I was told that that was the reason I was getting uh, this lump feeling in my throat was that there's there's basically acid coming up through my esophagus and and causing uh, burning in my throat, and that you know, that it has to heal itself, and I have to do this and that to to fix it. And I should take this Nexium, and that actually was part of the cause of all the anxiety and depression. Was the Nexium was one of the factors that uh, I, I didn't tolerate well and didn't realize it at the time. Anyway, I was told that one of the I said, "Well, why now, though? Why am I suddenly getting this now?" And I was told, "Well, have you gained any significant weight?" And I said, "Well, the truth is, I have gained about twenty pounds this year, and I'm at the high, highest weight ever." And the reason I gained the 20 pounds was when I was waiting for my iPhone to get fixed at the Apple store, I had already eaten dinner, but I was just kind of bored for the, uh, uh, an hour and a half. So I went to Hot Dog on a Stick in that mall and, and got a bigger meal than I should have. And I basically ate a second dinner. And that kind of stretched my stomach to where my stomach was now used to having more food for dinner. And so every night from then on, I kept ordering like two dinners when I'd go do takeout and stuff. I was just eating massive amounts every night, and that's what caused me to gain 20 pounds. So uh, I had determined, you know, the day before all this came on, which is a coincidence, I determined I got to stop this and, and, and bring down how much I've been eating for, for dinner. But uh, I had been of the belief that had I not gone to hot dog on the stick that night, that my stomach wouldn't have stretched and that I wouldn't have been eating all those two dinners and then I wouldn't have gained the 20 pounds and then I wouldn't have had this lump in my throat and I believed all that was the cause. When I realized this was all incorrect was when I realized the true cause of the lump in my throat. And it was not from LPR. It was from dry mouth. It was because my, I'm not sure why it started then, but it was uh, that uh, my throat was getting dry and then it caused the incorrect sensation 
that I had a lump in my throat. And I discovered this by accident. I mentioned offhandedly to my girlfriend that my mouth has been very dry lately and that it's annoying while this all was going on. So she's like, well, I know this is only a small part of the whole thing, but I, you know, I just bought this dry mouth rinse for you. So at least that can go away. So you know, try gargling with that. Maybe it'll help. So I gargled with it before I went to sleep. And this is the worst part. I forgot to tell you guys. Not the worst thing. One of the awful things about this was that whenever I would lie down flat, I would start choking. Like I felt like my throat was closed up, and it was, I knew it was psychological, but I couldn't overrule it. So I, I just couldn't fall asleep because if I'd lie down, I'd start choking. So I, sometimes I took like as long as eight hours to fall asleep. I'm not even kidding. So I used the dry mouth rinse that night, and I fell right asleep. And then I, I said when I woke up, I said to my girlfriend, "You know, this is weird. This is the first night I've fallen right asleep, and it was the first night I used that rinse. Could this be connected?" So I tried it the next night, fell right asleep, and I go, "Oh shit! This this has got to be connected." So I realized that this, and I noticed this, the reason I was able to fall asleep better is because my mouth didn't, my throat didn't feel dry, and that this really reduced that lump I was feeling. Oh, this has been dry mouth the whole time. So it's funny because I actually went around on the internet to look at people who were suffering from LPR, and I, I suggested to a lot of them, you know, try this. It's very cheap and easy to try. You can buy this thing for 10 bucks and see if it works. It's a very cheap and easy solution. So um, I, I still use that rinse. And uh, so it turned out hot dog on the stick was not, not the culprit. I know people like to uh, make fun of me on the forum about it, but that actually was uh, not the culprit. But uh, thank you for the question. So anyway, uh, 2019, I'm going to shut this down pretty soon. We've been going uh, 12 and a half hours in case anyone's wondering. Uh, 2019, there was a cheating scandal, not involving me. I wasn't the perpetrator or the victim. I was not present. It did take place in the same state, though. It took place in Sacramento at Stone's Gambling Hall. And a gentleman named Mike Possel, who was killing the game there for a year and a half and won like $250,000 at low stakes mostly there. Just every time just destroying everybody. This player just comes out of nowhere. I mean, he'd been in poker for a long time, but he was a nobody in poker. He wasn't known as a big winner. But somehow he was the best player ever when on that stream. And Veronica Brill, who was mostly unknown at the time, I, I did follow her on Twitter, and she followed me, and I was aware of her, but I didn't know much about her. I actually met her once when I was... I, I played at Stones one time on their stream, not with Possel, but uh, in 2017. And I met her when she showed up at the end to hang out with some friends, but we didn't really talk. I just kind of saw her, and she saw me. Anyway, she came forward, and she said that she believes Mike Possel has been cheating and somehow knows the whole cards on that stream. And that became really one of the biggest poker stories of all time. Now, I was not one of the initial ones to report it. And the funny thing, I was going to be, but I, I couldn't do it. I was unavailable to do it. I saw the story on Twitter. I thought, you know, if I was available right now, I would report this, but I, I can't right now. I, I won't go into why, but I just, I just wasn't able to. It was uh, the, the way it fell. So by the time I reported on this, it was already a huge story. And there's a reason I'm saying this. Uh, is significant to what happened down the line. So I didn't touch this until everybody already knew Postle's name and everybody was already making these allegations and Joey Ingram did these big analyses on his channel about it and Doug Polk was doing big analysis and, and I agreed with what they were saying, but I uh, I hadn't said anything yet. So I finally got around to covering the whole thing on Poker Fraud Alert and uh 
a lot of stuff happened in between that didn't involve me. But a year later, there was a $330 million lawsuit filed against various people who called out Mike Postle, including me. And I was really annoyed by this because I wasn't in the game. I was not the one who brought these initial allegations. I did not promote this story. I just wasn't part of it during the first week of it. I joined late. So had I never been born, the story would have been just as big. Mike Postle's reputation would be the exact same even if I was never born. So I don't know why I was being dragged into this. I I was definitely not, even if Postle was innocent, even if he was right, uh, I, I had nothing to do with what had happened. I was reporting on uh, number one, my own professional opinion as a longtime pro poker player, and, and also uh, disagreed with just about the entire poker world. And I was just echoing what everybody else was saying and, and saying, yeah, that I agreed. Makes sense to me, too. That was basically my role. I was the, While Poker Fraud Alert has driven many stories like this over time, this wasn't one of them. We were a, a very minor factor in covering this, but I was part of the lawsuit because about a month before they filed... I was fighting with a lot of Postle's friends, including uh, the tournament director at the time, Justin Caritas, who there's some suspicion around him. So uh, they were all pissed at me, and I was thrown onto the lawsuit kind of at the last minute is my suspicion. I don't know for sure, but that's what I think probably happened. So anyway, I said, shit, this is going to be such a pain in the ass. Well, I I knew I was going to need an attorney. Now, the funny thing is I wasn't actually served. I was tipped off to this happening, and I was actually the one who broke the story about the lawsuit and posted the front page of the uh, of the complaint, which I wasn't served with, but that I saw myself named. And uh, I saw it was $330 million. I saw the other defendants, most of whom were much bigger names than I was. Though I, I was the oldest person on the list. I, I'll, I'll be proud of that one. I was the oldest one being sued. But anyway, uh, people being sued included our own Bart Hansen, who's on tonight, but also... Uh, we had, uh, of course, Veronica was the main one he really wanted to get. Possible just despised her. Then uh, the big names that were being sued were uh, Daniel Negranu, Doug Polk, uh, Joey Ingram, uh, Phil Galfon, Haralobos Volgaris, and uh, Jonathan Little, who also listens to this show. Uh, and then ESPN was being sued. Poker News was being sued. A lot of defendants there. And... Uh, because nobody had been served, most people didn't bother getting an attorney. In fact, only two people did. I was the first one to get an attorney, and I got attorney Eric Benzamokin. And he did a great job with this, and he came to them right away and said, look, California has a strong anti-slap law, and this is going to be a slam dunk, and uh, Paso is going to be on the hook to owe us for attorney fees. So we're offering right now, drop Todd out of it, and uh, what he would owe me so far for my services, uh, we'll eat. We'll agree not to come after you for this if you drop a Todd out right now. And they said, F you. Apostle said no through his attorney. So, okay. So anyway, it played out, and uh, Apostle's attorney ended up uh, leaving him, and they filed a motion to be out of the case, and then Apostle was having a hard time getting a new attorney. So, So anyway, the whole thing's said and done. I was victorious, as was Veronica, who hired uh, First Amendment attorney uh, Mark Randazza. And uh, so Postle owes both of us 
27k for attorney's fees and still hasn't paid so we're we're still doing those collection efforts but that's uh that's still ongoing and we're not going to forget it, it's still owed and uh you know that's that's uh i we, i said to Possible. I've said it many times through this show, and he he will listen whenever he thinks he's being mentioned. He doesn't listen to every show, to my knowledge, but he when he thinks he's being mentioned, he listens. And I've said many times, it didn't have to go this way. He could have dropped me out real early when we presented that he was going to lose the anti-slap, and that furthermore, even from a moral standpoint, no matter what he thinks of his guilt or innocence, I was not a major person at all. I was extremely minor. I shouldn't have been part of it. I was just dropped in probably as part of a grudge because I was being mean on Twitter about this in, just before it was about to be filed. So that's so stupid that I was... I, I should never have been part of this in the first place. So, you know, whatever happened, it just that's the result when you file frivolous lawsuits, especially in California, and that's the way it goes. So uh, we have somebody back here who probably had a whole good night of sleep. Vintage one, hello. Uh. <laughs> what is that? You guys are out of control. You sound fresh as a new day, man. How are you still going? I don't know. I don't know. I, you know people wouldn't guess I've been doing this show now for uh, over 12 and a half hours, but I have been. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. So uh, it, we're, we're going to make this a two episodes, by the way. I oh, okay. That's said smart. that a few times. Yeah. So that, that it's not too overwhelming to download uh, the 13 hour show. After we do this, this. We're, we're in 2019. We're about to go to 2020. So once we're done with 2021, uh, we're, we're going to be shutting this down. So we're towards the end. Moving on to 2020, pretty obvious what that topic is going to be. This is not a poker fraud alert only topic. COVID shuts down Las Vegas and the world. And no point for me to go on for a long time about COVID. You guys are all very aware of it, having lived it. But a few things I want to mention. The night that uh, Kobe Bryant, well, the, the night after he had died, so he died in the, in the morning, the night after he died, I went to Commerce. So it was the same day, it was just in the evening. And uh, it was empty there. It was emptier than, than it had been in recent times. And I, I was wondering what was going on. And I even mentioned it at the table. I said, uh, uh What's going on here? Why is it so empty? So someone proposed at the table that they thought the reason it was so empty there was that uh, people were depressed about Kobe dying and they just didn't feel like going out to play poker, which may have been true. That may have been part of it. So I thought, yeah, that's a good, that's a good guess. Maybe that is it. Maybe people just aren't really in the mood to do recreational things tonight because it really, it really affected the city of L.A. pretty big to, uh, badly. And, and uh, a lot of people felt very sad about this. It was just... You, you didn't expect Kobe Bryant to die. He was a young guy. That night, I'm sitting there playing e-commerce, and then I'm just looking around in between hands, and I see these Asian guys with masks on. And I go, wait a minute. Is it possible that this COVID thing they're talking about, that they don't even know if it's in the U.S. yet, but that it's in China and there's some fear that it'll come to the U.S.? And is it possible that that's the reason people are staying out of commerce? And I'm looking and I'm going, shit, you know what? This kind of seems like a place where you would catch it. And since it was a thing coming from China, so many dealers at Commerce are from mainland China originally. And while they didn't just come from China, they have relatives that might have just come there. 
that may live with them. And I'm like, shit, if anybody's likely to be carrying this from China, it's dealers and commerce. Go, shit. There's a lot of things that add up together here to where it feels like if, if COVID is showing up in the U.S., this is going to be one of the first places it is. So I said, okay, this doesn't feel safe. I'm going to finish out this session and I'm not going to play in L.A. card rooms until this is over. So that's what I said in, in January of 2020, before anyone was doing things like this and, and not showing up places because of COVID. Then the Super Bowl Sunday, you know, for that weekend, I went to Vegas and I did play a little bit uh, at the Bellagio and I felt, okay, you know, there's not mainland China dealers here, so I don't feel that worried about it. But then at the end of that weekend, I go, you know what? This still feels kind of unsafe. Like It's so easy to catch viruses in casinos. You know what? That's it. I'm done with live poker. I'm not playing live poker again in a card room until this is done. So my last time playing live poker was in very early February 2020, long before any discussion of shutdowns or, or any restrictions or anything like that, or about masking. People weren't masking then. Uh, none of that was going on. So that was, and in fact, I did a, a poker fraud alert show mentioning you know, when we talked about COVID and, and we were taking some guesses of where it was going to go. But I have to go back and listen to what I said then. But uh, it, it wasn't uh, believed yet that it was going to shut down everything because we just had never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. And then in by mid-March, the shutdown started happening. And then Vegas just completely shut everything down and the casinos were just outright closed. And boy, did it wreak havoc upon Las Vegas. And just so many things changed and a lot of these haven't changed back and you know some of them have eased up some of them are returning somewhat to normal as i mentioned on the show i decided to take it pretty seriously now i'd say for the first uh up until about mid-april i was still going to places like the supermarket i wasn't being super hard line but we got to about mid-April, and I said, "You know what? I really don't want to get this because I was I was concerned that I a lot of people who were middle-aged were dying, and there were even beliefs that maybe having high blood pressure would raise your chance of dying. Having type A blood, both of you know, had both that that raised your chance of dying." Because so I go, "You know what? If I were 25, I wouldn't be that scared of this. Since I'm in my late 40s, I, I think I better. I, I really don't want to catch this because once you do, you're just screwed. You just got to." hope nothing happens. So I was really, really cautious. And uh, I just decided that, and it was correct, I, I decided that it was indoors that was a big culprit, that uh, I just don't want to be anywhere indoors and then I'm going to be safe. It's not like a cold that you're going to catch on surfaces. So I, at first I was scared of the surfaces. Then I learned that, the, after everybody learned that the surfaces weren't the culprit. So I said, okay, all I really have to worry about is being indoors. But I also wasn't doing takeout food because I wasn't totally sure if that was safe turned out that probably was it really turns out it looks like you're inhaling it uh indoors and that's the way just about everybody gets it so i avoided it i didn't catch it and i had very very little exposure and then i when the vaccines became available i got them as soon as i could yeah i wasn't top priority because i wasn't uh you know really old but uh, I, I got the vaccine as soon as I could, and I, I got the second shot. Yeah, I, I got the third shot, you know, the booster in mid-October. And, uh, you know, I haven't gotten it yet. I, I mentioned earlier in the show, Omicron was right in my house with my son, but I didn't catch it, probably thanks to the booster. But since the booster does wear off like the original vaccine did, it's now approaching five months, I, it's 
it's probably a lot weaker protection for me than I had before. So I, I think that it might be in my near future that I get Omicron. And if I do, I do. But I'm kind of hoping Omicron just dies out and that's the end of it before I get it. But maybe, maybe not. Finally, 2021. We're going to go back to a young man named Mason Malmuth. Mason Malmuth sold 2 plus 2 for a lot of money. I've even heard it like, a, like uh, you guys will be surprised, but I think I mentioned this before. I heard a rumor, I don't know if it's true, that he sold it for $1 million. Which, if he did, he got a tremendously good price. I Meaning Mason did. I mean, it's not worth that because it's been a ghost town. A long time ago, it was worth more than that, but uh, not in 2021. Anyway, whatever he got for it, if he got a lot of money, he did well. But I was surprised because it kind of seemed like 2 plus 2 was his whole life. Like, I, I've never seen once in a card room where he wasn't wearing a 2 plus 2 polo shirt. Like, it seems like he won't go anywhere without wearing 2 plus 2 gear. It's just, 2 plus 2 is his entire identity. So I was surprised that he sold it. And, and sure enough, he still posts there to this day, even though he's not the owner anymore. He sold it to some, like, uh, I, I called them Russians. Um, they may not actually be Russians. They may even be Ukrainian. I'm forgetting what they might have actually been, but it's something along those lines. I know they went to school in Russia. They, they're definitely, they have some Russian association at the very least. And I have no problem with these Russian owners. And and I told them that. I said, you know, regardless of what I had issues with Mason, I, I don't hold it against you guys and I'm going to respect the way you guys run this and I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't want to cause problems for you guys or headaches for you guys because you, know, you guys have nothing to do with any issues I had with Mason just because you're the new owners. I told them that. But anyway, Mason faced renewed criticism over things from the site's past, and it really dredged up a lot of stuff from back in 2008 that involved Brandy Hawbaker, who tragically died of suicide that year, and that uh, David Skolansky, who was uh, an admin on 2 Plus 2 and also Mason Malmuth's uh, star author for 2 Plus 2 Publishing, that uh, there's a lot of criticism of how Skolansky behaved toward uh, Brandy Hawbaker and also with some very young girls, even younger than Brandy, who was in her early 20s. Uh, they're actually, I think, mid-20s, but uh, um, much younger girls, in fact, some under 18 that he was involved with, which in, in Nevada is not illegal as long as they're over 16, but still, you know, it was inappropriate. And a lot of criticism was thrown at both David and Mason over this. Now, Mason didn't have any kind of involvement with young girls. He's been uh, married to a woman around his age for a long time. So th there's no sex scandals for Mason, but it was the fact that he seemed to be willing to look the other way and not disassociate with David when a lot of this stuff came out. But the most damaging allegation that was known back in 08, but it was revisited last year, was that David emailed to Brandy when they were having uh, issues with one another that uh, that she would be better off killing herself. And this is someone who, who was known to have suicidal feelings and suffer from depression and known to have bad mental illness. You don't tell someone with, with those type of uh, mental illnesses that they'd be better off dead and better off killing themselves. And he also threatened at one point that uh, he would have people like throw acid on her face and disfigure her. So really nasty stuff for an older man to write to this girl in her 20s especially someone with mental illness. 
and yeah, Brandy Hallbaker wasn't an angel. You know, she she had there's something she did that uh, I and others didn't like. Even then, you can't completely blame the mental illness. But you know, some of it was driven by the mental illness, and uh, you know, it's a very sad story what ended up happening. And and people have wondered would she have actually committed suicide if uh, she hadn't received these emails from David Skolansky telling her these things. I mean, you, you just don't write that to that to, to anyone like that, even if you're mad at them, if uh, you think they might do it. So, you know, if someone wrote this to me, it wouldn't matter, because I'm not going to ever kill myself. So if someone says you'd be better off killing yourself, I wouldn't like to receive that, but it's, it's, it would never make me say, oh, you know what, maybe they're right, maybe I'll kill myself. Like that's, uh, that's not part of me, and even when I suffered the very highest level of depressions, I never had that in me to do, and never even considered it. But, but someone who does have that in them to do, and does have those tendencies you don't ever say that to them and uh especially there's a big difference in uh age and and sophistication level between those two and, and then another thing came out again about david about a, a girl who was uh due to some inbreeding things like that a girl who named sue that he had lived with that uh he had a sexual relationship with that uh you know also definitely had some mental deficiencies, let's just say, and definitely was far, far, far less sophisticated than David, and there was a a lot of criticism about that. And again, this is something that David had admitted back in 08, but they kind of got out of this back in 08 without a whole lot of damage. But then people are looking at it in 2021 and going, what the fuck? How did they even get out of this one? Even back in 08, this is outrageous. Like, how can you tell... Uh, the, a girl, you're going to have people throw acid in their face and disfigure them, and uh, and that the uh, mentally ill girl she'll be better off killing herself, and then she actually does it. Like, how how do you? If this happened today, the person would be done. But so so this got renewed, not by me, but some person posting anonymously. I forgot what name they were even posting under. Some people suspected it was me, but I, I promise it was not. If if I wanted to say it, I would have said it as myself. In fact, I did comment in that thread. And I agreed with some of the stuff that person was writing, but I, I was not behind it, nor do I know who did it. So it's not even like, I, I well, it wasn't me, but it was actually my friend. No, it was, uh, I have no idea who that person is, but that person seemed to be very familiar with Poker Fraud Alert and me. So probably some, maybe someone who listens to this show, maybe not. Maybe someone who lurks on my site or posts on my site, maybe not. I They never identified themselves to me and I have no clue who it is. But anyway, this person got the whole discussion going and and compressing it and and i mean at one point there were a lot of people calling for the new owners to ban mason which is crazy i imagine mason being banned from two plus two but there was some discussion there i don't i don't think the russians were ever considering it but uh, people were advising multiple people were advising the russians that they should get a fresh start and just ban mason and david over the things that had happened back in 08 and this uh really renewed discussion to this whole thing, almost like it had just happened, even though it was 13 years prior. It was really weird. It was like I was living in this weird time warp where we're back to discussing 08 drama just because it had never really been visited the proper way it should have been at the time. And what was even more interesting to me, maybe not to others, but Mason, in an attempt to defend himself uh, and to to make me look bad in the discussion, actually brought out old emails he had with Poker News at the time when Poker News owned Neverwin Poker and how he was trying to get them to censor the whole thing. 
And he was trying to show he wasn't getting the dissenter, and he inadvertently showed that he was by posting these emails. But I had no idea these emails ever occurred. Maybe, maybe I heard some rumblings about it at the time, but he posted the actual text of the emails, which is really interesting to read looking back on it. And it filled in some holes in my knowledge of what uh, Poker News thought of Neverwin Poker at the time, which they then owned because they bought it for Mike on a Neverwin. So it was very interesting insight as well with those emails that Mason still had saved that all played out on 2 Plus 2 in mid-2021. And and I was taking part in the discussions, but by no means was I driving them. As I said, that anonymous guy was doing it, a bunch of other users were doing it. I was just kind of part of the whole thing. But uh, anyway, me and Mason were uh, sniping back and forth at each other. And, and finally, the Russians came to me and this is after the whole thing had really been played out, so there wasn't that much more to say. They said, look, uh, we, we don't want to ban you, but the truth is if you're going yeah, if, if, if if to constantly be up Mason's ass here and going to be giving him a hard time, they didn't say these words, but they're basically saying if you're going to be uh, constantly battling with Mason here, uh, it's going to be too disruptive, we're going to have to remove you, but uh, you know, what can we do about this? So I said to them, look, you know, I, I respect you guys. I've said what I have to say. I gave my opinion about the stuff back in 08. I'm, but, you know, I'm done with it. I've said what I have to say. And, uh, you know, Mason starts up with me a lot, and he still does. When I post, sometimes he'll make snide comments. You know, it seems like, seems like he just can't ever get over his uh, bitterness towards me. Which, by the way, spawned from this back in 08. Because I was on Neverwin Poker, I had nothing to do with the exposure of Sklansky with this whole thing. That's the most ridiculous part. And Mason admitted it. Mason admitted that I wasn't doing it. But I was just got guilt by association, which, as Haley Hintz pointed out, uh, that that uh, she even did a follow-up article about this in 2021 when this was all happening. She accurately pointed out that I didn't have any power to stop this. She she said that Wittellis may have been able to speak louder about it to to stop uh, a lot of the drama about this. The truth was that he wasn't in control there, and that Mikeon wouldn't have listened to him anyway. And that's 100 percent true that I could not have stopped this even if I wanted to, nor would I have wanted to stop the exposure of the way Brandy was being treated by David, which I felt was being very exploitational. And I, like, I, I wasn't against that being exposed. I thought that was fine. I thought some of the other drama that spawned from it maybe you know, was, was inappropriate. But uh, as far as the exposure, what was going on from David, I thought that was correct. That, sh- that should have been happening. So I was for that. But even if I wasn't for that, I couldn't have stopped it. I, I was not an owner of Neverwin Poker. I was I was not in control. It was Mikeon and Neverwin in control, and Mikeon who made the decisions. And I could give him advice, but uh, had I told him stop this, he would have said no. <laughs> I, I guarantee that's what he would have said. You can ask him now if he would have stopped back then with the exposure of Skolansky if Druff objected. He would have said no. That was the truth then. That's the truth now. So I and I wasn't directing it. I I really kind of stayed out of it at the time. And that's why when I got banned in 08 over this and Mason developed this grudge, I was like, what did I do? I always followed two plus two rules. I didn't even get involved in this whole thing. I made a few comments, but I really was, it was really Mikeon's thing. Even though I wasn't against it, I was, uh, it was Mikeon's thing to do. And I kind of stood back and somehow I was one of the people blamed for this. He, he blamed Mikeon even more, but I was largely blamed and I, it was really guilt by association. That's really what it was. And to this day, Mason uh, strongly dislikes me, maybe even hates me, over this, which is, is ridiculous. Now, yes, since then, I've, I've made a lot of uh, 
very critical and insulting statements about him because he's held this grudge and has constantly come at me in a lot of ways. So uh, that and that, that's of course what that stupid legal threat was back in 2017. It was it was an extension of that. So anyway, uh, I still post on two plus two occasionally, and Mason still sometimes makes snide comments to me. And uh, yeah, I've respected the Russians' requests, and I, I've. Uh, I mostly just ignore when Mason says anything, and I don't post very much there. I post probably on average like once every two months or so. You can go take a look. I'm, I'm there now as Dan underscore Druff, so it's pretty easy to find me. And if you want to see what I post on 2 plus 2, you know, I, I, I really don't post that much. It, it, I'll comment on uh, something I feel needs commenting on there, but I, I would rather spend my time posting on my sites. And uh, so that was in 2021. That was one of the bigger stories, and and I covered it on radio a lot. You can go find some of the episodes here. Uh, Runner-up for 2021, I almost made this the story, instead of a second Mason thing, was when I kind of solved a long-term mystery about Full Tilt and bots that were supposedly there, and two people who got banned from Full Tilt for supposedly botting that swore they weren't. And they swore that their money was confiscated unjustly, and they sued Full Tilt. And I was actually part of the story at the time, even though I wasn't banned from there, and I wasn't accused of botting. But one of the people came to me. So uh, this story, I, I wrote out in kind of like, uh, I wrote it out in like story format, not like news story, but like uh, like a narrative, like I'm telling a story. And uh, it, it was very well liked. It was one of my most well-liked threads by people outside the community ever. So there was, it was shared by a ton of people who don't normally read Poker Fraud Alert and, and liked very much. And you can still find it. It's in the Poker Community Discussion uh, forum of PokerFraudAlert.com and it's called Case Closed. Years after shutting down, Full Tilt is still being sued over bot-related closures and I believe I've deduced the truth. And I wrote that in uh, December, or, sorry, July of uh, 2021, and it was very well liked and and shared. And uh, I appreciate that. And uh, I even had some of the people who were peripherally involved in the story, not the main people I was talking about, but some people peripherally involved were messaging me afterwards. Again, not Poker Fraud Alert members, and saying, "Hey, you know what you." got most of this correct <laughs> or you got just about all this correct from what we can tell so uh and i i really kind of just deduced everything together by a number of different sources just because i thought of it one day just like it's kind of this re- recalling that whole thing and how i was kind of dragged into it at the beginning and then i went and researched a few things and i found some stuff and i'm like wow this all makes sense i can put it all together so i it was a long thing I typed out, but it's an interesting read, especially if you were fascinated about online poker from back in those days. And I tried to write it in an uh, entertaining format, so it's not just like a dry description of bot-related closures. Like it, uh, You'll see when you read the whole thing. I almost made that it, but I, I did a long radio segment about that, but I kind of just did the segment, and that was that. So it just didn't feel as big of a story as, as the 2 plus 2 sale, which we had several radio segments about that over a period of weeks anyway that's all i got for you we had some topics we didn't cover that we will get to next time if i wanted to cover those we could have like a 15-hour show but there's only so much i i can do 
Bobby Orr just messaged me that gas hit uh, $6.10 in uh, Toronto. Anyway, I don't know if that's Canadian dollars, U.S. dollars, but I, I did mention that I had things to do today, and I have to shut it down. We've, had, we've done this for 13 hours. Longest show ever by a wide margin. Thank you all for coming on and for listening to me. And uh, this will be a two-part show in the archives. I'm not going to post it right now. Got to take a break here. It's been on for 13 hours. And I actually was on later in the morning than I was supposed to be. I have to go do some things here. So thank you, everybody. for rough. Get this thing edited. (laughs) Get to work and edit a 13-hour show. I actually probably do a lot less editing, even even in two parts. I think I'm just going to have the patience. I'm not going to have the patience to sit and edit at the 13 hour show but uh no it'd be it'd be brutal i found to edit one hour of audio takes me two or three hours yeah <laughs> I, i've gotten a little faster at it but yeah it takes a lot longer than people think and uh and then once i get started with it then i feel like if i don't do a good job with the editing then i feel like almost like guilty like i should have done a better job it's 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 so it's so stupid i sometimes wish i just throw it up there the way it was and uh but when you're listening to the show, if it does seem like I'm not just talking about this episode, I'm like a normal episode. If it seems like that, I never pause for very long and just fire out the whole thing without ever taking a breath. As some of that's the editing, and some of it is because I can just talk for a long time. Okay, well, thank you everybody for listening. So we have Cal Watts still here. We have Jay Searles who hung around for a long time. We have uh, Trey Daruski, so thank you, you guys, for appearing. I just, we just lost uh, Jay Searles, who hung up. But we have a lot of people who came on here. I can't even name them all. I'm not going to even try. But thank you to Brandon, though, for being on a long-ass time and for bringing us a lot of content and bringing uh, Sharif the Scammer back, even if it might be a second Sharif pretending to be the first Sharif, which might be the case. This is the alternate uh, All in the Family closing. This is actually from uh, Archie Bunker's Place. Different type of show, different type of closing. Different, but the same. When's the next show? I don't know. I think we're going to take a little break again. Last show was on February 19th. But I think maybe we'll do it. I'm guessing... Yeah, maybe two weeks from now. Maybe like middle of the week. I don't know. It's going to be hard to bring myself to do another show anytime soon after this monster. Ah, can't believe how long this was. I knew it was going to be long. I didn't expect 13 hours. It'll be a little bit shorter than 13 hours in the archives and I edited some things out, but I, I took no breaks. That's the other thing. I, I didn't take any breaks. You may wonder, how did I go to the bathroom? How did I go to the bathroom? That's going to close with. Uh, when Brandon was directing the conversation, what I would sometimes do is I would actually call myself on my cell phone and then take the cell phone to the bathroom and mute it and hope Brandon wouldn't try to talk to me while I was pissing in the toilet. That's how I did it. I didn't hold it for 13 hours, in case you're wondering. Okay. Thank you, everybody. We'll have another 10 years, hopefully. Another 10-year reunion for our 20th anniversary Maybe the 15th also. Good night, everybody. Good morning, actually. Shalom!